ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. And my patron peeps, what up patron peeps? I just wanted to sing to you and say thank you to my patron peeps. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it the bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside... Whatever's keeping you awake, uh, whether it's uh, thoughts, uh, feelings, uh, physical sensations, uh, changes in time or temperature or routine, schedule, whatever it is. So it could be things on your mind you're thinking about uh, from the past, present, or future. You know, those things that just pop in your head at inconvenient times, uh, how about this? I just thought of this. Because you know what pop and lock is? Like, that's a style. I guess it's, I don't know if it's a dance move or a dance style. Because you could use, it can't just be, it's more than just a move. Because you can, it's a, um, oh, I almost had the right word. Which I'm sure it's a very simple vocabulary, technique. I think it's a technique. But you see, well, what if, uh. It's, well, you say, what's pop and lock? And I say, well, I don't exactly, I say, it's not, uh, it's not the robot. You know it when you see it. Uh, but what I was really going to say is, like, thoughts just pop in your head. Like, what if, here's an, just a tech, this is another technique. Take, take a technique and build a technique with it. Because sometimes when I'm trying to go to bed, thoughts just pop in my head. And I was just thinking, what if we made those thoughts pop and lock or do any sort of like a, a dance moves you find entertaining but difficult to do on your own? Like a pop and lock, break dance, it could be anything. Uh, like, uh, But so you picture that in your mind, you say, oh boy, spilling milk on yourself uh, when you had a suit on or something, you say. Okay, that's not a memory I need to think about. I'm going to bed. But you say, okay, well, if the part of my brain, the representative image of that, the person, not the part, not the memory, you could picture yourself doing that. It would be pretty cool. There's another technique we just found. If you do spill something on yourself, just start to dance right after it. Like in in a way you say, well, I just spilled something. That's what I do when I spill something on myself. I dance. uh it's a dance of acceptance of my imperfection. Being imperfect makes me want to dance. Some part of my brain said, so do you dance all of the time? And I'd say, well, I'd strive to, like, honestly, within me. But I was going to say, what if the part of me that's bring that popped that memory into my brain, not necessarily the memory of me spilling milk on myself when I'm wearing a suit, Actually, the last time here, here's a, this is a, I'll get back to it. But the last time I was in a suit, uh, I was at a family function. And, uh, then after the family function, this is about, uh, 18 months. Uh, I don't know. It was 2019. 
after the family function, and I, I'm pretty sure this is what happened. Two, two, there's a buffet, you know, with uh, baked aziti was one of the things in the buffet. And it's like I didn't notice this till it was really embarrassing. So at some point, one of three things happened. While I was eating some baked ziti, it dropped into my lap, uh, and then maybe I ground it into my um, my air my lap area. If you know what I'm saying, it was still clearly baked ziti. So that's one of the things that could happen, but I don't think that happened because I don't eat, I, like, if there's a buffet with baked ziti, I don't think I would eat enough, like, I'm usually not eating a lot of baked ziti. If you're new, don't worry, I'll get back to you. This is an early tangent. You're in for a treat. Uh, but, so I don't think that happened. So the other two things that could happen is, one, I walked, I, you know, just like Icarus, I, like, some reason my, my lower extremities like bumped up against some ZD like uh, and they say if you can't laugh at that what can you laugh at so that's the other possibility but the third thing is what I think really happened is I gave a hug I knew one of the people that was running the buffet and so I gave her a hug I said holy cow uh, like uh, can you take a break and and so maybe there was ZD and their apron and it got onto my uh, lap area. Now, after that, uh, which even if it was a hug, it was when I was getting ready to leave, but not when I left. So I probably still saw 12 to 20 members of my family and said goodbye to them with a groin full of ZD. Also, that'll be a book or an album I'll put out one day. Uh I don't know, like a lap full ZD, you're right. Let's just go, you know, let's leave it subtextual. You're right. Uh, they're just two different, yeah, you're right, a lap full of ZD. I think David Sedaris already wrote that. That was like a, probably in a, uh, so that's probably not, that's probably out. I got to do a groin full of ZD. And then we had to go, so we left this buffet. Then we had to go, we went to a Walgreens uh, to pick something up. Then we went from to an Aldi, an Aldi's or Aldi's, so however you say that, uh, to pick uh, something up. Uh, for yet, We went from buffet, and then we still had to go again for like a coffee, and we had to bring something to the coffee. So we went to Aldi's to get that. And at some point when I was in the Aldi's, when either my brother said it to me or I noticed that I had a groin or a lap full of ziti. Like, covered. Like, not just, like, huh, is that ZD or is that, uh, you know, it was like, there was, like, pieces of ZD and ricotta. Uh, like, uh, it didn't look, like, embarrassing. It looked like I, like, still had, it was like a, there was some sort of uh, mechanic, what's that called? Magnet. I had ZD magnetism. <laughs> it gets even better, I guess. You say, oh, boy, you got a magnetic uh, thing going there with your ZD. So if I would have noticed that, at the time I just said, oh, well, like uh, that kind of stinks because I only wear a suit like once every three years. And I wasn't planning on cleaning the suit for until three years from now. So now I have to figure And now that I just realized that my suit is still in my closet with the ZD on it. And so what was that? What was my point there? Uh, we got to get that suit cleaned. It's because it's the only suit I own, too. Wonder how 18 months of ZD will do in there if it's really ground in. I don't know if I'll be able to shout it out. 
Oh, my point was, so what if I had pop and locked right there on Aldi? So she started dancing or doing jazz hands, whatever it is, uh, uh, dancing knees or, you know, hip, you know, Shakira doing the Shakira hip thing or something, some pop culture reference that people actually would recognize, which would take that, that dance move, I'd say. I don't even know because people don't do like even the dances. I'm kind of aware, like some TikTok dance. Uh, oh yeah, that TikTok dance where you put your hand above your head while you drop your knees uh, to your ankles, so your butt touches your heels. Uh, I'd like to be good at. I should have done that one. That's at the end of one of those TikToks from 2019. So, oh, so my point is, hey, let me hear whatever's keeping you awake, thoughts, uh, feelings, uh, physical sensations, changes in time or temperature, uh, any of those things. I'm here to take your mind off of that. I think maybe that tangent may have, holy tangential. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, and superfluous tangents, which we went from a pointless meander to a superfluous tangent. Uh, just then, I'm going to go off topic, clearly, all to take your mind off stuff while you fall asleep. Now, if you're new, a couple things to know. And it's a little late. I'll agree. I'll agree with you there. Uh, one, this podcast uh, does not work for everybody, and it's not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, but for the people it works for, it takes two or three tries. So, so one thing to know is give it two or three tries. The other thing is that you, this is a podcast you don't really listen to. It's a podcast you're barely present for, and you don't have to give it very, very much attention. Uh, like, so you say, okay, well, I wasn't even aware, like, like ideally say, I don't even know what Scoots was talking about. Something about, he was baking ziti or he invented a dance called baked, the baked ziti. Uh, but it was really just that, like, uh, I think, or maybe he said if he could invent a dance, he wouldn't invent a dance called the baked ziti because he said, well, I don't know. And then he said, maybe I would, he goes, I don't think I would do a dance just called the ziti. He said, but maybe the ZD, he could do a dance where you're doing a Z and then a D. And so I don't know, that would be what you'd remember about this podcast in the morning if you're a regular listener. Now, if you're new, just kind of consume that podcast, like see if you could have a looser hold on this podcast. Just barely pay attention to me. Uh, so that's one thing to know. The second thing to know is that... Uh, what is the second thing? Oh, uh, this is podcast. Oh, a podcast. Oh, it's not really here to put you to sleep either. I'm here to keep you company as you drift off. Uh, and I have give you plenty of time to drift off. The reason the shows are about an hour is so you could drift off at your leisure. There's no pressure to fall asleep. I'm going to be here for about an hour. And if you can't sleep, I'll be here to the very end. I'll be here telling you a bedtime story, whether you're awake or asleep. So it's a podcast you don't need to listen to. It doesn't really put you to sleep. just keeps you company. Ideally, I become your boar bay, your boar friend, your boar sib, your boar bestie, your boar cuz. So those are things you need to know. The other thing is for new listeners is the structure of the show can throw people off. Uh, show starts off with a greeting. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary. So you know you're seen and welcome here. 
Uh, that's how I just start to invite you into the safe place that I'm trying in an imperfect way to create. Uh, then there's business. That's how we're able to bring you a podcast twice a week on a regular basis is uh, the sponsors and the people that support the sponsors. And that's like a few minutes. Then there's an intro. The intro is around 12 to 20 minutes long, and it's me rambling, going off topic, as you saw, with two goals. One to put, well, a couple goals. One to introduce new people to the podcast and give you a general idea of what to expect, which is nonsense and tangents. Uh, uh, two is to put you to sleep, really, or to try to help you unwind. Uh, if you become a regular listener, because regular listeners is like 2% of regular listeners skip ahead to 20 minutes and start the show there. Uh, so everyone else starts the show and listens kind of through, but people listen through in a different way. Some people start playing it before they get into bed as they start to unwind or lightly read or doodle or do any uh, yarn or, uh, like, uh, what is that other stuff called, uh, thread-based activities. Maybe some, you know, maybe you're modeling clay. Maybe you're, you're you know, maybe you're modeling clay like uh, like I am. Maybe I, that's my TikTok outfit. I say, oh, boy, I'm modeling clay. I'm wearing it as a, you know, clay-based outfit. I think if I was going to, I don't know if terracotta is actually a clay, but that seems very breathable. So that would probably be the one I'd be most interested in if I have a choice. But I guess maybe some softer clay on the inside. Though, of course, I'll have a lap full of ricotta, so that helps too. Um, oh, so the intro, so some listeners fall asleep during the intro, but a lot of listeners are either getting ready for bed or they're getting in bed and I'm easing you into bedtime. So for the regular listener, what up regular listeners? You're not regular to me. Believe me, you're super special. Uh, so I get to come up with another term for that, uh. But you listen on a regular basis. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you a regular listener. You know you know what I meant. Uh, my boar bays, my boar cousins, my boar sibs, my boar besties, my boar bris. Uh, those of you that dance the, the ZD and the ZD with me. Uh, um, so do, you, you know what I was talking about. I don't. But so it eases everybody into bedtime. Takes your mind off of stuff. Uh, so you could kind of fall asleep and get some distance from the day. So that's what the intro does. And some new listeners say, why does it go on and on and on? Or why don't you get to the point? Or are you just talking about business or something? I say, no, I'm kind of talking about, I'm talking about something, but with a whole lot of nothing. And uh, just, kind of, I, mean, I mean, using ZD as a metaphor, you say, okay, I mean, ZD is the big, the thick round ones, right? Uh, Maybe penne, like a ziti is like a giant penne. Is that am I on the right track? And some, some of the, if you baked ziti, is it like a tomato sauce with ricotta cheese? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. And some people could say, like, if you, if you were, if you came from a place where you say, like, if you were paying for the buffet and you weren't familiar with ziti, and let's just say you were paying, instead of paying, like you say, well, uh, uh, a dish is each $20, uh, and you weren't paying by pound. You say, well, at our buffet, we do charge by the cubic uh, 
cubic foot. Uh, and he said, well, I don't want ziti because it's a whole lot of nothing. And he said, well, no, it's not. Uh, it's ricotta, it's pasta, it's tomato sauce. Very popular because it uh, fits a lot of different uh, eating types. And we use a non-dairy ricotta here. You know, gluten-free pasta. So, uh, you see, but it's like uh, if I'm paying by the cubic foot, I want something denser. Can you crush the ZD down? You see, aren't you in the middle of an intro for a sleep podcast? I see, you're right. Thank you. Thanks. You're worth your weight in cubic feet, uh, if you don't mind me saying. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about? That's great. Uh, anyway, just leave the ZD. I'll have one crushed and one non-crushed ZD, please. Oh, you put it in my lap. Thank you so much. Oh, sorry, that was a part of my brain. So just see how it goes. See how the intro goes. Uh, the other things you need to know is uh, I make this show because I've been there and I know how it feels tossing and turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. So I just want to help you get a good night's sleep because you deserve a good night's sleep. The world and your world and our world will be a better place if you get the sleep you need. So. Uh, that's why I make the show is so you can get some rest. And now the podcast does not work for everybody. So just kind of see how it goes. It's free to listen to. So give it a couple tries and see how it goes. And I hope it helps you. I really appreciate you coming by and checking this podcast out. I work very hard. Oh, what else? The structure of the show. Sorry. After the intro is business. Some part of my brain just told me then it'll be our ongoing episodically modular series, odder things. And then some thank yous at the end. Uh, so I, that's why I, I wanted to just tell you that. So thank you so much for checking the show out. I work very hard. I yearn and I strive. I really want to help you fall asleep. And thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we're able to bring you this podcast twice a week. All right. Hey, everybody. Scoots, I'm going to turn things right over to Emma um, Otter. Uh, and uh, this uh, archived audio I was able to get. Hey, everybody, this is Emma Otter here. I'm here to tell you a tale, and I want you to know right up front that all will be well. So if you're thinking or wondering about that, I just you know, want you to know that right up front. But this is a tale about a, t- a place uh, where I live, a town in a swamp. And if you've never heard any of my, this story before, don't worry. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know right now to get you caught up and in the right place. Because you are in the right place right now. And you're in the right pause with my pause here. Like, and I'll have extra pauses here as Emma Otter. So I'm Emma Otter. I'm an otter, and I live in a place, a swamp, uh, and uh, part of a greater swamp area. And I'm a member of a family. Uh, we I live with my mother, my father, my youngest sibling, and then my older brother, Tefe. And my brother, Tefe, my parents and my, my, my youngest sibling really aren't super important. You know, just like, uh, I mean, they're important, but not in this, this story that I'm telling you. My brother, Tefe, does play a role. And Tefe's the kind of otter you see that looks like he just dove into a water, silky water, and came out ready to do a gum commercial or something. He's the smoothest otter in town. You know, if if, if there was a, a place where otters performed or were viewed, 
That's just Tefe. It really gets on my nerves, but what can you do? He's my older brother. And he knows it, though. He knows he shines. Um, so that's that's my house. I have a, a, quite a few friends. A best, Of course, a close best friend that knows who they are, as well as a variety of other really close friends. Uh, and they know, you know, in their hearts that they're my best friend, but that I have other close friends, too. So once upon a time... I had uh, three best, uh, three close friends uh, that I'm mentioning in no particular order. Willow, uh, Elijah, and Vaughn. Those are my three friends. And since then, I've made a new friend named Billy. But before we met Billy, it was just uh, Willow, Elijah, and Vaughn. And I, LJ and V, they go by. Willow just goes by Willow. I, I don't know why, like, she doesn't go by Willow or O. But maybe she will start going by that. Uh, but so we used to play a role playing game called Bards and Big Bunnies. We were also into like dressing up in historical as characters and performing and stuff like that. And we're in middle school, Tefe's in high school. Uh, and yeah, Bards and Big Bunnies is a game like a role playing game about the big things in life music and bards from the olden days, and big bunnies who would come and try to take your town's resources and the bards that would protect the town with power song, along with other adventurers. And one night we were playing Bards and Big Bunnies, we finished the game. But on the way home, Willow took a trail less, a road less taken on her water bike. And she, uh, we thought she took a road less taken where she moved away to the big city, River Bottom, Henson Town, someplace like that, recorded an album, like started her musical career, which, you know, other people have in middle school, but we didn't know about it. And, and also albums first, the first album that arrived in our town by like right after Willow left, which was very efficient, was about goofing on our town. Most of the songs were making fun of our town. And we said, you know, something wasn't right there. Willow would have told us, uh, how could you record an album and put it out in just a few days? Even Willow, while she would goof on us, she wouldn't goof on us. And I mean, she was big into parody music, uh, so we just thought it was strange, and the whole thing, we didn't buy it. At the same time, right when it, right after it happened, we didn't even buy it. So we were looking for Willow, and the past less to less taken, Dark and Wood and all those places. Uh, and that's where we met Billy. Now, Billy was a duck-billed beaver who had come from a place beyond the swamp. Now, okay, so we live in a swamp uh, surrounded on three sides by swamp, which is some of you you might not understand is like a variety of like a uh, swamp's a general term. There's some forest, uh, there's some swamp, there's some muck, and that goes on and on and on. A greater swamp area. On one side, though, it's bisected by road, and that's the place beyond the swamp. It, technically, I think it's a swamp, but we don't go there. But there's also there's a road. Mysterious vehicles travel on the road. And we're not supposed to go on the road because there's vehicles that go by. And then beyond that is like an old visitor center and bog walk uh, that, we're again, we're not supposed to go to. 
And we were looking. We said, well, maybe, did Willow go over near there or something? Um, and that's when we found Billy, the duck-billed beaver. Turned out Billy was lost uh, or had left the place beyond the swamp, the, the visitor center. And Bill, Billy also had powers, magical powers of song. Billy could sing and make you, like, she could sing a song like Freeze Frame and you would freeze. Uh, she might sing a song like, uh, go to sleep, go to sleep. You would instantly go to sleep. So just like in the game Bards and Big Bunnies, Billy somehow had a power, like powers through song, either superpowers or magical powers. And then we were work, we've been working with Billy trying to find, uh, Willow, but also LJ and Vaughn, LJ in particular said, well, aren't we supposed to just find Willow? Why are we helping this kid? We don't even know. Duck-billed beaver, uh, who, which is odd anyway. And how, why are we getting caught up in this? So that's been an ongoing tension with all of us. Uh, we also recently discovered that, uh, we could use our tuning forks. We, if we follow our tuning forks, uh, like for a sympathetic vibration, we thought we could find, oh, cause we thought we've figured out that Willow had kind of gone to a place we'd used Billy's powers to get a hold of Willow and discover that, uh, Willow is in a place called the size down which is a bit like in the Southern Suave trilogy, we think, some sort of other parallel universe um, or something. And we're trying to find our way there using our tuning forks, which have a sympathetic vibration. We also have an electromagnetic tuning fork we made, two of them. But we followed those, and we didn't find Billy. We found out, or we didn't find Will. We found out Billy was controlling them. And then Billy and Elijah had a big, strong disagreement. And Billy uh, sang the song Impulsive, and Elijah ran away. And then we were upset with Billy, and we used strong words with Billy, and Billy ran away. Uh, so that's what's going on with us. And, and But this part of the story is more about... Uh, so our town has uh, the greater, like our local swamp authority... Our community resources are managed by our community resource manager, Bull, Leon the Frog. And he's really all-around great frog, really cares about the community, a little bit of a curmudgeon. He discovered that the place beyond the swamp, something's going on there. Uh, and we'll get it more into that tonight. I've discovered more. But he said he's had the same reaction at first. Willow moved away. And somehow he hasn't 100% tied Willow to the place beyond the swamp, the visitor center, and below it is a whole complex where they're up to stuff. Uh, and uh, Willow's mom, Willow will live with her mom and her sister, her mom, uh, Francis, and her sister, Dari. Francis is a bespoke, well, she works at a store, but she, one day she hopes to have her own bespoke wind chime business. Uh, she was communicating with Willow via wind chime to the place beyond the swamp. And she knew Willow was, but everybody doubted her. They said, no, 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 Willow recorded an album and moved away. 
But now, of course, she's working with Bull because they said, oh, wait, you're right. You were right all along, Francis. Something's going on with Willow. Let's find out. Now, Dory, my uh, Willow's sister, and my brother Tefe are working together as well. Now, Tefe, who knows what Tefe's motivations are? Probably, if there's a mirror involved, Tefe's in. But Dari is, of course, looking for her sister. And at first, she said, well, something's odd. She went to her dad's house uh, in uh, River Bottom uh, with Tefe. And they discover, like, she discovered that Will wasn't at her dad's house. Uh, her dad's J-U-R-K. Then she came out to the car, which it was Tef, our uncle Emmett's vehicle, but uh, Tefe was K-A-S-S-I-N-G-ing Dari's now formal, you know, at that time, former best friend, Babs. Uh, then they drove home. Then uh, Babs went for a walk. Then Babs was also, they said, where'd Babs go? She just went for a walk. Now, did she go and record an album somewhere? And since then, Dari has been like, okay, something's going on. And then they discovered that yeah, Babs did encounter some sort of big bunny or some big bunny that sings lullabies and makes sounds. So that's kind of where we left off. And before I get to the story here, here's our most famous performer, actor, sometimes a singer, an otter, and an all-around gentleman, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, uh, Emma. Uh, ladies is a gentleman, is a boys is a girl, so friends beyond the binary. Don't worry. All will be well. Because it's time for other uh, things to splish, splash. Uh, thanks, Antonio. So that's Antonio. And Antonio and I, we're going to play... Uh, we're going to play a Plinkety Plunk, so if you want to wait around, we'll play that later. So when we last left off, like, uh, well, what I didn't tell you was, so we had our community resource fair, which is a big fair in our town, big deal. And while we were, me and my friends were looking into stuff, uh, Dari and Tefe were riding the uh, Ferris wheel. And they were discussing what they didn't know. They only knew what Dari and Tefe knew. They didn't know what we knew or even what Emma or uh, what uh, Francis or Bull knew. But they did know that Babs had encountered some sort of a big, big giant bunny, maybe with goose or something, was goose feathers. And there was carrots and it was someplace on the edge of the swamp, uh, and then, so they were riding in the um, the, uh, the 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 Ferris wheel going up, and then you know for a while, Tefe was relaxed. Dari was more trying to be focused on well, what are we going to do? How are we going to solve this? What do you think? You think of my sister? She also didn't know that all will be well at the time. You know, you never know that unless you have a part of you that constantly reminds you. Don't worry. All's going to be well. You're going to be okay. But they didn't have me there with them saying that like you do, that everything's going to be well. So they were talking. And at the same time, Tefe, you know, Tefe likes to use, like, uh, he is used to using the Ferris wheel for a couple activities. K-A-S-S-I-N-G and hand-holding, arm-arounding. 
foot playing or uh, goober shooting at other kids or me and my friends from the Ferris wheel. Also talking of, uh, like, so Sefik is distracted at, like, look at who, look at that down there. There's my parents, blah, blah, blah. They know everything, you know, and, uh, so Teffy was also distracted and they were talking about value systems and the value, you know, Teffy said, well, why don't like, why do we live in, uh, Teffy is a little bit of a contrarian to the way we live community based, uh, living, not, not a hundred percent community based, you know, we have our own individual home, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a nuanced system. And maybe that's it. You know, like it's a little bit too much nuance for Teffy. But Teffy said, you know, why don't we have a system where, uh, you know, I could, you know, I, why can't I get like it kind of thing? And, 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 but Dari wasn't even listening. Teffy thought Teffy was making all these gr- brilliant points about production and shining and I don't know. Oh, uh, individualism. That's what I think they call bootstrapping. And then Dari said, what? Uh, but Dari didn't realize that while Tefe, now I don't know if this was one of Tefe's techniques, he also had to put his arm around Dari. And Dari said, well, I just think, uh, like, uh, and she said, what do you, like, uh, and then she said, well, this isn't bad. It's kind of comforting. It's reminding me all will be well. Because it was just, a, you know, when you're on a thing, you're just putting your arm up anyway. So she said, okay, well, let's just roll roll with this. Uh, and then she said, so you're going to, then she was kind of listening. She said, so you're going to rebel against your parents and, and uh, the values of our society. She goes, isn't that what people do when they run away to become stars? Uh, like, are you going to become a star, Tefe? Is that what you want? Tuffy said, I don't know if I want to become a star. I just want people to recognize that I am a star. He goes, you're a star too, Dari. Like, you just don't see it. Uh, you know, this kind of stuff. Because ta- stuff that teens talk about. Um, and, you know, some teens discover, yeah, I'd like to move to River Bottom and see. Like, uh, R&B band. You know, that band was not about sharing community. Maybe they were, though about sharing community resources or back when my uncle Emmett lived, uh, that was before we switched over to community resources. And there was like, uh, you know, there was a lot of people that had to control over more of the resources than everybody else. Uh, but it was a gradual change anyway. It wasn't a big upheaval, but that's what a teens like sometimes. And then Teffy said, well, what are we going to do? And, and Dari said, we've got to go back, uh, you know, we should retrace our steps again. We could, we should go out a little bit further than where we were last time. And we should look for carrots. Like where, one of our clues is carrots. Uh, so we need it. And then Teffy uh, said, wait a second. Like, uh, I remember this one time, a couple of my buddies and I, we, you know, we, we were, you know, we, we were, uh, we had too many, you know, too many pop rocks or whatever. And we went out and we found this patch of wild carrots. I think they're wild carrots. Uh, and we were, you know, like play, play, playing, like uh, pretending they were, uh, we were dashing, like bards and big monies, basically. You know, this was kid stuff. I'm not a kid anymore, Dari. Don't worry about it. And Teffy kissed Teffy's bicep. Uh, 
But she said, wait a second, so there's giant carrots? I don't know if there is a giant carrot, but it could be in the carrot family. You're saying there's a giant swamp carrot. Where? And he said, well, not that far from where we were. And she goes, well, how long ago was that? And he goes, well, middle school, I guess. No, 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 grammar school. And she goes, so a few years ago, let's go. So they got off of the uh, thing. Now, they didn't notice that uh, some of the other kids were watching them uh, and kind of uh, in, in scorn a little bit. But they headed out right then, out into the, uh, out into the, 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 like the edge of the swamp, uh, almost to the place beyond the swamp. And it, it does affect uh, where you choose to live. Like now, Willow's family does live really far out because the road, there's just random vehicles and they're masked in mystery. Uh, so you don't want to be too close because you don't know when they don't come through very often, but they make a lot of noise. And it's just these giant vehicles. Uh, and you don't want to have to have like a way to make sure your kid, you see, like the closer you live to the place behind the swamp, the more your kids are going to think, huh? Like, unless you have a mom like Frances, like she grew, grew up and raised two grounded daughters that said, okay, well, we just won't go there. You just don't go there. Here's some sensible reasons why not. So it affects, like, a lot of people choose to kind of get have some distance and have some trees and other things between them and the road and the place beyond the swamp. So we did get out there, and, uh, like, we that's where, like, I tried to get, like, I, I tried to walk home from there, but then Tefe said, don't walk home, and that's when we got to the car and Babs was gone. So we parked there, and then we started walking, and it was a long walk. And then Teffy was talking the same night. Now, this time, Dari was actually listening because they weren't on the Ferris wheel. And he was kind of saying, like, uh, what, what if the bunnies were right? Like, what if the bunnies and bards and big bunnies, like the bards, like, uh, maybe they're better off, would be better off. Uh, and then the whole tropey thing of, like, well, maybe we need the big bunnies, uh, to keep us, like, uh, working, like, uh, w- if there wasn't anybody to take our resources, would we make our resources? And finally, Dari had enough, and she said, Tefe, I feel like you're, you're, you're operating from an ego-first position. And, uh, like, uh, and he said, what are, you, are you saying I'm selfish? Uh, and she said, well, you seem to be self-interested, and we all are, uh, but you seem to be fixated on justifying it instead of accepting it as part of being, you know, part of your, your, your consciousness. And she said, I think you need to take a hard look at it. You may even have a little bit, well, you're a narcissist, by the way, too. And Tefe said, what, 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 what would you like? Uh, she said, best, it's best we just don't talk. Well, let's just look for these carrots, uh, but then it took forever, and then there was more tension because Jerry said, are you making us take longer? Do you even remember where the carrots were? Do you remember any landmarks? And then Teffy said, I do remember a landmark. Uh, like, because they headed, uh, so if you headed straight, like, uh, so i give you just a little bit of a map in your mind. A simple one. 
So the visitor center is, uh, you can barely see it. Picture a road, like an aqueduct type road, rising up out of the swamp, maybe 10 feet, uh, you know, on a slant of uh, ground. And beyond it is a visitor center, low lying and, and dilapidated. And now to the, to, not that far from the visitor center is a tunnel that goes underneath, but it's a like it has a gate and stuff like that. So if you but if you were to head towards the tunnel, and then go left, uh, like and you go left for a while, eventually some more trees start to come up and and uh, they separate. Like so, you had trees on the left, and then the um, the road on the right, uh, and then Teffy said, and remember, we you could see like a pole sticking up uh, on the road because we were daring one another to climb up there and. Uh, and do it, and and uh, Dari said, "Did you?" And and uh, Tuffy said, "Well, I did the daring. I didn't do the doing." And then she said, "Okay, well then what?" And then Tuffy said, "Well then we go left into these like into all these trees, and, and eventually they found they started to see." Like, uh, now again, I'm not a biologist or anything or an expert, so I don't know, but you sure see carrot butts or whatever you call them, carrot stalks, I guess maybe they're called carrot greens, uh, sticking up out of there. And they started looking, and uh, but they were giant. And, and she said, Do You played with these, and they're bigger than us now. And Taffy said, yeah, these are huge. No, no, no. When we were kids, they were as big as our arms, but these must be the same ones. Uh, and Dari said, well, then it's not a fruit or a vegetable. It's like uh, it's part of the plant, the stem or something. So maybe they're not carrots. Uh, but she like dove down and she said, it feels like a texture of a carrot, though. It's interesting. And uh, Teffy said, well, now what? And Dari said, well, we keep looking around. And they kept looking around. And then uh, eventually they found one that was like the top was nibbled off. And then they looked, they got to it. She said, look over there. That one uh, doesn't have any greens, uh, but it's still sticking above the water. So it was about three feet above the water. And as they got closer to it, they saw that it went down, like it was hollowed out. It was like a giant carrot, but more of a, some sort of, it technically wasn't a root vegetable or something because it was it had been growing for years there. But, I mean, again, I don't know anything. But it had been hollowed out, and it was so long uh, that it went through down the swamp, down the water. It was above the water line, and it was below the water line. And at first they said, huh, that's, that's cool. I wonder what ate that. And then they started to look around, and it wasn't long before around that area they found scraping against the other giant carrots, uh, what could only be described as uh, goo or goop, uh, uh, feathers and bunny fur, uh, which they had seen in other places. And uh, also, like, bunny, like, uh, marks, like, the bunny had tried, like, some giant bunny had basically tried to eat some of the other carrots, but given up. Um. And then Dari said, Teffy, eat, eat, eat one of those carrots. And Teffy said, well, what if the carrot's not uh, full of nutrients? What if it doesn't taste good? 
And she said, just try to eat it. Uh, trust me. Uh, she goes, like, uh, just just try. So Tefe tried to take a bite of the carrot, and he said it tasted a bit like uh, uh, like sawdust uh, mixed with something. He said it was gross, uh, but not like he said, eh, it just it doesn't taste like much. And she goes, do you think it's carrot? And he goes, well, it's definitely, he goes, it's mealy, more mealy than a carrot. Uh, and uh, Dari kind of circled the area. And Tuffy said, what are you doing? And Dari said, I think uh, we should look at this hole. And Tuffy said, no, nah, I don't think so. Uh, and Dari said, lower me down, like in the hole, uh, through through the carrot. Uh and Tevi said, nah, 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 nah. Like, what if, like, we don't know how far down it goes. Uh, and Dari said, like, who cares? Like, just lower me down. Like, uh, you got long arms. I thought you were an otter. I thought, you know, you're a long otter. You're very, you sure? And he said, okay. So he lowered Dari down. Like, just like, just like a giant tube, but basically she was going in. And actually, once she got in there, she was like, oh, wait, I can push my arms and my legs against the side and kind of climb down. And it is kind of mealy, but sturdy. And she climbed down, and she was climbing head first uh, because she wanted to be able to see. Now, she'd also brought a lantern, uh, of course. Uh, and but So she got down there, and she said, to the, she goes, there's a... Uh, it's like a cave or something or something. And then Taffy said, what? Uh, shave what? Uh, and then she dropped in and then uh, Taffy kind of looked in there and she yelled, just wait for me. Just wait up there for me. And he heard that because she was already at the bottom. And she dropped in and it was basically not dry ground, but uh, muck-like ground. And it was like a pocket of uh, below the swamp of, uh, now I would say that it was probably some sort of, like, I guess, like, I did talk to a scientist about this, that these, whatever these root vegetables were, this was some sort of limestone. And this vegetable secreted something that enabled, enabled it to penetrate the limestone. That's why the swamp wasn't like, uh, that's why it was sturdy above her. And then Dari just started going and walking, and uh, and it wasn't far. Like, uh, there was only one direction, and there was clearly a big bunny tracks. Uh, and she said the, the big bunny, like, it was clear. It was a high, higher ceilings, but that it was, like, uh, on the roof and the floor, like, it was like the bunny had to, like, crawl to get through there because there's bunny fur and feathers on the floor and the walls. And she said, well, that's odd. And she kept going for a while. And then eventually she thought she heard some singing and she saw a light ahead. So she turned down her lantern and uh, she listened. And she was like, she started to kind of recount her steps and kind of get a direction. And because she had gone a long way, she said, wait a second, this has got to be, I may be beyond the swamp. I may have gone under the road even. And she did kind of realize that it was sloped downward. So as each possible, like each thing, she was like uh, going deeper and deeper, but a slow slope. 
and eventually she got closer and she heard she could swear she heard some singing uh so she was really quiet and then she eventually went into this area that opened up and there was a bigger chamber and then beyond it was like uh like what looked like concrete, like like it was, so it was like this bigger chamber, and the cave started to go into something that looked like concrete walls. But that was also covered with muck and stuff like that. Uh, and then she started to go down this like spiraling thing, uh, and that's where the singing was coming from, a little bit below. And uh, she said, "Wait a second, there's something." ominous about this uh, spiraling even lower in the combination of a cave and then concrete and then muck uh, something feels a bit off but then she got like a little bit lower and then she realized that it was like it went lower further but there was also another chamber off of like like almost like you took it went, went down a few floors and she, she said, that's where the singing's coming from. So she started to crawl. Uh, and remember, all will be well. Don't worry. This was actually soothing singing, like a bit like a lullaby or someone humming while they were working or something like that. And so she was crawling and trying to get closer and closer. And then she went into this room and she started to look and... Uh, it was like a smaller, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen when people celebrate the holiday season or some other season, or maybe they just decorate their house with like a miniature or they have a train set, uh, like a miniature town. She started to see that in the, the like, she went into this room and the, the streets, like, it was like, the, it was all like made of, uh, she wasn't sure if it was made of mud or some sort of like sandy cement, uh, but it was like this uh, dark mud sand, but not, it was hard. She touched it, version of their town, like a, a one eighth or one twentieth version of the town. And it stretched across this chamber. And, uh, like, uh, big enough that she could almost, uh, like, put her head in the buildings. So not, like, uh, a different size than, uh, she said, wait a second, like, I could almost get into one of these buildings just barely. And then she started to notice different, like, like figures. Uh, but she still heard the singing, and she, she, this was in another room, so she kept going uh, and it was actually like she f went to the edge of our town, and then at the edge of that town was a wall. Uh, but it, again, like painted at the wall was like uh, what looked like the road, and and it was being like drawn in a very crude way with mud and, and other things. And then the tunnel uh, that went to the place beyond the swamp, uh, and that's where the kind of sound was coming from. And then she tried to crawl in the tunnel, and she could swear, if you'd ask her, that she could see in the tunnel. She said she thought she saw, she saw some mobiles in some giant cribs. But right as she thought she saw a giant crib, uh, uh, she, she slipped, and she went splat. And then she heard something, stop, whatever was singing, stopped singing. 
And then she heard a thump and everything shaked. And then she was like, that must be the big bunny. Thump. And then she saw it come out of into the hall. Like she was in a hall. The bunny had come out of the room with possibly giant mobiles and whatever. And the bunny saw her and thump. Uh, and Dari ran. And then she ran into town and she she was now Dari, holy intelligence. Uh, Dari uh, took her lantern and uh, turned it on, and then threw it in one of the bigger uh, rooms, like one of the bigger uh, ta- things in town. And then she hid in in one of the buildings. And so the bunny thumped, thumped, paused where she was hiding, but then thumped, thumped, thumped over to where the light was just barely shining out because Dari had thrown it all the way in the back of one of these model-type buildings uh, of our town. And when the bunny got over there, Dari bolted right out of uh, the thing and started running back. Uh, and again, she, she she felt the bunny coming. For, like, first she got pretty far. Then she heard the bunny chasing uh, but she said, okay, well, the bunny's going to have to go pretty slow in this last, uh, like, chamber. So she thought she was home free. Uh, and then she's yelling, Tefe, Tefe, throw a rope, reach down. Now, meanwhile, Tefe was, like, totally chilling and, and actually, like, pensive, a little bit pensive. If you saw Tefe, but Tefe was looking, it was a full moon. Tefe was looking at Tefe's reflection in the water. You know, kind of tall. Do you, do you really think I am? Uh, do, do you know? Am I caught up with myself? Is that all I care about? Uh, you know, back and forth type thing. And Dari's like yelling, Taffy, Taffy, reach down for me. Now she got up there, and then she realized that like she she had underestimated how many carrots or whatever carrot type things were sticking down through the limestone roof. That like. Uh, so she was like, which one? She was having trouble. And she heard the bunny getting closer and closer. And then she's like, Tefe, Tefe, throw down a rope or something, uh, your tail. And uh, Tefe said, and then Tefe thought Tefe heard something. Uh, and then just in time, uh, Tefe did lo- like hold on to the edge of the carrot and lower down and then Dari saw Tefe's tail, and then she grabbed it, and then Tefe climbed out with Dari. And uh, then they still bolted. They ran out of the swamp, jumped in, like, uh, and they drove uh, all the way back to my house, actually. And then they went downstairs in my house, and they, like, uh, like, uh, like, said, wait a second, let's get cleaned up. Uh, and then Tefe was like, I can't believe my sister's having sleepovers, like, because they had the fort set up uh, that Billy had been staying at. And meanwhile, I was in my bed asleep. This was after we had, Billy had run away. Uh, so we were, I was already in bed, uh. And because they had a good, like, time had actually passed in a different way for them. Because, like, uh, but so Dari was like, holy cow, that was like, uh, she goes, there is a big bunny. I think it has goose, like, but it has goose heads. Uh, She goes, there is a, like, I think it's like, uh, I don't know. And Taffy said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, it's just, uh, let's, let's snuggle for a little while. And let's just hug each other. And, and so they ha- had a long hug. 
And she said, let's, like, you sleep on the couch there. I'm going to sleep in this tent. Uh, and then, like, uh, we'll talk about things in the morning. Uh, so they did that. And then, but Dari woke up, like, early. Now, Tefe's an easy sleeper, like everything else. But Dari woke up, and then eventually she woke Tefe up, and she said, okay. I've been thinking about it for most of the night. Uh, and Dari said, okay, here's what I think, Tefe. And Tefe said, okay. She goes, so there's a giant, some sort of giant bunny goose lives down there. And uh, it has something to do with Babs or Will. And he goes, okay. And she goes, and that might have been the big bunny my mom saw. And uh, he goes, well, should we tell anybody about it? She goes, no, we should deal with it. No one's going to believe us. Uh, And uh, even if they did, she goes, it's "It's strange. Uh, This is the oddest thing we'll ever encounter. And he said, do you mind if I ask, what do you think it's doing? And she goes, remember that book we had to read? She goes, I think, she goes, it was singing lullabies. And I think I saw a crib. She goes, I think it's some sort of uh, adult juvenile bunny goose. uh, And maybe it's playing, like maybe it thinks Willow and Babs are like action figures. This is the only thing I can think of. because uh, she goes, they had this whole like a giant version of our town, uh, and it, it just doesn't make any sense. And he goes, well, so what should we do? And she goes, well, we should. Uh, she goes, it takes a carrot to catch a carrot. She goes, we, we got to uh, find this bunny, get it away from there, and see if Willow and Babs are there. And find out who's in charge of this adult juvenile bunny. That's what I'm guessing, but I'm not sure. She goes, uh, so we got to, uh, like, lured away, basically. And he goes, how are we going to do that? And she goes, well, car- carrots, real carrots, though. She goes, so we got to go, she goes, we got to go gather some, ca- we got to get all the carrots we can, as many carrots as we can. Goose, we'll goose chase a goose with, and get a bunny with carrots. And uh, they said, okay, let's do it. So then they got up and they started driving around town and they went to all, like the few shops we have in town, bought all the carrots, uh, all the carrots in the entire store. And they said, you could, you're like, you're going to leave any carrots for anybody else? They said, no. And they said, what are you making? Uh, they said, carrot miso soup, uh, a giant, like, uh, and they said, okay. And then they they said, well, who, anybody else had a carrot? So they bought an entire truckload of carrots, bushels and bushels of carrots. But then as they were filling the truck with the last bushels of carrots, they just noticed people were laughing, uh, Particularly at Dari, but at both of them. Uh, and they said, What's, what are you laughing at, Tefe? said, because Tefe doesn't. And they said, oh, I guess uh, Babs' street team, uh, we're just guessing if it's going to be anything like. So then they went down and they saw a bunch of kids that Tefe knew, that Tefe, you know, the hip crowd or whatever. And they were making chalk art on the walls of buildings of uh, imaginary versions of Babs' album. They said, we heard Babs signed an album, just like your sister. We figured if she was goofing on anybody, it'd be the two of you.
And so they had made fake album covers. This wasn't real albums, but they had like uh, Worst Kisser in the World with Tefe crying and Babs singing. Uh, you know, then they had stuff about Dari not being a good friend or being, you know, you know, uh, uh, bringing my friend to the party who didn't get invited. I think that was one of the ones that kind of burned, by, that, you know, upset Dari the most. And they said, we demand you take that down. And then they said, where do you think they got him? They said, this is really the songs. Uh, we're just recreating them. And she said, what do you mean? And one of the kids had, now this is very expensive. It was a portable uh, audio disc player. They just come out in the past couple of years, and they said the street team really was here. They like gave us previews of the album. Uh, now these were unmarked previews, so they didn't have. They weren't as advanced as uh, the ones of Willis that had been found. They didn't have any album art. They were just CDs and tapes. And uh, Darcy give it to me, and she listened, and it was music, and it was a teenage teenager singing. Uh, but it was not Babs. Uh, it was like, and Dari said, this is, this is awesome, uh, singing. And I know Babs, uh, Babs doesn't sing like this, uh, but they were singing. Those were two of the songs. So it was a real album of someone named Babs, uh, cause she said, I'm Babs and I'm, you know, I'm Babs and I'm bad and I'm here to make Tefe sad, uh, kisses like a dad. And how do you say that? It means he kisses bad, like uh, like songs, like uh, and now then the 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 young woman who Dari had taken it from was trying to take it back, and then it got dropped, uh, and it broke, and that was a very expensive thing to buy. So then the community resource officer was supposed to settle and mediate disputes like that. Uh, so immediately, the assistant, some of the assistant resource officers uh, showed up, uh, and uh, like uh, Dari had said, like uh, like no, no, no. Then I want like then there was a disagreement about who if uh, Dari was going to have to make amends for being. And she said it's not my fault though. And then the kids also said Dari and Tefe were the ones that did the the art that you weren't supposed to do. So they said, you're going to have to come with us, like, uh, to back to, to the community resource, you know, office. Uh, you're going to have to call your parents, and, you know, we're going to have to do some restorative uh, justice work here. And we're going to have to take a close look at this and work with you. Uh, and they said, well, we got stuff to do. We got a truckload full of carrots. Uh, uh, and uh, they said, what do you got a truckload full of carrots for? And they said, well, no one's going to bother your carrots or your carrots, right? And Tuffy said, my mom is going to flip. I have filled my uncle's truck with carrots. Uh, she's going to think it's a goof. Uh, and they, he said, oh, let me at least tarp it. And they said, fine, tarp your carrots uh, and then come back to the community resource office. So they had to drive all the way back to the community resource office. And, you know, they were like, uh, obviously, like, this is inconvenient because we we're about to find that. It was a little bit embarrassing. Dari was kind of feeling like, geez, I kind of overreacted there. And when they got there, 
Tuffy said, uh, thanks for sticking up for me. And Jadari said, what do you mean sticking up for me? He said, well, you got that song was about that I'm not a good kisser. I can't believe ba- I thought ba- Babs liked my kissing. And, uh, like, I thought I, I always thought I was good at it. And, and Dari said, you practice a lot with your hand or something? And Tuffy said, with my pillow. I kiss my pillow. Uh, I know it's not ideal, but, you know, it uh, helps with my visualizations. And Dari kind of laughed at that. But she said, I wasn't sticking up for you. I was stick- I was trying to figure out if it was really Babs on there, which it was not. But everybody in the, the whole community resource office was listening to this. And they said, oh, so there was a bad, you did, because everybody likes Tafe in town. Holy moly, Tafe's popular with the adults because uh, he knows how to make the adults feel good. Compliments them, you know, says great job. And they said, well, that's so nice of you to, and they said, what is all the carrots for, Tafe? And said, Tafe said, well, I'm doing a carrot drive, a uh, new thing. It's a carrot drive. You know, I heard about some bunnies outside of town. In the, and everybody's like, oh, we're talking about restoring our hope and justice. Maybe not restorative justice, Tefe. And they said, this must just be another one of your admirers. And, uh, and Dari just rolled her eyes. And then she said, can I take a nap here uh, while I wait for my mom? Because my mom's got a lot on her plate, by the way. Uh, and she kind of curled up, uh, and then Taffy kind of started to nod off and say, well, maybe I'm not so, I'm helping, I'm trying to help, uh, Dari here get to the bottom of this odder thing. So maybe I can rest and not feel as odd about that. Yeah, I have a little bit of self-interest. Maybe I have some misguided ideas, uh, but maybe I can help Dari use these carrots, uh, to figure out this big bunny situation. And uh, just remember, for now, all will be well. Good night. All right, everybody. It's uh, Scoots here. And I'm just going to turn the mic over. This is our episodically modular, serialized series that you could listen to in any order. And the reason you can listen to it in any order is because our host, uh, 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 Emma Otter, is going to... run through everything you need to know uh, because that's uh, she, she's been doing that. I said, I, f- I can't believe I found these tapes uh, that are perfectly ready for episodically modular recording. So that's pretty cool. So without further ado, oh, this is the name of the series is Otter Things, O-T-T-E-R uh, Things. And it's hosted by uh, one Emma Otter. Uh, take it away, Emma. Uh, hello, everyone. This is Emma Otter. I wanted to say Emma Otter reporting, which I kind of am doing. But this is a bit more like a personal... Well, I'm talking just to you, the one you're listening to this story. It's a tale of some odd things that happened in our community. I, Emma Otter, live in a place, a swamp, uh, a swamp-based community... You know, in a swamp, part of a greater swamp area region, and we're all swamp-based beings. Or yeah, I don't know. I think a scientist would say that you're a swamp-based being, Emma. It's a well, I'm an otter. I'm also a part of my family. Then I'm part of a community. 
and I'm a lot more than those things, which sure, you could say that I would agree with you because I'm a being based in a swamp. And we're also beings based in a swamp, uh, based in a larger swamp. Um, and you might technically say it's one big swamp, but not to us. Uh, because, of course, there's other communities in the swamp, bigger towns. And at River Bottom, you'd say, is a small city. So on three sides of our community, because we're right up against the border, three sides, there's swamps uh, as far further than the eye can see. But on one side of our town, it's bisected by a road. And beyond that is a place beyond the swamp where no one goes uh, or is supposed to go. It's actually it's bisected by a road that's raised up out of the swamp. Uh, and then there's a more swamp on the other side. But it's just a part of the swamp we don't go to. And it, you know, it behaves differently because the road is there interrupting the natural flow of the swamp. Um, but our community and the road has been there for so long that it's just normal to us. So we don't even, I don't even really know much about it other than we don't go on the road or to the place beyond the swamp. We'll look at it. And sometimes there's mysterious vehicles on the road, but none of that is important right now because I'm here to tell you what odd things happened. Now I'm Emma. I live with my family. My brother Tefe is in high school. I'm in middle school. I want to do this a little bit more efficiently, catching you up. I have uh, some friends, uh, Willow, Vaughn, and LJ, and a new friend, Billy. My brother, Tefe, is in the same class as Willow's sister, Dari, in high school. We're all in middle school. Uh, Okay, so that's... uh, Okay, so... Let me tell you what odd thing happened. We play a game, a role-playing game, called Bards and Big Bunnies. And one night after our game, everyone went home. We played it at my house, Vaughn, LJ, and Willow. But Willow took a road less traveled, and we thought she moved away to start her music career. And there was clues left that led us to believe she did move to Riverbottom recorded an album. It was an album that had a lot of goofs on our town. And like of me, I thought she was one of my best friends. Uh, And so that was it. And uh, we were all sad, but we didn't necessarily believe it. We said, maybe what if uh, uh, Emma or what if Willow, uh, Emma, my friend said to me, what if Willow didn't, uh, what if Willow took a path less taken somewhere, like in a goose chase or something else, like in a game of big bards and big bunnies? While we were looking for uh, Willow, we met Billy, a duck-billed beaver, who had come from the place beyond the swamp, the visitor center, through the tunnel. I think through the tunnel. Actually, we never asked—did we ask her? I don't know. And Billy had been living in the place beyond the swamp, and Billy also had superpowers or magic powers or powers of uh, psychic powers where she could do this uh, throat singing, and uh, it would cause different things, like cause you to freeze or touch your nose or run away, different things like that. So that was happening, and we said, okay, 
And then we thought we could use Billy's powers to find Willow. But LJ, our friend LJ said, why are we messing with this Billy person when we could be, we should just be looking for Willow? Which was like a legitimate thing. But we said, no, she's got powers and she's nice. Uh, let's just like, uh, let's let's work together. But then recently we, we set out using um, uh, tuning forks, electromagnetic tuning forks to find the sympathetic vibration, which we believed led to the place beyond the swamp where, where or what we thought it would lead where willow was but it, it really billy was scrambling it so then lj got very displeased with billy and said so with strong words and then billy used her powers to make uh, lj run away then we used strong words with uh willow to say that's not okay and then, or with uh, Billy, I'm sorry. And then Billy ran away, or we like we kind of shamed Billy a little bit. Okay, so that's what's going on with me. I'll pick that up. I went home. It was evening. Meanwhile, Dari and Tefe also, over a course of time, came to believe that uh, Willow's album was not real, and Willow was someplace beyond the swamp. They discovered a big goose bunny uh, that uh, was living somewhere underground and had a nursery, also a place, a playhouse, a giant playhouse version of our town because this bunny's big and a goose bunny. And also a nursery where uh, the big goose bunny may be keeping... We don't know this, though. Willow and uh, Dari's friend Babs, uh, in, in like singing to them and treating them like they're babies or dolls. Some of this is a leap in logic, but I want to fill you in on everything because you would, if you, you know, you're getting a chance to put that leap in logic. So they're still searching, but they had discovered that a lot of that uh, recently. Meanwhile, the head of our community resource team, Bull, Leon, the bullfrog, we call Leon or Bull. Well, we call him Mr. 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 Community Resource Officer. And Willow's mom, Francis, have been looking for Willow. And they've had quite a journey thinking, okay, Willow's gone. Willow's not gone. Willow did record an album. Willow didn't record an album. I know my daughter wouldn't do that, except that your daughter would. Back and forth, you know, with everybody involved. They have eventually re realized by, like, uh, deduction, inference, uh, like, investigation, something's odd is going on at the place beyond the swamp involving Willow. So that's really where we are. And I can kind of kind of catch up on where everybody is currently. So the place beyond the swamp is actually a laboratory run by a fox named Max Modine, and they are looking for Billy and trying to figure out where Billy is. So that's what's happening there, and also uh, they're doing something else, obviously. Uh, LJ is at home not speaking to me or Billy or Vaughn. Willow has gone off on her own and is uh, w was sleeping. 
uh, I guess you could tell you where I, I, where I've been and where everything that's going on. So I went home after the whole bill. We couldn't find Billy. So we went home. Vaughn went to Vaughn's house. I went to my house. And I was seriously frowny faced because, uh, he said, where, like, my friends don't get along. I couldn't manage it. And I lost my, t- you know, t- top a little bit and yelled at uh, Billy, who's, you know, not from around here. So how's Billy supposed to know? Or who does define, you know, what behavior is allowable with superpowers? So there's that. And so I kind of like was looking at the uh, blanket fort where we had Billy sleeping in my basement and I was frowny facing, also kicking some pillows and, you know, just just not happy. And let's see, uh, Francis and Bull had headed to the library in the morning, of course, uh, and they were going to look into some things. I think that's everybody. Dari and uh, Dari and uh, Tefe, they've been on their own adventure, which I think we should you should be pretty caught up on. Uh, they're actually, yeah, I kind of went through all that in the last recording I made just because I had all those notes prepared. So let's start at the lab or the place beyond the swamp, the visitor center. Dr. Max Modine in a team of larger, the like larger swamp area community resource team, which is just a like like a misuse of words, uh, because they don't necessarily believe in soft power. They believe that power is uh, something that's powerful, and Billy's tied in that some way. And they also believe in D E C E P T I O N. So they've been trying to track down Billy by listening in to everybody's conversations because they have like way they have these big ways of collecting sound. But they decided to take a more active thing and and they posed as this group that comes town to town that's against bards and big bunnies. Um and sometimes there's even reporters from River Bottom or Henson Town or other places. And there's this one, uh, uh, like, uh, reporter, Gerald, Gerald, uh, and Gerald, uh, we thought was up until, and I I don't mean to spoil this for you, we thought was a reporter, really works for the Greater Larger Swamp Authority or something. And also Gerald were, like, we thought Gerald was independent of this group of concerned parents about bards and big bunnies. Uh, it's like, see, concerned, a C-A, cap, I think cap is what they're called, or, but, uh, and they go around saying to parents in different towns that go, they say the same thing about comic books and music, though. They say, do you know that children that play bards and big bunnies believe in supernatural powers uh, beyond our understanding? And that it's a, you know, it's a game teaching. And they say, well, my kids seem pretty resilient that play. Like, it teaches them resilience, right? Oh, no, no, the wrong kind of resilience. My parents definitely didn't go for it because they had come a couple of years ago. 
and they say, my parents said, we'll teach them problem solving and uh, performance and creative, creative problem solving, uh, math, uh, uh, you know, conceptualization, image, you know, all these things. They said, yeah, but the wrong kind, not the kind you watch your children practicing. Do you want your children to believe in a world with big bunnies uh, that might come and uh, take your community resources and reappropriate them and that magic's going to fix that? And then usually my mom says, well, actually, it's not the magic that fixes it. It's the proper use of magic within a problem-solving conduit. But anyway, usually, like my mom just doesn't have patience for him. This is all to say that this organization may independently exist, but at this point they'd sent out a version of this organization or the actual organization going, and they went to our teacher's house, uh, Professor Moose. And they did a one-two thing on old Professor Moose, who's really, uh, like, good at, like, uh, you know, advocating for students. But they did a one-two. So they sent the organization first, to this, uh, and they said, well, we're a, a group of concerned parents, and we know that, uh, you know, you, you, you've you been known to discuss Bards and Big Bunnies. We know that you played it as a youth, you know, for edition two or whatever. And, uh, you know, we need to know what youth are currently playing Bards and Big Bunnies so we can help uh, balance the scales. And Professor Moose said, well, I don't really know. I'm, first of all, you're in my house uh, or my home. I don't know what, like, Professor Moose said, well, are you concerned parents locally? And they said, no, no, no. We're part, yeah, we're part of your gen- broader community. They said, well, whose parents are you? And they said, our children's parents. And your, ch- you know, it sounds like we have to be parent more than just our children. And then Professor Moose tried to, you know, the same thing as my mom, but what they had in their back pocket was out of a van came Gerard, Gerard uh, the reporter, with cameras. Now, just like anybody, you assume the cameras are running live in real time. So Gerard said, did you, you know, hello, are you a teacher? Oh, boy, holy cow, what is this you're teaching children? Did you hear what happened in Frau? And Professor Moose said, no, no, I didn't hear what happened in Frau. And Gerard said, well, that was where Bards and Big Bunnies, uh, and he, Gerard told some tale, not true, actually, actually fiction, or a misaccounting of events about something that happened in Frau, some forest community or something. They said, people play big bards and big bunnies in forest communities, too. That's so cool. wonder if any, like, uh, squirrels. I'd love to hang out. I'd love to have a squirrel as a friend. Not if any of my friends are listening. Don't worry. But Gerard played like a reporter that was more flash than substance. But really, the person playing the reporter was just brilliant because they said, oh, boy, well, if only we had some examples, like you're saying, Professor, of children... Who had, uh, like, what if maybe what you're saying is right, uh, that we need children that are using this game to learn resilience and self-esteem and problem-solving, world-building. You're saying that even uh, 
these children use some sort of like Bards and Big Bunnies teaches them restorative methods of uh, like justice and and right and wrong and nuance. Uh, Wow, I'd love to interview them. Turn the cameras off. Let me just talk to Professor Moose. And then Professor Moose said, well, really, if you want to do that, yeah, if the cameras are off. And send those par- those fake parents away. Like, uh, And Professor said, well, these are some of the students that have really see, benefited from playing Bards and Big Bunnies. Uh, and Gerard said, well, thank you, Professor. Wow, you've really... Uh, and then the vans drove off, uh, but really they were from the, the, the visitor center and the place to be on the swamp the whole time. And so what they did next was they, like, a professor told them, Vaughn, LJ, and me, and uh, Willow. So then they started watching our houses uh, to find out if Billy was with us. That was their plan, and they had our houses watched out. Now, we had already left my house in the morning, and we had drove, rode, rode our swamp water bikes over to uh, to LJ's house. To uh, Vaughn had come to my house and said, well, you need to go to LJ's house and apologize because you raised your voice first and all that. Uh, we have to work it out. We have to stick together. But we went to LJ's, and LJ just really believed strongly in finding Willow and not using Billy or then also I said, well— I said, listen, I was wrong. And so can we go find Billy and then we'll find Willow? And then I'll just say, don't you, haven't you been listening? We're trying to find Willow, not trying to find Willow and LJ or Willow and Billy. And Billy's the one that got us into this, that whole thing. And I said, well, I can't agree to that. I want to find uh and then LJ said, well, then if you'll excuse me, I'm going to prepare to go find my friend Willow. Uh, you can go find this Billy Duckbilled Beaver uh, that I don't find trustworthy. And I will go find our friend Willow, who apparently is my best friend, or at least I'm Willow's best friend by my actions. And so we headed off in our separate directions, but as we left... uh we didn't register it, but in the back of LJ's mind, LJ registered that LJ saw a van that said that on the side of the van, uh, uh, whatever, Coba, 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 or whatever, concerned parents about Bards and Big Bunnies. And it even had on the side of the van, like, the reverse, because sometimes, like, in the old school days, like, Professor Moose, they had, like, spray-painted vans with, like, cool Bards and Big Bunnies murals spray painted on them but uh this one had uh, the reverse of like uh children frowning and, and so so it caught surprisingly it didn't catch our eye but and, and even lj said well well i guess parents are out looking for uh comic books and bards and big bunnies one move they would do if they had enough funding, which only happened after a Gerard report, was they'd try to buy all the, um, they'd go around or they'd have a t- t- turn in. So you'd buy, like, we're on the uh, edition number five. So what you could do is they didn't, you could tell they didn't know anything about the game because you could go to garage sales and build up your, this is free advice for anybody that's listening. 
and you build up your collection of first to second, third or fourth, because you say, well, it's pretty cool ephemeral to have, you know, to uh, ephemera or whatever. But they would come and they'd offer like candy or gift certificates or toys. Uh, and they say, turn in your bards and big bunnies or your comic books. So again, you could just get comic books you already read that aren't your favorites. You have, well, I read that once, so I don't need to read it again. So that's probably why LJ remembered it. But obviously we had more things on our mind. Now, let's see, Willow, oh, not Willow, Billy. I'm having trouble with the names right now. Uh, Billy woke up, and Billy uh, had slept out in the what we call dark and wood, uh, the woods, uh, the the, you know, the woods where Willow took the path less taken, and the woods that go pretty close to the road beyond the swamp. And Billy woke up, and then Billy was frowning, just like I was in some sense. Uh, and because Billy had felt like we were all becoming friends, and then Billy kind of had some self-blame for uh, making LJ run away and, you know, was saying, well, I don't want to go back to the place beyond the swamp, so I don't want to lead them there. But there was also something deeper going on with Billy. But you also have to remember, Billy's just a kid, just like us, middle school age, so not wholly equipped to, to deal with all of this. And so first, Billy, like, you know, kicked some leaves and uh, threw some acorns and looked like in the like a like a lake and said, frowny frown or whatever swamp. I know we like we call it a lake, even though it's in a swamp. Because it's within, you know, you know what I mean, just an isolated area of water. And then Billy started to walk and think, and as Billy started to walk and think, one thinking about, uh, like, uh, that's morning time for sustenance, but also thinking about flashing back to when Billy lived in the place beyond the swamp below the visitor center. And that after Billy had discovered, like, the signs on the road and then the big sign that has, a, like, a, this tower of sorcery that went up and down. And then Billy had kind of heard something as Billy had headed down. That this was a little bit after that. And Professor Max Modine or whatever. Yeah, is it Professor Max Modine? In a lab coat, uh, the fox uh, said, uh, okay, Billy, you got to go and make contact and go all the way down. We need to find out if this tower, the part of the tower growing da- going down is organic or like uh, what. But also like whatever this other being is and what's down there. We need to get to the bottom of it. So I need you to get to the bottom of it. And Billy said, I don't know. And Professor Max said, don't worry. I'm going to be here and you're going to be able to do it and it'll be just fine. And Billy said, oh boy. And then they went into the, like, uh, one of the places down below the visitor center that Billy had been before, this sonic chamber, like uh, this big part of the, like, a lab. But it has this, like, sonic baffling that both, like, baffle sounds and sonically enhances them with Billy's powers. 
like it, when you're inside of it, it's so quiet that it's almost like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in someplace so quiet that it, it's not comfortable, but that's how quiet it is. But then also all noises are magnified. And you can't hear anything outside, but you could see outside. So it's just not, you know, especially for a kid who was slightly younger at this point than middle school. And also there's tons of people, which normally is not the case, like observing from different greater swamp authorities and greater, uh, I don't even know, mammalian, I don't know, uh, People with like olive and navy and buttons on their suits, lots of lab coats. And then also it was a celebratory atmosphere. So they even had this band, the Rivertime Funtime Band, a very famous band. And the band was playing the same song that Billy had sung, a science song, uh, and then playing another song, You've Got the Power. And also, Billy said, is there, are they saying getting, it's getting, getting kind of hectic? Because, and she said to Dr. Max Modine, like, I'm getting kind of hectic with the singing. And Dr. Max said, don't worry. Like, the band is just there to kind of keep our pop. Like, I thought you'd like it. And Billy said, I don't. And Dr. Max said, why don't you get in the sound baffle barrier amplifier thingamajig? And just, you know, think of a lullaby. And then when you get there, you know, whatever it is, is sing it a lullaby. Sing yourself a lullaby. You're going to be fine. This is all just sound-based projection. It's not real. And I don't want you to worry about it. Like, you do have the power, just like they said. And you you can sing a lullaby and... uh like, uh, you'll be fine. Just go find out what you can and need you to do this for me, okay? And really, I care about you deeply. And, of course, I would only have you do this if it was necessary, uh, in my view, for the greater good of all the swamp and areas even beyond the swamp. And also because I'm intensely curious. And Billy said, okay, fair enough, I guess. And so Billy had got started getting settled in the uh, baffling thing. And while Billy was doing that, uh, Leon and Francis had gone to the library to research Dr. Max and the visitor center and the road and the place beyond the swamp, which uh, Leon had already been there. Yeah, but they kind of dug a little bit deeper, and they kind of said, okay, Francis said, okay, this was after they, okay, here's what I found. Uh, this Dr. Max is big on these human theories. He's old, you can, you know, it's kind of like uh, the idea that humans once walked the earth and or maybe the road and the vehicles are holdovers from humans or that humans are still around they never really left. Uh, Leon said, well, hum- it's been proven the humans were never real, I thought, uh, that it's all just a myth. Uh, and he said, well, i just telling you what this Dr. Max, this was in Dr. Max's younger days. Looks like Dr. Max was raised in a home like that, like had that as a belief system, and the humans uh, were part of it. Uh, but it, uh, then again, him, he, uh, Dr. Max took it to a different level. 
And Leon said, well, that's interesting, Francis, because what I've discovered is like some of the ways this uh, place is funded, it's funded by the Greater Swamp Authority and some other business, like businesses and it was just really strange, like some businesses that don't even believe in community resource sharing. But Dr. Max has been getting funding from both sides of, uh, like, a community, like, and even individuals that say, okay, we believe in the community and sharing and flourishing model. And those that believe in a more uh, defensive, uh, single-minded, all-or-nothing module. In some sense, this fox was like foxing both sides for funding and uh, seemed to be kind of doing investigations uh, based on, well, you one, yeah, the, the idea that humans could exist was uh, like one thing, keeping the defensive side funding them. But also the possibility, what would, you know, what would, what would our community do? They said, well, human, like even in every human story, they don't like swamps. Uh, uh, and they said, well, that would make sense why they built that road through our swamp if the humans were real. Well, it's interesting because, uh, Francis said, because it looks like Dr. Max also had this rebellious side and, uh, like like had a zine about bards and big bunnies as like as a as a as a teen or a university student and was big into the magic uh, and stuff like uh like almost like a, like the zine is almost like a real historical accounting of bards and big bunnies events even though it was a zine and leon said well that's really interesting because uh uh, that's what kind of work Dr. Max has been doing down there, looks like, is, is saying, uh, okay, like the whole thing about humans and then looking at different uh, non-swamp beings. Uh, so there's like a river dolphin that was they were working with for a long time down there. And uh, then something called a platypus or something. And that, uh, from that doesn't even live even anywhere like it was from thousands and thousands of miles away beyond an ocean. And a couple other ones, but the splatopus is like a mammal that lays eggs, but, but it's also it's a duck billed beaver, which brings up that question of like, didn't someone say they I don't know, but uh, I guess there's something. Well, that's well. I know exactly what you're going to say because I was reading about that. Uh, so the the dolphin and the duckbill beaver they all have uh, either other systems or organs that have powers. Uh, electro, like uh, the the platypus, I think, in, in, like has a they 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 have the ability to detect things. Uh, like almost like a, a beyond another organ and sense beyond what we have, uh, sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste. And uh, yeah, that there's a sound is a big part of that. Like a lot of them are based uh, or frequencies beyond that. Yeah, well, okay, that makes sense, uh, Francis, because they were doing work there. 
And yeah, Matt mentions platypuses, and it looks like this one dolphin's name is Desiree. Yeah, uh, that quit and 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 even filed like uh, uh like uh, said I don't like like I don't I never worked there. Well, do you think we could go talk to this uh, dol- river dolphin? I I think so. I managed while we were talking about it. I looked it up. Uh, and yeah, the dolphins lives uh, not too far away. We we could if we get driving now, we could go check it out. Oh, one more thing is that Baxter uh, Max was also funding this uh, operation with music companies and other not affiliated nonprofits. Someone was looking into it, a reporter, but then they gave up. Uh, they were posting these anonymous blog articles. Okay, well, let's get to the bottom. Let's go look. Uh, let's go talk to this uh, dolphin. So they headed up to talk to the dolphin. And uh, meanwhile, uh, let's see, where should I start? So let's see, I could tell you that uh, LJ set out uh, and started still using the electric uh, electromagnetic tuning fork uh, to follow the sympathetic vibration. And then... LJ, like, uh, realized that it was heading towards the place beyond the swamp. And then LJ went to the gate of the tunnel that goes underneath the road that we're never supposed to go near. And LJ used a stick and stuff uh, to see if it could, the gate was locked and LJ couldn't get the gate open. But it was definitely, and LJ was like, this is where Willow is. So then LJ crawled up the embankment towards the road. And now this road is like, holy cow, do not, uh, like, there's just mysterious vehicles, uh, gigantic ones that just go on this road. And we're just told not to think about it, that it's something like we don't need to know about. And if we go on the road, there's no chance of telling when a vehicle's going to come, so don't go there. And LJ knew all that, but LJ was determined to, to get to Willow and to the place beyond the Swamp, the Visitor Center, and the Bog Walk. So LJ put LJ's ear to the road before crossing and then heard, like, something coming very fast, and LJ heard it, like, uh, of course, when you put your ear to something, it seems closer than it is. So LJ jumped uh, very fast up to the top of a sign, the sign that says no stopping at any time for any reason, animals, you know, not friendly in this area. And at first LJ was going to climb back down because, oh, it's just my imagination. Or maybe it was somebody sneezing or something. And then a giant truck came, and the only things LJ saw was that there was nobody driving it, no animal driving it or mysterious human, and that the top of the truck also had these giant reflective panels, uh, which I could just tell you are solar panels. Like, that's how the trucks are powered, I guess. Uh, And then LJ climbed back down and got closer to the bog walk, uh, uh, ran across the road, climbed another tree uh, that saw down into the visitor center. Uh, then uh, uh, Vaughn and I, 
we headed out. We were searching the woods and yelling. I said, hey, uh, Will, uh, Billy, where are you? And as we looked for Billy, the next thing we knew, the kids, uh, some of the kids from school that aren't nice that I told you about, uh, that think they're in the River Bottom Fun Time Band and they act like that, uh, weasels is really what they are. They found us, uh, and they started chasing after us, and they ran us all the way to a different part of the road. Uh, and this was at the same time, like, uh, uh, like, so just like, but we were so far away from where LJ was, we didn't know. So there was no vehicle, but they said, go up the road, uh, uh, to me. And I said, well, I can't go up the road. And, uh, like, uh, so that was, like, pretty t- intense. Now, meanwhile, oh, Bull and Francis went to talk to the River Dolphin. They drove all the way out. Uh, I don't know if it was, like, a snoo- snoo- I don't know what the name of the place was, but it had, like, a, it was, like, a, like, beyond the swamp where there was deeper water, like, technically a river within a swamp, uh, where this river dolphin lived and eventually they like did some splashing and made some sounds. They tried to talk to this Desiree, the dolphin about it, but the dolphins can't sit still. And also neither one of them spoke dolphin and, uh, Desiree didn't seem to want to communicate in, uh, in, uh, whatever common, uh, but also they said, wait a second, this, uh, I don't know. They got the sense that, uh, like, Desiree had been through a lot dealing with the place beyond the swamp. Because, uh, Francis just, like, just said, Jesus, my willow was like, uh, is there something, what happened there? And then the dolphin would, like, go backwards on its tail. And they say, well, please, we're just trying to figure out where my willow is. And then the dolphin would splash, Desiree would splash them with the tail or shoot water at them. And they said, there's nothing cute about you flipping us off. You, you like, flip off. Uh, so that was, like, kind of, like, fruitless. Other than the fact that uh, it planted a seed in Francis's mind. Now, remember, all will be well. I only tell you these stories because all will be well. But it planted a, something in Francis's mind that she what if, uh, I don't want Willow ending up, like, running around like a dolphin just splashing me. Like, I thought dolphins were enlightened beings, uh, but, uh, like, it's also dolphins making farty sounds and stuff. Like, a juvenile behavior from an adult river dolphin is, I guess, what Francis's exact words were, and the drive back. And as they drove back, they got a call on the radio, and Leon said, yeah, what is it? It was a community resource office. They said, yeah, we have a restorative case we have to work on. Uh, you know, amends need to be made. And, and we need you here to, 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 to help uh, mediate uh, or arbitrate as soon as possible. And Leon said, I don't even got time for it. Who's even involved? And they said, Dari. Uh, mostly, and, and Willow's sister. And uh, then Leon said, oh, boy. And then, you know, Francis said, oh, daughter. No, it's my daughter. 
And then Tefe, they said, anyone else? And they said, Tefe the otter, the smooth otter, the smoothest otter in town. And Francis said, drive very quickly back there, please. So they headed back. Now, also, Billy uh, was walking around, and Billy found one of the store, one of our community stores, uh, Find and Dine. Uh, and Billy headed in there, and Billy kind of looked a bit different. Nobody's seen a duck-billed beaver before. Uh, Billy was also wearing, like, one of Tefe's warm-up suits, but it didn't fit, so he'd cut the—so, like, uh, people were staring at Billy— and Billy felt them staring and also had never been in a, like a fine and dine. It's like a grocery store and an everything store. So Billy was looking for someplace. And then Billy came across a display uh, for for uh, a pump, the pump up the jam puffs, uh, the version Billy had seen an ad for. Pump up the jam dino puffs. uh but it was like in, it was like a, and this is a strange synchronicity. It was a tower uh, because of this month uh, coming up, the Dino Puffs pump up the jam was like a, like a, like a tie in with Bards and Big Bunnies. And so Billy went in there and hid in the tower. It was a tower of uh, cereal boxes. Um, and Billy was looking at the backs of the cereal boxes, and then the manager was like, Excuse me, uh, are you a duck or a beaver? Um, can we help you? That's a display. You know, like Billy had already started to go back to when Billy started looking. Like, so Billy had discovered within the song, the signs, singing the song, the tower. Uh, which was like this thing, it said, go see the wizard's tower, you know, or the source tower sorcery. And just like Billy's last visit, Billy went and climbed up and then went in the tower and then headed down, and the tower was like, uh, it looked like it was originally supposed to be on the sign, uh, but it like had this crusty thing going down into the earth. Uh, and there was light, and Billy headed down there and headed deeper, didn't like it, but again, Dr. Max, Billy trusted Dr. Max, so Billy was humming a lullaby. But Billy heard something and saw carrot shards and also sensed some aliveness beyond that, uh, uh, that something odd was happening. And Billy kept going, though, because Dr. Max uh, like had asked her to. And then Billy got down and headed in a direction and then started to hear some hopping, like uh, the tower or the tunnel had gotten bigger. And all will be well. And Billy kind of was singing a comforting lullaby. But then Billy sensed this bouncing coming towards, and Billy knew the bouncing had heard Billy. Now, Billy was very smart, uh, so Billy sang... And did knew she had these powers. So now Billy didn't know the game of Bart's and Big Bunnies, which is amazing. But Billy used this uh, power to do like this thing, like it called a mirroring spell or double image or something. I think it was uh, double image was the song. I don't know the song to be honest, but Billy sang a throat song. 
that created like a mirror image or like an illusion image of Billy lying down sleeping. But then Billy Billy covered herself in dirt uh, and kind of like curled up in a corner. But as she was doing that, she heard the, the bouncing bunny had already started to echo Billy's uh, lullaby. So then Billy got sleepy and fell asleep uh, hiding and uh, drifted off. Now, meanwhile, while Billy was drifting off in her flashback, the manager of the store was saying, young lady, come out, please come out right now. And Billy was actually absentmindedly eating uh, Super Dino Puffs uh, Jam Edition from the box uh and uh like i said i'm calling the community resource office so billy just grabbed four boxes at the base of the tower and the rest of the tower the cereal tumbled over on the manager not you know just light cereal uh but enough that billy started walking out of the store with four boxes of uh Super Puff Dino, you know, Super Jam Dino Puffs or whatever. And then the manager said, oh, no, no, you're cleaning this up, blah, blah, blah. Then Billy sang Pump Up the Jam. And then the boxes, the jam started popping out of the boxes. And then that got all sticky. So it slowed the manager down. Billy left, headed out, uh, back into the woods uh, to eat his Super Dino Puffs. Uh, and as Billy was eating four boxes of Super Dino, you know, Billy was hungry. Uh, Billy drifted back into that memory because Billy had been asleep uh, from the the big bunnies singing or lullaby singing. But then Billy started to hear the big bunny, uh, very strong words, upset, where did you go? And Billy woke up uh, and opened one eye and saw the bunny that her image was fading. The spell had worn off. And the big bunny was not happy about it. Like the big bunny had gone from curious to, and it also had two goose. It was not just a bunny. It was also a goose. And then Billy must have like opened, Billy just barely moved. And then the bunny turned and the goose, two goose heads looked at Billy. And as a middle schooler, this is already a strange situation. Billy did not like that. And Billy's reaction, having powers, was to use her powers all at once. And she kind of created, now I don't know this for a fact, uh, but Billy saying at the same time in her throat from a distance, uh, going out of, coming out of the dark and groove is in the heart uh, all at once while she was running forward. So I don't know if Billy was creating a sonic drill or melding whatever this was that she was in, because we have, from reading the Southern Swamp Trilogy, we wonder, even though Billy was in, according to Dr. Max, just in an image, a sound-based image, Billy was also in a physical place, uh, which is a bit complex to understand until you accept the theory that there's multiple universes uh, so really, Billy was in the universe, like the soundless realm, even though there was sound there. Like, uh, but Billy was, so Billy wasn't just tunneling through the sound realm. She was tunneling through 
the space in between the universes. I can explain this to you so you know that all is well. Uh, to get back to where Billy thought Billy was going to be most secure, which was Dr. Max, but Billy was actually already with Dr. Max, so she was only using her mind and powers. So within the, um, the, the, the room that she was in with below the swamp, all of a sudden, like everything started shaking. And I don't know how, how far this was, but pretty far. That's what's kind of mind bending. And meanwhile, also the big bunny, the goose bunny, was following Billy. Uh, and so basically Billy opened up, uh, and not just one, but like, because also there was like places where there was bedrock or whatever. So Billy had to go around or tree, you know, tree roots. I don't know. It wasn't like from point A to point B. And then the hole like opened inside the lab, uh, now, luckily, uh, there was ectoplasm involved, so it kind of sealed itself, kind of. Uh, and, of course, Dr. Max said, well, that's uh, impressive and strange and odd. And Billy said, what in the heck just happened? I thought you said I, all would be well, Dr. Max. Uh, now I need a nap. But as Billy was, like, like in this drift back, she heard us running from the bullies, uh, and so she headed towards him, and while she saw the bullies kind of talking me towards the road, uh, that was when the vehicle just happened to be coming. And I had stepped out there, not even thinking, like I was just like more focused on the bullies, but Billy also uh, was there. And so Billy floated me up in the air to fly. That's how I saw the back. I saw the... Um, solar panels i said well, those are like in the science magazine as the truck went under me and then uh uh billy cast some sort of a song of perpetual the crying game or something and the two the, the the weasels so they couldn't stop crying so they went home crying uh and billy took me down and i helped billy because billy was exhausted and I said, let's go back to my house. And we'll all go in the blanket for it and sleep. And so we headed back. But then while we're headed back, uh, Billy said, you know, the, I'm the one that opened it. Like uh, the big bunny, goose bunny is here because of me. It's all my fault. And I said, don't worry, Billy. We'll figure this out together. It's not all your fault. And Billy said, actually, it is. Uh, but really, it was Dr. Max's fault. I mean, come on. But as we went into my house, the uh, the people from the, the place beyond the swamp were watching because they were watching from the van, the anti-Big Bunnies van. Now, just while that was happening, they were, like, calling in to the lab, to the place beyond the swamp, and saying, hey, get everybody together. Get as many vans and, and as many uh, non-soft power authority figures you have and get over here. We found the duck-billed beaver. Well, they knew it was a platypus, uh, but LJ was watching at this time. So LJ saw them all go out uh, and uh, get into vans. Some of the vans were labeled uh, parents against big bunnies or whatever, and that's when LJ made the connection Wait a second, they were parked out in front of my house, too. 
they must be headed back. Uh, this must be related to my friends and Billy. And so LJ headed out to run back to let us know. Uh, and we had headed back uh, to, to get some rest. And so that's a good place for all of us to rest, I think, for right now, is it to rest and uh, we'll be back. I'll be back to tell you more odd things soon, but all will be well. And all of us, I'm here right now telling you the story, relaxed and calm, so you know that you're well and all will be well, as well as can be, because odd things happen. But it's okay, because I'm at my hotter here talking to you. Good night. All right, everybody, it's a Scooter here. I'm very proud to present our ongoing, episodically modular, serialized, barely serialized series, Otter Things. And due to a magical hostess, uh, we're able to present the show in almost any order. Or not, like, well, in the order you're listening to it in. So... This is actually the first episode you may be hearing, or maybe the ninth. Uh, and if it's the first episode you're hearing, you can catch up or you can move forward because you are so safe. All will be well in the hands of Emma Otter, our hostess. Uh, this is a show about uh, odd things and otters, friendship and family, uh, adventure and uh, discovery. And it's called Otter Things. And I'm going to turn it over to our hostess, Emma Otter. Uh, Hey, everybody. This is Emma Otter here. And I'm just uh, recording. And I don't know. I want you to know all will be well. I start off my radio show. Now, this isn't a live radio show. I'm recording it to be broadcast at another time. Audio journal. An audio report. I'm Emma Otter. And this is a tale of some odd things that happened where I live. I live in a place, uh, the, the swamp, a part of a greater swamp area. And our little part of the swamp is surrounded by swamp on three sides. And on one side, there's a road and a place beyond the swamp where no one is supposed to go. Though we've learned that people do work on the other side of that and stuff. But we're still not, as regular swamp dwellers, not supposed to go there. Uh, that's the Bog Walk and Visitor Center. And it's separated from our community by a road uh, where strange vehicles can pass uh, from time to time. And uh, so that so we're surrounded, we're town, uh, community, really, a community of uh, swamp, uh, swamp beings, uh, swamp-based beings, SBBs. You know, otters, uh, beavers, uh, weasels. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of members are frogs, uh, friends. I, I like to call them, and it could be particularly my best friends. Uh, uh, let's see, we have uh, Willow, uh, who is a beaver. Uh, we have uh, my brother Tefe, who's an otter. My family, of course. Uh, my friends uh, L.J. and Vaughn. And so those are my friends. We play a game, a role-playing game called Bards and Big Bunnies. We also record radio uh, radio plays in our spare time. And the, like that, we were living a normal life. Middle school kids. I got an older brother. 
Willow also has an older sister, Dari. She lives with her mom, Frances. And, you know, we lived our life. We, you know, we dealt with uh, kids that weren't nice to us and kids that were teachers we liked and teachers we didn't like. And then one day, it was a Sunday night, we were playing Bards and Big Bunnies, our role-playing game. And we finished up and everybody headed home. But Willow took a path less taken and she went uh, to a place beyond the swamp where we're still not exactly sure where she is. But as you know, because I've told you, and I'll tell you again, all will be well. So no need to worry. This is just a recounting of the odd things that happened that led us back to the place where all will be well. And as far as we could tell, uh, she became uh, a plaything of a big bunny with with goose features, possibly. In a place beyond or underneath the swamp, or both, uh, and was placed in a crib and sang to with some sort of hypnotic magical spell by this big bunny that makes you sleep and relax. But we didn't know that, uh, and we still don't know all the details. We're still uncovering it. But that's, you know, that's odd. You might say, well, that's the oddest thing I've ever heard. Oh, just wait. Uh, because we thought, uh, well, first we thought, where was Emma? Maybe she, she, you know, she took the path less taken, or the road less taken. We hope she's not on the road. And we looked for her, as friends know, are known to do. But then we were told that by the authority figures beyond our town that Emma had left and moved to the city and started her career as a musician. And she had already achieved success and put out an album, and mostly her album was goofing on us and her, our town. And so we said, well, I guess we weren't as good friends with Emma. We said, that's odd, very odd, not Emma's character. And, of course, we were disappointed, too, because we said we thought we were friends. And But, but so, I don't know, there's something at the pit of our stomach. At the same time, we had found another friend named Billy, a duck-billed beaver named Billy. And Billy had actually come from the place behind the swamp, the visitor center, which below it is a bunch of uh, places where they do tests and and, and, uh, the greater swamp authority conducts experiments and things, but all will be well. And Billy actually had either superpowers, magical powers, or enhanced human abilities uh, particularly when she would throat sing or sing and she could do things like, uh, uh, pump up the jam. She could pump up something with jam or with air. If, if she sang the throat song, pump, uh, pump it up or anything like that, or jump, uh, she never did this uh, that I know of, but, uh, if she sang any of the songs known as jump, uh, that were popular in the 80s. You know, we're in the 90s now. Uh, she would, uh, like, uh, you would jump probably, like up in the air, or for my love, jump in. Or jump, jump, might as well jump. So she had powers, and she was also trying to, she was on a journey of discovery. She had left, uh, we didn't really know a lot about her. Was this discovery of Billy related to, uh, Willow, yes, we found out it was. And that she had somehow, when she lived at the visitor center under the tutelage of uh, 
Dr. Max Modine of Fox, uh, who was like using her powers to try to use it in like a, I think to get a better understanding of how they could use powers like hers and hers to be amplified in case humans like were real or returned, you know, depending on what your belief system is, if humans are real or not, or if they ever were real. And then, oh, if they're real, what if they returned or what if they're, you know, they're out there somewhere in a place beyond the swamp as well? And if that's the case, uh, we should have, you know, instead of being a community-based value system, we should have a defensive-based value system or an offensive-based value system. And so that's what Dr. Max Modine was doing. uh, But while they were doing that, they, they were using... Billy's powers. She found a organic, uh, what we can only see is like a portal to another world that may be its own organic being. And like some beings also have beings within them, or we all do, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's different forest friends, microscopic ones that live with me and I carry with me every day. And when we live like, uh, with one another or I have my own biome. I wish I had said that right away because that sounds so much more friendly. I I have my own biome and so do you. And this was some sort of uh, biome possibly that was like uh, connecting worlds, making a tunnel, making a tower, part of a tower. Very confusing, but somehow within that thing, we we called it the way we associated with the the Tower of Sorcery, uh, was this goose bunny or this big bunny. And now we're wondering, I don't know, there's still a couple missing pieces, right? Uh, meanwhile, I don't want to, I guess the other stuff I could just tell you in two seconds, uh, my brother Tefe and Dari teamed up. Oh, they're going to fill you in. I forgot. Uh, we'll catch you up. Uh, so that's what we know. So I could just start where we are. Uh, so Vaughn, Billy, and I had gone back to my house. We had relocated Billy. We had dealt with some bullies uh, from my school. Billy had saved us. It was pretty awesome. Made me fly or made Vaughn fly. I can't remember. There was flying, though, and even a vehicle and so many things. But uh, we returned home because we were exhausted and we cleaned Billy off, and Billy and I were talking, and I was saying, she's Billy, uh, really sorry, because we'd all kind of lost our cool. And I said, I'm sorry I lost our, my cool. I really missed you, and I really like uh, being your friend, and I really, I guess I really care about you. And Billy said, I care about you, too. And it would like, uh, I don't want to, you know, it's between me and Billy, but we felt a level of closeness. Um, and I just was like, geez, I was really concerned. And also maybe because I lost, you know, I like, so I felt like the need to apologize and acknowledge that I had caring for Billy. And as we kind of like just held each other's uh, paws and flippers together, Vaughn burst in and Vaughn said, uh, one of our bikes won't stop clicking. I think it's clicking. 
I think it's clinking SBBS, not, uh, but whoever's doing it's trying to say, it's a LJ, I think, saying SBBS, it's LJ, SBBS, it's LJ. So we listened, and it was uh, Vaughn's bike, and because we would communicate with these uh, telegraphs, we had battery-powered, solar-powered, bike-powered telegraphs, radio wireless telegraphs, uh, so we could talk to each other while we were on bike. Really handy because you just use your thumb on your bike and it actually vibrates through your whole bike frame so you could feel it in your whole body. So you, you we really knew. I guess LJ was excited because LJ was really good at a, 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 like a telegraph code. And we said, so then we said, what is it? What's it? And then Vaughn, of course, had to say SBBS, question mark, question mark. And then we're again. It was like barred stoppers, barred blockers. What it? What a uh, Gerard. Wait a second, Gerard Bard, bad Bard. Gerard bad Bard. Are coming. Uh, and they said bad Bards are coming, but also Gerard. And we said, that's what he said it 14 times in a row or something, those combination of words. And then Vaughn ran upstairs to my house and looked outside and saw these uh, vans pull up. Uh, One was a news van and the other ones uh, were the vans that uh, LJ had seen earlier uh, of this organization that's against Bards and Big Bunnies in comic books. And Gerard is a famous investigative reporter who has a show. And this particular season is fixated on how board games make your kids abandon their belief systems and, and take up other belief systems that aren't uh, a little bit, you know, a little very inventive uh, uh, for fiction. But this was real, this Gerard. Or so we thought. Turns out, no. And so Vaughn ran back downstairs and said, we got to go. It's like, uh, it's, you know, b- bad bards, I think, undercover. And so we said, okay. And then my mom said, what is this hubbub? Uh, and we said, mom, we got to go. We love you. If anybody asks, uh, We'll be at school. We're, 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 we're doing a study hall somewhere at the library. Yeah, we're at the library. And as we ran out, we hopped on our bikes. Uh, we pulled out of my house, and uh, I caught my first glimpse of this Dr. Max Modine, a, max, uh, a maximum doctor of uh, moods, I guess. He looked at us, uh, looked at Billy, Billy... And Dr. Max made eye contact, and Dr. Max kind of furrowed his fur, furrowed a furrowy, fur, furrowy, furrowy brow. And then we took off. We have swamp bikes, which are bikes that can go on the ground. They're like a dirt bikes and water bikes. Uh, and, of course, they have the cool telegraphs. So they can go on water and on land, which will be important in a minute because they started to chase us in their vans, which are, you know, gas-powered or electric-powered or whatever, gas-powered, I guess. And But actually, at the same time, Gerard went to my house, and my mom said, are you Gerard from the TV? And then my dad said, that's Gerard from the TV. And Gerard said, I'm Gerard from the TV. Uh, roll the cameras and said, I wonder if you realize, uh, 
your children are playing a game uh, that has, you know, like uh, capitalist overtones. Uh, and uh, they were like, then some of the people, so they split up. Most of them were following us, but Gerard and a team started to tell my parents this whole nonsensical story about bards and big bunnies, which I kind of don't need to get too deep into. Because we were also we were talking to LJ or Vaughn was and relaying it and saying LJ said they're from the place beyond the swamp, uh, and so we started to ride and then we met up with LJ and we were trying to take turns and avoid go through trees that were narrow, but you know the vans were going fast so we could only we were slowly losing ground and also they had like four vans so we were like we're never going to be able to lose them. Uh, but then uh, we we uh, were like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And the LJ said, we'll go into the water like uh, their vans. Why didn't we think of that? Uh, but we don't want them to think that. So we went on this long roundabout, and then we headed towards the road uh, because we knew we could go left, and then there was this big swampy area uh, that we could ride out our bikes to. And we just w- w- turned to this crank or uh you know depending on your bike model to, to make these flaps come out on your wheels and the tubing of the bike's all buoyant so you could paddle so we did that uh right as the vans were about to catch us and then we headed on the water and they all skidded to a stop at the last patch of solid ground and vaughn said ha 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 and we said yeah it's so cool and then we were right as we were about to you know keep going and pedaling and discuss what we we're going to do next. Uh, Vaughn looked back and said, "Oh no!" And we heard this sound, these high wind sounds. We saw the backs of the vans open up and these giant turbines pop out of the backs of the vans. And then underneath the vans, these giant uh, well, they basically became hovercrafts as these giant air bladders. And they started to follow us uh, because they were amphibious. Now they're amphibious vehicles, perfect for the swamp. Uh, and they were very fast. And now we really were out on the open swamp. The road was on one side. We couldn't possibly ride our bikes up the incline. And on our left was a road where one van was still following. So we couldn't turn. So we were just, uh, it was inevitable they would catch up with us. And uh, they were catching up, and then Billy, uh, who's riding on the back of my bike, I don't know if I mentioned that, her arms around me, both of us tense. Uh, and I felt Billy, Billy, and then I felt a vibration in Billy's chest, and I was positive that was the song Winds of Change. And as I look back, the first van that was closest to us, a wind uh, in the back of the van was actually traveling technically by wind power changed and reversed and then the van tumbled over itself but then another van avoided it and got closer to us uh but billy changed the song billy was singing to a song known called wholehearted and all of a sudden there started to appear holes in the air bladder and it started flapping and that van just like went head first into the swamp and then uh 
there was one more van, amphibious van getting close. Uh, that was when Modine was in, Max Modine, not driving, but in the passenger seat, glaring at us. Uh, and Billy sang the song, Can't Stop This Thing We Started. And then the van stopped very quickly, which caused the van to also roll. Uh, but of course, everybody's, you know, it all will be well, unfortunately for us, because, you know, they were all belted in. But then again, there was still the van running parallel with us on the road, and Billy turned one last time and sang the song Cream, uh, which uh, usually is like, but it's all of a sudden this, uh, the mud underneath the van started to turn to like a creamy mud. It just spun its wheels and that didn't go anywhere. So then we kept going, and then we said, okay, where are we going to hide? we got to hide somewhere, because now we're on, you know, technically we're on the run. And we said, let's hide to the, let's head to the, uh, like, uh, the, uh, what do you call it, station, uh, like, leave tra- a bike trail towards the r- r- transfer station and, and make it look like we hid in the, the transfer station area. And then we went back out on the water, and then we said, well, where are we going to hide? And we said, well, what about, uh, like, where do they have the, uh, where we have the community resource fair, the community fairgrounds? Uh, and we said, okay, yeah, yeah. So we headed there, and we got in the tree that you put the acorns in, because, you, you, like, it's like a fake tree. It looks very real that you drop your acorns in as part of the community resource festival. And it was a good thing we hit, had it hit, hit out there because then we noticed a, a airship, uh, like a blimp, a Zeppelin, that was coming from the place beyond the swamp and circling our town, like looking, uh, assumingly, were looking for us. Now, while all this was happening at the resor- at the uh, community resource, like community resource office, our town is run. You know, we have like a elected leaders, but we also have community resource officers, you know, kind of deal with restorative practices and, and uh, you know, just keep it, keeping the, the, to, you know, to help watch out, uh, like an authority, I guess. And the head of the community resource officers is our friend Bull, Leon. Leon was just getting there with Dari. Uh, because, uh, or with Francis, because Jari and Tefe had got, they had had a run in with other community resource officers for damaging like a mini disc player or something. And they were kind of going through, uh, there's a little bit of rote work when you first get in trouble as part of our restorative process, uh, like in, uh, before you make amends and that kind of thing. You have to do all these critical thinking exercises uh, about what you've done while it's fresh in your mind. And so, like, it's a lot of writing. And also they're asking, why do you have so many carrots? Like uh, the the other uh, community resource officers, what do you, are these giant swaddling clothes? It was another thing they had. Uh, but then uh, uh, um, Leon and uh, Francis came in, 
And Leon said, stop the rote, uh, critical thinking skills. And they said, but they got to finish. They already started. Well, it's right. And Leon said, I need to talk to them. And they said, but this is a scribe process that we go. And, and Leon said, it's uh, don't worry about it. And then Francis said, this is my daughter. You know, we're going through a time here. And also, uh, and then everyone else said, well, and Tefe is so great because everybody loves Tefe. And uh, they, they, then Leanne said, well, I need to talk to two of you in my office. And they said, well, you, it doesn't matter. You won't understand it if we talk to you about it. And they said, Leon, I think they have like 5,000. There's something weird going on. And uh, they, they said, you'll never understand. Uh, and Leon said, I want to understand all the sides of this problem, all angles, uh, and they said, you won't possibly be able to understand it, Leon. Just trust us. Sorry, Mom. We'll just finish our critical thinking skills and go home. And then Leon said, in my office. So they went in there, and then they they were like, uh, they said, uh, he said, carrots? And they said, yeah. He said, for what? And they said, for a giant bunny with a goose head, maybe two. And they kind of explained that they had discovered with Dari underneath the there was a place underneath the swamp that went to the visitor center maybe and down, and it maybe was in another world. There's goop uh, and a giant bunny and a smaller version of our town. Uh, but that they, they were going to they, they said, well, we were going to catch the big bunny because we have think we have to believe it has something to do with Willow and Babs. Uh, not being around anymore. And, yeah, they said, I know it's confusing, and I know you'll probably tell us, said, uh, you know, but Leon said, no, no, no. And Francis said, Daria, I need to talk to you. We believe you. but uh, And they went alone. And Francis said, Daria, why did you go off on your own? Why didn't you tell me? And she said, well, you had a lot on your mind, Mom. And she said, a giant bunny with goose heads? And Daria said, yeah. And she said, you went down there below the swamp uh, to find it. Uh, and she said, well, to find Willow and Babs. Uh, and she said, well, you, you, I'm here to help. Uh, let the adults handle this from here on out, please. You know, I'm an authority in our family and Leanne's an authority in our community. And uh, we'll handle it from here on out. Uh, yeah, but you can help uh, barely. And then Leon said, back in my office, like, uh, and then right as he said that, uh, a weasel mother came in with her, one of the weasel sons that had been bothering us. Uh, and first Leon said, you handle this, lower community resource officers, but it said, like, uh, then he said, my son was bothered by a duck-billed beaver. And Leon said, duck-billed beaver? What? Uh. And she said, yeah, it sings songs that made my son do weird things, things that aren't okay, like uh, uh, that song on the radio about, t- like, uh, like, 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 like the whole Jocelyn Elders thing. And Leon said, well, that's natural, perfectly normal. And the weasel mother clearly did not agree with him. And then she said, no, it's not, uh. 
And he said, it is, right, Francis? And Francis said, well, I'm here. She goes, it's awkward. My daughter, she goes, yes, it is, normal. And she said, well, singing a song that controls my son's mind and, and behavior, normal? And uh, Leanne said, where, where, where's this duck-billed beaver? But meanwhile, Leanne and Francis had uncovered that it was a platypus, not a duck-billed beaver. And the kid said, uh, it's hanging out with those who, like, uh, said nice things about me and my friends. Uh, those kids that play dress-up and... Uh, uh, child's games and pretend because they get they don't like the audio drama that we make uh, the radio plays or the games they're jealous and because we still come to school like dressed as our favorite historical characters or historic you know novelists or whatever or put it but so whatever they so they said the the weasel said a lot of stuff about that but basically said this that's who it's with. And then Taffy kind of said, uh, that's my sister you're talking about. And now I'm not impressed because, uh, and they said, you're not being nice to Taffy's sister. Everybody there said, oh boy, you've got a great critical thinking skills, uh, to do before you make amends. Uh, and the weasel's moms came in. I said, I came in for his justice to be restored, not for him to restore any justice. And they said, that's not how it works, ma'am. Yeah, you'll have to sit down. And then Leon said, yeah, you sit down and I'll be back. And then they snuck out the back. Uh, Leon, Francis, Dari, and Tefe. And they headed to Tefe in my house uh, because they said, we got to find your uh, sister. But when they got there, there was uh, like a dr- all the vans were there. Uh, I guess they'd had replacement vans or whatever. Some of them were covered in mud, so maybe two of them were towed. But Gerard was there, and they were taking stuff, and uh, Tefe wanted to go in and get... Tefe said, I could get my otter oil. And Leon said, you can't go in there. Uh, They're busted. And we we listened in, and they were telling that we could hear that they told my parents uh, that, like, again, that we were... We were in some sort of, there was some gecko named Gordon who believed that greed was good, and that was a creator of bards and big bunnies. So gecko, Gordon the gecko, and that we, like, uh, and Tefe, and they said that Tefe was the one that introduced us, so then Tefe was, uh, uh, like, holy moly. And, I, like, that it was about uh, self first and community second, uh, and bootstrapping and uh, destiny or something. I don't know. Manifest. I don't know. Like all this stuff uh, in the Bards and Big Bunnies was really just about that. And that we may believe in humans and proto-humans or something. And that we believed in amoral behavior. Behavior that was neither good nor bad. And obviously my parents were, well, my parents were checked out. So, I mean, in general, my life and my brother's life. So they're pretty, they were mostly embarrassed. Uh, and that Gerard was there, you know, putting them on tape, uh, but it was all fake. Uh, so even if my parents were listening to this, it's a Gerard was just a character, disinformation actor hired by the greater swamp authority. 
also about the duck-billed beaver was leaving, living in our house. That was upsetting to my parents, too. But then they had to brainstorm. They said, we have to track your sister down uh, and uh, her friends. And Teve said, I think I know a way. Uh, like, uh, Francis, can we go back to your house? Dari, like, uh, does... Uh, does Willow have anything in a room that looks like, uh, that you like, uh, and Dar said a telegraph, uh, and, uh, Tuffy said, yes, a telegraph, the pressy pressy thing. That's what I was going to say. So they headed back, uh, to, uh, uh, Francis's house. Now, meanwhile, we were, we had, uh, like, uh, Kind of uh, like uh, had a uh, we were stuck in that tube for a while, and then we said, uh, you know, we had a, some time to talk. Uh, the the tube was uh, inside of a fake tree. It was big enough we could all sit in a circle, so we had to make eye contact. But it didn't take long uh, for LJ to say, "Wow, you really uh, saved us there, Billy." And I guess I was wrong. Uh, you know, just saying that you didn't want to help us find Willow, that just is like, a, you know, it's a journey we're on together. But I was mostly concerned with finding Willow and uh, had some assumptions and I made an, uh, assumptions about everything. And for that, I'm sorry and I apologize. And Billy said, you know, I used my powers uh, to make you run away and... Uh, uh, and I, you know, I, like I should have, you know, that wasn't okay. And also, I used my powers because I didn't want to find Willow because I was afraid that if you knew, like, to be fully seen by all of you. But now that we're sitting in a circle, fully seeing one another, Billy didn't exactly say this. I guess I'm putting words in her mouth, but kind of this was the general je ne sais pas. Yeah, was uh, yeah that. Uh, you know, now that I can, I feel full trust that friends can be friends around one another. So I'm sorry. And they said, I accept your apologies. And then I had to apologize, uh, uh, like, because they said, well, you know, I kind of took Billy's side over your side. And I, you know, I failed to kind of grasp, uh, your side of things, LJ and the weight. And I didn't stay calm also, then I had to apologize to Billy again so everybody else would see it because the last apology was private. Then Vaughn apologized kind of to LJ and to Billy. LJ for kind of taking my side more than LJ's and and then to Billy for uh, also getting mad at Billy when she made LJ run away. So, we, you know, it took a while because we were using more of our, you know, I, this is a, like a little bit, I'm like a little bit older now, so I have better use of my words. But uh, but then we heard one of the bikes uh, start clicking because it was like right up against the backside of the tree so we could hear right through the thing. And we said, T-E-F-E-T-F-A, where are you? This is Tefe. I said, Tefe would never use my... And we said, that doesn't make any sense. And Vaughn said, it's a trick. Uh, it's not Tefe. It's a place beyond the swamp. And we all said, this is very odd. And Tefe said, where are you? Answer us. Uh, and we said, well, they could be listening to the telegraphs. Uh, uh, 
And then we said, uh, well, how, is there any way we could know it's Tefe? And I said, yeah, Tefe's the only person that knows where I hide my diary. Uh, I mean, I, I assume on the planet, uh, definitely in the swamp, because my parents never found it, because they put us, you know, I have ways of uh, discovering if my diary's been read. And they said, do you have a diary? Are we in it? Uh and that was a sweet moment in the middle of tension. Even Billy got the gist of the fun and said, am I in it? And I said, uh, you're all in it, of course. Uh, you know, using the journal is part of my wind-down routine. So uh, we asked F.A., and I'm not going to say it on the air, even though I moved it. Uh, but, well, I guess I said, like, so I put a... Some cardboard underneath, I made a cardboard shelf underneath uh, my bookshelf on the bottom, up above the molding, so you couldn't see it, but then it would hold, it was just enough to hold the weight, you know, I used tape uh, and some sticks, uh, so it was like a a cardboard shelf uh, that I built myself inside the underneath of my bookshelf. You know where the molding, you could, the molding almost goes to the floor and you could slip your hand into there. Don't know what it was for anyway. And if you just hid your journal on the floor in the back, you know, someone that was sweeping or tying their shoe could see it on the floor or they could reach under if they thought you might have hit it there. But if they're sliding their hand, the shelf would be above their hand. So they'd have to feel around. So it worked, uh, except Tefe found it because Tefe was watching uh, like, uh, Taffy pulled a trick where Taffy said, prove it, we're arguing, and then said, prove it, like, it was a trick, I didn't realize Taffy's bright sometimes, so what was the date that we, uh, like, ate all that ice cream, and I said, like, uh, June 7th, and Taffy said, no, 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 it was June 22nd, because I, I knew, because I put it in my diary. And Tuffy said, well, it wouldn't matter because no one would have proof anyway. And I said, I have proof. And then Tuffy said, well, get it. If you're right, then I'll pay you. And then, uh, so this was like, I think it was like five acorns, we'll say. So then I went and got my, went to get my diary. But Tuffy pushed open my door as I was reaching for it. And then Tuffy said, okay. Five acorns. I'll charge you 15, uh, you know, to leave your diary alone. That was after, like, so after I did that, Tuffy, like, uh, basically diary napped my diary. So, so he said, where do I used to hide, where do I hide my diary? Because it just, it didn't happen that long ago. And Tuffy answered, uh, Underneath a bookshelf and a, a fake a fake shelf, uh, left side. And I said, that's it, left side even. But Vaughn was still like, this is some sort of trick. What if Tefe's with the people from the swamp? We can't trust, I mean, Tefe's not trustworthy anyway. And then we we were going back and forth, and then it, was, it came back that it was Leon. And Leon said, where are you? Uh, we, you know, we want to help. Uh, and then we said, should we tell them or not? And then Billy said, they might be listening. And we said, what are we going to do? 
And Billy said, answer them. And what I'll do is jam all of the other telegraphs in town because they're probably listening to all the telegraphs. Uh, and I'll put a different answer of where we are in every other telegraph. And then I'll need a long nap. So as we typed it to that one telegraph, uh, you know, we're at the community resource fairgrounds. Uh, Billy put in all these different locations. Uh, we actually had to make, it was a longer process than that. We said, hold on. And then we made a long list because Billy, and then we actually had to uh, teach Billy a little bit of telegraph code. Uh, but so we did that. Uh, and it worked, but it was only, there's only like 35, like, like we could only come up with 35 places. So we knew we didn't have long. We were hoping, we said, hurry. Because uh, we said, what if they check this one first? So then we said, okay, we'll leave the bikes at the base of the tree. And we'll go hide somewhere else. Uh, so we decided actually to hide in the Ferris wheel, which all the pods were down from the Ferris wheel. So we're hiding the base of them, watching the tree and waiting. And eventually we heard uh, a van pull up, and it was uh, uh, these people from Bayan Swamp, with some weasels and some other uh, swamp friends. Not friends, though. And they started walking around the tree, and we said, "Oh boy, like they're gonna." And then they found our bikes, and we said, "Oh no." And we said, "As soon as they check that, they're gonna check everywhere else." So we were really worried. And Vaughn said, "See, it was a trick." Uh, but then we didn't know this, but Leon and Tefe had pulled up, and Leon said, "Tefe, uh, what do you got in that uh, bag you carry?" Because Tefe carries like a a bag, like a, he calls it a side kit. It's technically like a purse uh, where he keeps his otter oil and some other like products he uses for his looks. And Tuffy said, what do you mean? And uh, uh, Leon said, there's no way that the tips of your tops, your things are not only shining, but because there's a golden, because you got some like golden and he goes, yeah, Goldorizer. I got a Goldorizer cream. And the chief said, give it to me. And he started to coat these acorns in this gold thing. Because, uh, again, another thing, if you're raised in the swamp at all, is like the idea of finding a golden acorn that uh, the, the most experienced people of our community can leave these golden acorns uh, like the knowledgeable, most experienced members of our community, if you bring them a golden acorn, whether it's someone in your family or, you know, you go to the place where they all live and they get to, to live out their years where we take care of them and bask in their experience and knowledge, you bring them a golden acorn, they'll tell you a story from their life and their experience, a life lesson. But they'll also give you a treat if you're a kid or if you're an adult. Uh, they give you a surprise, and it could be anything. It's usually pretty great, and it really reinforces a lot of positive things. Like uh, people would say, oh, it's manipulative to be nice to the, the most experienced members of our community. But you really burns a pathway where you want to listen to them. And you associate the reward with this other reward that you're getting from the parable, from their real life that they're telling you.
So the gold acorns are worth a lot to everybody. So Leon started throwing them, uh, like four or five of these golden acorns that he had made with Tefe's, you know, gold grease or whatever it was called. And so then the weasels that were looking for us saw them and they said, oh, and then they were trying to grab them because they thought, oh, they were left over from the queue. They said, they, oh, it's a smooth move. But as each one, like, ran after a golden acorn, Leon used, you know, some moves uh, uh, to make them take naps, uh, special naps. And then Leon found us uh, and said, hey, come on, let's go. Before we, And we said, what do you mean? And he said, let's go now. And so we left with him. And then, you know, it's, it's probably better, like, uh, I can, like, uh, then we went back and we, it was n- bedtime. So we all went back to Francis and Dari's house, uh, and we had a sleepover. And Leon said, okay, in the morning, we're going to go through where we are and where we need to be and come up with a plan for tomorrow. But for now, let's all rest together. We know all will be well. We know we're going to be here to take care of one another and help one another and help find Willow and Babs. Uh, and we all introduced ourselves. We also hugged one another. This was before we went to bed. I forgot. Like, I hugged uh, Tefe, and I said, I met, I said, and Tefe said, I can't believe this. Uh, and I said, I can't believe, uh, you, like, uh, and I said, I missed you. And I said, I missed you too, Tefe. And Tefe said, maybe we should be... No more secrets, huh? And I said, no more secrets. Uh, and Teffy said, have you been hanging out with that duck-billed beaver? And I said, then we said, anyway, maybe some secrets. Let's respect each other's boundaries. Well, let's be better friends. Dari and Francis were hugging again, and uh, Francis was very excited to meet Billy. I don't know, it was a very loving moment. Vaughn and Al, you know, we did a lot of hugging, uh, and it was nice, and then, uh, you know, we just, uh, like, well, Bull fell asleep very fast, so then we all fell asleep listening to Bull snoring. It was very gentle and nice, and we slept well. Good night. All right, everybody, Scoots here, and it's time for our episodically modular, serialized story, Otter Things. That's O-T-T-E-R, Otter Things, T-H-I-N-G-S. It is a, like a series, but like if you listen to it out of order, I think this is the 10th episode. The first nine episodes could be like those Star Wars movies, right? You say, no, 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 the regular the Star Wars movies that have numbers, not the other ones. Sorry, I didn't mean to mix you up there. But you'd say, oh, like if let's say you, 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 your first Star Wars movie, you haven't seen one. You're just a kid like, like I was. My parents said, you're too young to see those Star Wars movies. So let's say your my first movie was uh, what is that called the Hope of uh, Ewa, uh New Hope uh, the ones with the Ewoks the New Hope I think and I think technically that was number six but it was number one for me so then when I saw in one two and three didn't even exist at the time so let's say your first Star Wars movie hasn't even come out yet and then you say okay I'm going to see nine Star Wars ten I don't know if there's going to be one. I mean, I, I certainly hope so. 
Uh, like I think it's going to be called Ray's twin sister. And they say, so that was a direct, that was the first direct video. Scoots wrote that one. Star Wars 10. Ray's twin sister. It was the most true. I say, yep, that was one I, I took. I was the man that took down Star Wars. Where was it? Oh, so sorry. I was talking about other things. So, but if you, if that was your first movie, say, so, well, that was my first and my last, uh, it it read more like a Nancy Drew mystery, Scoots, uh, like in the later years when uh, they were just dialing it in. And he said, "Yeah, but that was your first one. You get to watch the the the, the nine when you after you watch that, the first nine are unbelievable." So you say, "Oh wow!" So that caught me up. So this that's what this is like. Uh, if you listen to ten right now, don't worry. You can listen to one through nine later in any order. But it's a tale of an otter named Emma. She's the one telling it. I happen to get these archived audio tapes uh, from somewhere in a place beyond the swamp. So without further ado, I'd like to uh, introduce Emma Otter. Uh, hey, everyone. Emma Otter here, and I'm recording this podcast, and... Uh, we're, uh, we're, we, we don't have, uh, like, so I'm not going to catch you up because the first part of the story will catch you up here on everything that's happened. So don't worry, you'll be caught up soon. And also, uh, our intro, the most famous person, I'm, I'm, I live in a place beyond the swamp. I'm an otter. And, uh. This is like a tale, otter things about some strange and odd things that happened, uh, in the town and the place beyond the swamp I live. I guess I should give you some basic info. So I'm an otter. I live in a town, uh, in a swamp, uh, in a part of a greater swamp community. And, you know, I have friends. I'm, oh, I'm in middle school. Great question. I have an older brother, Tefe, in high school. Actually, that'll, we'll catch up on all that. But we don't have access to the most famous resident of our town, uh, but I'm going to do an imitation of uh, the most famous resident of our town. They're feeling a little blue right now. So this, without further ado, this is me doing Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, Emma. Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary. It's time for Otter. Things splish splash. Thank you, Antonio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you, Emma. It was great having you here, and I hope you uh, you uh, get you feel good very very soon. Uh, thank you. Uh, good night. Hey, so this is Emma Otter, and uh, I was just catching up on this tale. I want you to know that all will be well, of course. And when we last left off, everyone had returned to, to Francis and Dari and Willow's house. And so I want to tell you, Francis, Dari, and Willow are beavers. Willow is my best friend, or maybe... One of my best friends, depending on who's listening. And so Willow, Willow is in my class. Dari's in the same class as my brother Tefe in high school. And Dari's their mom. And they live way out on the edge of the swamp. And I've been lucky to uh, 
get to know them and be friends with them. And we're in the middle of an adventure. Now, the reason we're in the middle of an adventure is because once upon a time, at the beginning, a few, what feels like months ago, but really wasn't that long ago, me, Willow, and our other two friends, Vaughn and LJ, we were playing our role-playing game, Bards and Big Bunnies. And it was night, Sunday night, we were supposed to be done because it was a school night, and they headed home. But on the way home, Willow took the path less taken. And there, I think we could tell you, she met a big bunny and went to a place beyond the place beyond the swamp, uh, somewhere through a weird portal into a weird world, the down, deep down, size down, kind of like down under, because it's below the swamp. And a big bunny, maybe some sort of other portal or organic being, uh, was involved. But the bunny really was a caring bunny. It was a goose, also a goose bunny, because it had goose feathers and goose heads. Uh, but all will be well. Kind of goose, goose heads are full of smiles and a smiling, sweet, sweet bunny is what I want you to picture in your mind right now. And that bunny apparently put uh, Willow and eventually Dari's friend Babs in cribs uh, and pretended they were babies or dolls and played with them. And the bunny also could sing lullabies that would put people to sleep and calm them. And But we didn't know this until now. Before that, we thought that, well, Willow went away to start a career, or Willow, you know, went somewhere, or Willow was hiding, or Willow was on a goose chase. But now we knew, and that's why we were all at Dari and Francis's house. So who else was there? Well, I'm going to introduce everybody, because we were collected. We had all finally come together. Three or four groups of us, depending on how you define a group, were out looking for Willow because it was a mystery until this point. Where was Willow? What was going on? So uh, we all sat down around uh, the coffee table and couch, uh, kind of a dining room, living room combo at Darian Francis's house. We had come together. We had hugged one another. I even hugged my brother, Tefe. Tefe said, who's that kid? So the first person Tefe pointed out was my friend, uh, newest friend, uh, uh, Billy, uh, a duck-billed beaver. And Billy was wearing my uh, brother Tefe's cola rugby shirt. He said, what is that? What are you, you wearing my cola rugby shirts? And uh, maybe it's koala, I don't know. But uh, I said, yeah, this is my friend Billy. Uh, she's from the place beyond the swamp. So I said, oh, Tefe, meet Billy. Also, Dari's mom, Francis, and another person that was there was Bull, Leon. We call him Bull. He's the head of our community resources department and uh, helping us, helping Francis at the time look into this. And we said, everyone meet uh, Billy. Billy lives in the place beyond the swamp below the visitor center. She has powers. Uh, 
she can throat sing, and when she sings songs, she can kind of sing them also through her mind. She can make things happen. So you better not bug her about the cola, koala rugby shirt tefe. And uh, so she could sing like, uh, everybody dance now, and everybody would dance. Uh, that would be a very simple example, but... Uh, Skating away on the thin ice of a new day, you might, I don't know if there would be ice, probably. I don't think she could make a new day happen, but you could skate away on the thin ice. You'd probably skate away. I don't know. That one I'd say I'd have to see it in action. Oh, also Tefe said, are those my LA gear sneakers? And I said, whatever, man. Okay, so uh, I said, so they said, okay, fill us in, just like we were a listener to one of your audio dramas. And I said, okay, so here's where we met Billy when we were looking for Willow, because none of them knew about Billy. We met her, she was quiet, we saw a duck-billed beaver, we thought it was Willow, but then we saw a duck-billed beaver and we said, you're not Willow. And we realized that Billy could use our help, too, that Billy was lost. So Billy moved into my basement and was living in a blanket fort. And uh, down there in the blanket fort, uh, we slowly learned that Billy had powers. We also learned that Billy uh, could go when Billy went into this zone, this quiet zone, and used her powers. She could con She contacted Willow. And then we tried to find Willow using electromagnetic tuning forks, trying to track a sympathetic vibration. And at first, uh, like LJ was more concerned with finding Willow than helping uh, Billy. And then when we first tried to find Willow, Billy was worried about going to the place beyond the swamp. So she kind of guided us on a goose chase in some sense. LJ, like, got irritated with that fact. And we kind of broke up as friends for a little while, but eventually we got back together. The reason Billy did that was because in Billy's past, Billy had, she was working for uh, Max Modine, a fox that runs the place. And then Leon said, Max Modine? Dr. Max Modine? And I said, I don't know. I don't, is there a diploma? I don't have a diploma. And Leon just nodded and said, I'm familiar with Dr. Max Modine. And looked at Billy and they kind of shared a look. And uh, they said, well, anyway, Dr. Max Modine apparently uh, w w was kind of like a parental figure to Billy, but also somewhat manipulative and wanted to use Billy's powers, we believe, as a part of a greater change from a community-based uh, restorative justice system to some sort of offensive-defensive complex, uh, using maybe the possibility of humans as an external reason to implement this more offensive stance, uh, like, uh, but also part of the offensive stance would be powers like Billy's uh, to do stuff. And so they were constantly having Billy try stuff out. And at some point, Billy stumbled upon this uh, wizard's tower, tower of sorcery, 
which was just a sign or something. We don't know exactly, but it like led, it was also an organic being was in there. Some sort of uh, being we're not familiar with, even odder than a duck-billed beaver. And then Francis said platypus, and I said, I'm bless you, bless you, bless you, Francis. Anyway, so within the tower, this was an organic tower. And when I say organic, kind of like a tree, but probably like not that trees aren't highly intelligent, but sentient, uh, maybe. And the tower grew up and down, maybe from another world. We just want to point that out. And uh, the tower went up and down. And somewhere as Billy followed the tower, Billy discovered that there was a, the, the, the bunny was there. And because Billy was using Billy's powers, maybe connected whatever world this was or maybe left a door open that the bunny and the organic tower were able to connect with our world. So Billy feels some level of responsibility, even though she's just a child. And the real bears of responsibility are Dr. Max Modine. Sounds like a conflict with whatever oath and uh, the greater swamp authority. So then we got all back together as friends, like, uh, like uh, because Billy said, geez, that's what my experience has been. And we said, wow, no wonder you didn't want to go there. And we we tried to make things right with LJ, and then eventually we found out that not only was the place beyond the swamp uh, up to that kind of stuff, uh, they were looking for Billy and obviously, you know about that part because you re- you rescued us. So here we are. I think that's all the important information we have. Uh, who's next? Okay, Francis took over. She said, okay, well, nice to meet you, Billy. I'm Francis, and you, I don't know if you know this, but you're a duck-billed platypus, actually, not a duck-billed beaver. Technically, you're just a platypus or you're just a kid, and that's what is important to remember. You're just a kid, but if you were wondering, you're a platypus. It's totally a thing. It's a thing from Earth, from another part of Earth, I guess, Australia. Uh, It was once called. And we don't know if you were uh, brought. We met a, a river dolphin, but didn't get a whole lot of information from the river dolphin. But Leon and I have been looking into it, and we know that uh, pretty much what you said is true. Uh, that, uh, yeah, that we, well, we'd like to figure out finding Willow. Uh, oh, that, yeah, I guess that Dr. Max is kind of working, and it is part of some grand intertwined thing. Leon, do you have anything else to add? Uh, yeah, that, uh, that below the swamp is, uh, an entire complex that uh, it sounds like where you lived, Billy. And it's got secret, you know, it's a secret, attempted to be a secret. And there is some sort of thing way down in the bottom, like uh, a crack or something. And there's a room with like a dome, a soundproofed dome or something. And Billy goes, I know that place well. And... Uh, yeah, so something's going on there. There's goop and, and goo. 
And then uh, Dari and Tefe, who had been on their own thing, they said, yeah, yeah, the goop and the goo. There's a whole thing under the swamp. Uh, we crawled through a giant wild carrot that's technically not a carrot, but looks like a carrot. Uh, and then Dari said, we did not. I did. Uh, Tefe, thanks for the taking credit. But uh, And beneath there is a giant bunny with goose a goose head. Now, this was our first. We said, what? Uh and then Francis said, I've seen it outside. And, and we said, they said, yeah, it's like uh, it wants to baby things. Maybe something weird's going on. There's also a, a miniature version of the town. There's a tunnel. It goes deeper than I went, but it definitely is under the swamp. Uh, probably maybe eventually connects to where you were, Leon and Billy. And the bunny and has found ways to get into our town. That's where probably Willow is and maybe my, my friend Babs also. Do you have any idea where Babs is, Billy? And Billy said, I don't know. And then everybody kind of was talking at once, saying how odd everything was. And then Vaughn said, okay, okay. Here's how to think about it. Uh, does anybody have, do you know what tracing paper is? And they said, go get some tracing paper from... Uh, Willow's room, and Vaughn said, okay, I think what happened is uh, that uh, Wizard's Tower is like, I don't know if we're the tracing paper or we're what's being traced, uh, but uh, that uh, it's like another world layered on top of ours, and you can kind of see through it, uh, and you could draw, and then Vaughn started drawing. We said, Vaughn, focus, V, come on. And then Vaughn said, well, what if there was also a hole? If you trace for too long, Vaughn said, that you can make a hole in the tracing paper, and then you're writing on the original. And if you're doing that for, like, schoolwork, just so everybody knows, the teacher will figure it out. Uh, and we said, well, we don't understand. And Vaughn said, but then the adult said, we, okay, I think we get it. Uh, it's like... Uh, Something about Billy's powers put that tear in the tracing paper. And Vaughn said, yeah, almost like a pen. Now maybe that tower is the pen through that one world and another world. And then the and then the layers of our own world. If it was a coloring book and a piece of tracing paper. And we said, okay, what does any of that mean? And Vaughn said, well... Somewhere on one of these layers is probably Willow and Babs. We just got to find them. And uh, Dari almost did, so we just got to find a way to get back to them. And then uh, Francis said, I need to talk to my daughter first. Uh, and, and then Dari said, I want to talk to Babs. Can you get a hold of them? They said this to Billy. Use your powers. And uh, we said, okay. And then Vaughn was still kind of making it and saying, this is like the wizard's tower, this pen. Uh, and I said, you put the pen all the way through the coloring book. Uh, and he said, yes, I did. Uh, so then we all sat around the table and we said, everybody has to be very quiet for Billy. Uh, 
And it was kind of like everybody was watching Billy and breathing. And they said, can you get a hold of them? Can you sing a song? And Billy kind of just started humming to herself. And uh, she, she, she tried to close her eyes. Uh, and then a tear ran down her eye. And she said, I can't, I can't. Uh, I need a second. And, and she, like, walked uh, uh, out of the room uh, and uh, Vaughn said, you can't, can't, can you adults just sit still? You're so noisy. We could hear you creaking. And the adults, you know, Leon, and he meant even the high schoolers, uh, Dar- Dari and Tefe and Francis said, you, you, you're making so much noise. How is she supposed to concentrate? Uh, well, her powers are drained. She was using the powers, her powers to help us get away. And, uh, then I went to check on Billy, and Billy had kind of gone out back uh, to this, like, uh, like there's a couple, like, like there's, like, this uh, detached garage they had. And uh, inside the garage was, like, one of the places, well, anyway, I'll tell you in a second. I said, geez, are you okay? And Billy said, I just, I couldn't get a hold of them. It's too, no, I couldn't focus. Uh, I'm sorry. I let you all down. And we said, no, no, no. You just couldn't do it. Uh, no, they were expecting a lot from you. There's a lot of pressure. It's okay. We'll figure this out together. And we were so in the detached garage. was like one of the places we would record our audio dramas, um, we just kind of had these blankets set up, and it was like, Billy said, is this a blanket for it? And I said, kind of, like, we use it to record the audio drama so that it, like, uh, just sounds better in there. And Billy went inside, and she goes, it sounds better in here. Go, yeah, the kind of the blankets absorb some of the sound and stuff. And Billy said, wait a second. And I said, this is like what we had at the... Uh, place below the swamp uh and then we went back and i don't want to feel like so we explained it to vaughn because vaughn and lj started bro said wait a second so you just need some place that's silent uh and then vaughn said like the silent tower concepts and we said yeah like a real studio almost uh and vaughn said let me call professor moose so he called professor moose who was uh uh, it was, you know, this was like Saturday night of like 10 o'clock. So Professor Moose said, what are you doing calling me at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night? Uh, and Vaughn said, I have some questions. What are you doing on a Saturday night? And the professor said, none of your business normally, but uh, recording an audio drama. Isn't that what you and your friends do? And we said, yeah, but not on a Saturday night, Professor, at 10 o'clock. Uh, why we, and Professor said, we'll have uh, other people over. And we're doing, uh, like, a dramatic interpretation of a sitcom uh, that's popular right now. Uh, and I, then Vaughn said, well, what, what sitcom? And the Professor said, well, we're calling it Who is the Boss uh, instead of Who's the Boss? And Vaughn said, anyway, Professor, what if we needed a place that was almost like a real studio, like like a similar, where do you record? And Professor said, well, we have drinks and stuff, so we just do it in the living room. We're not looking for great sound. In fact, we're not even recording it. We're just acting it out. Uh, prep rehearsal 
And Vaughn said, is this what role play is? Uh, and the professor said, anyway, Vaughn, moving on. He said, is that what adults do at 10 p.m. on Saturdays is role play? Role playing game. It's like a role playing game, Professor Moose said. And then they said, uh, Vaughn said, well, so if I wanted to make a studio, like almost like a real studio, how would I do that? Uh, and uh, the professor said, don't you know how to burrow? Like just make a burrow or a lodge or something. And Vaughn said, that's like a good muddy and gross. Uh, we need something we could do. And, uh, like, uh, well, the professor, remember we had that uh, assembly where they were building those, uh, they were saying, here's some old building techniques from, like, uh, ancient beavers and ancient muskrats. And remember? And Vaughn said, oh, yeah, they were, that was not like a, like, you said it's like a geodesic dome, but not exactly geodesic, but similar or better. And Professor Moose said, yeah, so you'd take that and you just layer it, make sure to layer the floor, maybe use some carpets or moving blankets, uh, maybe think about mud, but just, yeah, layer stuff on the inside and the outside of the sticks uh, and on the floor, and that would be probably pretty quiet. The more layers, the better, but use soft material. And Vaughn was telling us all this. So, so then we said, okay, where are we going to get? We said, okay, we'll go to the school. We know that that's in the storage. Uh, all the stuff from assemblies and school, you know, school functions. And Leon said, I got a bunch of shag carpet at my place. I love shag carpet. It's shagadelic. And everybody said, what's a shag carpet? And Leon said, exactly what we're looking for. And then uh, Dari said, well, there's the moving company. We, ca- we could borrow some moving blankets from the moving company. And we said, okay, let's all split up uh, uh, and go get stuff. And Leanne said, okay, Tefe, you come with me because we got a, a, the shag carpet is uh, like uh, you, you kind of, you might want to hear about shag carpet at school. Tefe said, okay. And so they went back to Bull's place. And what's he? Taffy said, "What's the shag carpet?" Uh, and he said, "Like shaggy, like a dog." Uh, and he then he said, "Listen, Taffy." Well, we they went to Leon's house and they started rolling. He said, "Listen, from here on out, let me handle things. I'm an adult, okay." And uh, uh, Taffy said, "Sure, sure. You're like uh, you're totally the great bull. Don't worry. Don't be intimidated by me, even though." You know, I'm a shiny otter. You're, you know, you're not slimy. You're not a slimy frog. Uh, Bull said, who are you calling a slimy frog, kid? Why would I be intimidated by you? I'm the authority figure. And uh, Taffy said, don't judge yourself against me. Like, uh, don't judge your outsides with my outsides. Uh, We're different. I'm an otter. I happen to be a very smooth otter. And you're a frog. It's just, uh, we both have great qualities. There's no reason to compare. I'm here to help. And then t- the, the, t- the bull just said, Tefe, stop talking. And remember, adults are in charge. And then he shook out a bunch of rugs, like, on top of Tefe's head. 
like all the stuff like that had been in his rugs because he hadn't vacuumed in a while. But he said, you know what, Tefe, you're right, you're right, I do need your help. Uh, I just realized it after I dumped the rugs on you, shag rugs that hold so much dust. Uh, you know, I need you to keep an eye on those kids. Uh, you know, I need you to be in charge of them. Well, I do more boring work, uh, okay? Like I do more frog-level work while you do smooth otter work, like leading children. And Taffy said, great. So they packed up the rugs and headed back. And then uh, uh, Dari and I, we uh, went to the um, get all the moving blankets. And uh, it was kind of like, I was like, so is everything okay with you? And Dari said, no, I'm like worried about my sister. I saw a giant bunny with goose heads, a miniature version of a town. Crawled through tunnels full of goose slime or something. Pretty sure I may have gone through tracing paper from another world. And I said, oh, yeah, as we're talking about, like, are you and my brother, like, uh, going out or, like, K-I-S-S-I-N-G-ing? And Dari said, absolutely not. Uh, no offense, I know he's your brother, but he's, you know, you know your brother. No, uh, not at all. Are you, like, a... Uh, like, what's going on? Like, you seem like you've replaced, is Billy your new best friend or something? Like, uh, and I said, I care about Billy greatly, but my, you know, that's none of your beeswax. Uh, and then Dari sighed, and Dari was a good big sister, so she looked at me and she put her arm around me and she said, this is a, this whole thing is very odd, isn't it? And, and I think it's going to be, a, all will be well, though, Okay. And I said, yeah, I hope so. And I said, she said, I've seen some odd things, but uh, I'm still here with you, and I'll be with you, and you'll be with me, and soon we'll be with Willow. And so we got the moving blankets. Now, meanwhile, Vaughn and LJ, they were they were at our school, and they took out the, uh, I don't know, they were trying to put together the um, the dome, made of, like, all these intertwining vines and sticks. And at first it was, like, a comedy, apparently. You know, they were arguing, putting things in the wrong places. Uh, they said, that looked more like a lump or that's, and you know, they, like it was upside down. But eventually they started working together and they used what assets they each had. And they said, oh, okay, wait a second, we just got to intertwine that with that. So it slowly came together, and then we got there. So we put down some carpet, and then we put the dome on top, and then we, like, worked to moving blankets and other carpets on the top of the dome and on the inside. And it slowly started to look like a pretty interesting thing. Uh, and Leon even fell asleep on the shaggy carpet for a while, and even Tefe lied down next to him and slept. And then we tried to see, like, then Vaughn said, you got to get out of here so I can see how quiet it is. And we took one of the hearing tests uh, and some tongue depressors because we had to keep layering. We had so many moving blankets, but we were like, okay, can you hear anything? Drop a tongue depressor. But then it, it, it didn't work out as well. Conceptually, we thought it would work out good. We put the headphones on top of the dome 
And Vaughn sat in there. And, you know, it makes like a sound. And you're supposed to drop a tongue depressor on the left or the right. But eventually we got to where Vaughn could not hear anything, even at the highest volume, on the left or the right headphone. So that the dome was more or less soundproof. But then Billy was helping Fran or Francis was helping Billy get ready. And she said, okay, well, uh, what about these earmuffs? You want to wear these earmuffs too over your ears? Uh, and then she said, well, how are we going to communicate with you if you're in this dome? And, and how will we know if you need us or you need, we need you or, or you know? And Billy said, uh, you like, I don't know. And then Francis said, oh, what about a, like, uh, what about a tin can phone and a wind chime? Like, and Billy said, what do you mean? And she goes, well, we could have fishing line and we could have a tin can that you could talk into and then we could hear it on the other side. And then if you need to listen, uh, like, uh, you could, uh, you could put your ear to it. So if you want to, if you need us, like, you could talk into it. But if you need us, like, or you can't talk for some reason, I'll have it attached to a wind chime. So you could just ring the wind chime. And maybe you could even do that with your, and Billy said, okay, okay, I get it. Uh, so then Francis went out and told them to do that. Or told us, I guess. And she went back and she said, listen, Billy, you know, I'm going to be here. I know I want you to find Willow. But I'm going to be here for you. I know that, that Dr. Max probably told you a bunch of stuff and said that Dr. Max was going to be parental, but probably wasn't. Uh, but I'm going to be here. I'm going to be working on keeping you all as well. And I won't be far away. I'll be on the other side of this tin can phone listening and thinking of you and trying to care for you. And I know maybe inside right now it doesn't feel like all will be well, but I've lived a life, and I could tell you that there were times I didn't think everything was going to be well, Billy, but it ended up being well. Or I could be in the moment and say, all is well right now, Francis. Uh, and when you're done, or if you need it sooner, I can come in the dome and get you, and I can hold you or soothe you. But also you could self-soothe yourself. If you need soothing, okay? And Billy said, okay, okay. And just remember to breathe and to focus on your breath. Do you breathe through your belly? Do you have, I, know, I didn't read if platypuses have, you're a mammal, so you have lungs, right? And Billy said, yeah, lungs, yeah. So let's go. I'll hold your your hand for now. Are you ready? Do you want to try this and find Willow and in uh, uh, Babs? Uh, and Billy said, "I'm ready. I'm ready to try." And so they headed in, and then Billy got. We had to lift up the dome. Interesting, you know, we didn't because the entrance sort of just let noise in. And also, Billy had we had like a nest kind of because that didn't make any noise. We tried a chair, but it was too squeaky. So Billy got in there and put one of her ears by the tin can so she could turn her head. And she got settled in, and, and we kind of just sat out there. First, they were communicating, and Francis again was saying, Don't worry, all will be well. We're here. 
can you hear us? And Billy said, I can hear you. And then they tried the wind chime. So all was working. And Billy said, okay, be quiet now, everybody. And uh, so then we, we, we like, uh, got on either side. Because so, the nice thing about the tin can phone is it doesn't pick up a lot of ambient stuff. Uh, and so uh, then we just started waiting. But Billy closed her eyes, and she kind of told me a lot of this. That's how I know it so well. And she started humming a song called Something to Believe in, which is kind of like a, a weird ballad from, like, a hair band, but... Uh, not like, you know, like the river bottom band. And you say, this is a strange song from, but it wasn't the river bottom band. It was another band that wanted to look tough. We said, well, this is a, but she was singing that song, something to, something to believe in. And then she said, started saying, I believe I'll find Babs. I believe I'll find Babs. Uh, and then Billy kind of found herself walking down one of the halls. Now, this wasn't a hall that anybody in our party had been in. But it was, again, under the earth. It was full of goo and goop. Uh, and it was long. It was ankle-deep goo and goop. Uh, so Billy was moving slowly, like, without lifting her feet, like, sloshing back and forwards. And eventually she followed it, uh, and there was like a goo and goop waterfall with a crack. And Billy stepped over the crack and saw that there was a room with some cribs in there, like a bunch of cribs, like 20 or 30, but all of them were empty but one. And in one it was like, uh, well, Billy didn't know, and she kind of was hesitant to approach. Uh, and she said, Babs, Babs, Babs. Is that you, Willow? And immediately Dari said, Is that Babs? Did you find Babs? Uh, uh, tell me what's going on with Babs. And then Billy slowly approached, and she saw that in the crib was a doll. And she said, Not Babs. And then, this is where we don't need to go into it, but then Dari did get carried away and described Babs. Uh, and we determined that it was a doll that looked exactly like Babs. But that took a while. Because, again, I said, well, she's trying to concentrate, Dari. But then once Billy was concentrating, and she said, it's uh, it's only a doll. It's not Babs, but it looks exactly like Babs. But the eyes, uh, the eyes, I can see Babs uh, through the doll's eyes, uh, and we said, well, what do you, like, uh, this took some explaining afterwards, but the summary was that uh, at the time, if we were really with Billy right now, she could see in the eyes of the doll Babs in another, what we could assume is another world, another layer of tracing paper. And Babs was, uh, Babs was at peace. Babs was uh, relaxing and uh uh, chilling, but she wasn't ever, she was, she wasn't in our world anymore. And you could tell it was uh, not our world because there was otherworldly colors and Babs was eating snacks that don't exist. Uh, she was having something like Marmite and toast or something. I don't know. And obviously Dari hearing all this in context was not happy. Said Babs is in another world, but also made into a doll. What? Uh, 
But then uh, Billy knew she needed to She said, Willow, are you in here? No, no, no Willow. So she went through another kind of a smaller doorway in a smaller tunnel. But she was like, all will be well. All will be well. Give me something to believe in. I believe I'm going to find Willow. And uh, Francis was saying, just breathe, just breathe, just breathe. And then it, it was like getting like less easy to see, we'll say. But then Billy saw a sign. She goes, I see a sign, signs everywhere. There's signs that says Beaver Studios. Uh, and Dar and Francis were like, Beaver Studios, uh, like, that's another, that's like on the garage that we were just in. Uh, uh, and then uh, Billy said, okay. And then Billy went into the, but, and then Billy saw that she was outside, but in a size down, stranger version of the outside of Francis and Dari's house. And she had to get on all fours and crawl into the detached garage that was, uh, you know, not the same size. And she looked in and she said, Willow, Willow, is that you? And Willow was in there, curled up in a bunch of moving blankets that seemed goopy. It was almost like a crib and Willow kind of uh, had like doll-like qualities almost. And Willow said, who, who are you? Who are you? And meanwhile, everybody was listening and, and, uh, we were like, what? Uh, and uh, Will said, I'm in a onesie. And Billy said, hi, I'm Billy. I know your mom and Emma and Vaughn and LJ and uh, Dari. And Willow said, Dari and mom, LJ, uh, yeah, Emma, uh, uh, Vaughn. And... Uh, Billy said, I'm with them. They all love you and they miss you and they care about you. Uh, and they want you to come home or they want to come get you. And uh, uh, Willow said, you better get out of here. The bunny's going to come back and tuck me in and sing to me some more. And Billy said, okay. And then Willow said, it's turning me slowly into a doll with its singing. That's why I have a onesie on. I wasn't wearing a onesie. It's, I don't know, it just appeared on me. But I'm still a person right now. So you'll have to tell them to use haste. That's a spell to pick, go fast uh, and pick up the pace, okay? And Billy said, okay, I'll hurry, I'll hurry. And uh, Willow said, please do, please do. Uh, and, and then Billy said, don't worry, mom, your mom and your sister and your friends and even Bull love you so much. Uh, and then uh, this thing started to fade and, and, and Billy started to feel kind of the, uh, like the garage was gone and felt the bouncing of the bunny. And then the bunny was singing and it said, hush, little platy, don't say a word. Money's going to take you someplace absurd. Cozy crib will be your bed. So close your eyes and rest your dread. 
And Billy started to get sleepy, and she said, oh, no, I'm, I'm drifting off. I got to wake up. I got to, uh, like, wake up. Uh, and she started, luckily, had the wherewithal to, like, uh, start knocking the um, tin can with her bill to shake the uh, wind chime. And we lifted up the dome, and then, like, uh, she she came to, and she said, uh, oh, uh, Bunny was coming. And Francis was like, what, what happened? Where's Willow? And she said, Beaver Studios. Uh, she's becoming a doll. You know, she's kind of filled us in on what happened. Uh, and we said, holy moly, uh, we got to. And then Bull said, you know what? Maybe we'll put the dome back on. I think we should all rest here and get some sleep and then deal with the situation uh, tomorrow, rested. We said, okay, so we all got put the top, top back on, and we got cozy, and we sang and held one another, cause we, and we said, all will be well. We'll find uh, Willow soon, and Babs seems like she was fine, and she's just in another world, which is disappointing, but she was in another world fine. But we said, well, yeah, we're not related to Babs. We don't want Willow going to another world. So, yeah, we'll try to get... Uh, uh, go get her. Now, meanwhile, Willow was there, and she heard the bunny kind of uh, chase off and sing, and she said, I hope uh, that uh, that duck-billed beaver got away. Here I am in my 40-poo here. I need to self-soothe. And Willow thought about the studio. She was. She said, okay, hey, everybody, this is Willow from Beaver Studios coming to you live. Uh, we're on Doll Watch and All Will Be Well Watch uh, live here. I'm still uh, in a onesie, but that's all for now. I haven't sucked my thumb or uh, wet my pants or done the hula hula dance. Um, and we just met a new friend named Billy, who was duck-billed beaver, who was our guest live in studio. I don't know if you caught that. But uh, I'm going to play some more songs here. I'm going to play my favorite uh, song, Bad, 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 Bad Bar. It's uh, the song I wrote, uh, so uh, I'll just be here humming Bad, 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 Bad Bar. It's, uh and my mom's going to be here soon, and my sister and all my friends. And hey, everybody, this is Willow here. And we, so we all got, you know, eventually Willow. Uh, did I say Willow or Emma? Sometimes I get mixed up, but I'm Emma. Willow was there, and eventually Willow sang herself to sleep. Uh, but I always want to remind you that all will be well. And I know it's hard to believe me sometimes. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to say all will be as it is, or all will be as it is. You say, Willow, you're just saying that. Uh, or you're saying, or Emma, you're just saying that to us. Uh, and I see, yeah, sometimes it's hard to accept or believe that all will be well. But this is the case because I'm here telling you this story. I know all will be well. And when you're there in a mound, you know, under a mound or in a pile there, you can kind of say it to yourself, all's well right now. And all, what if I told you that all will be odd? You say, well, I can't accept all will be well, Emma. I'd say, well, could you accept that uh, things that are odd are not always neither 
well or unwell, all will be odd. Uh, is that soothing or is uh, saying all will be odd, a little bit of a self-soothing and that this is going to be okay and all right? Uh, so I want you to think about that and think about all of us animals, uh, all of us uh, swamp and forest friends snuggled together thinking all will be well and all is odd right now, but we're together. Because that's how we uh, said good night to one another. Good night. All right, everybody. It's uh, Scoots here, and this is our ongoing episodically modular series. Um, what's go? Oh, Otter Things. I don't know why my mind blanked on that. Uh, and it's we say it's episodically modular. It's serial too, but it's modular. So this is a first, I mean, this is groundbreaking stuff for sleep podcasting and all other, because I'm not anti-narrative. Uh, you know, there was a big, especially in the 90s, uh, there was this like, a, and there's always like an anti-narrative movement, right? Also, I want to say I'm not anti-anti-narrative. I'm just saying that in this sleep podcast, this sleep podcast is not anti-narrative, and uh, how did I get so mixed up when I'm trying to introduce a fictional story? So, oh, but so, but oh, the groundbreaking part is that it's episodically modular serialized. So that means you can listen to it in any order, in any sequence, and you'll still get the seriality if you want it. Uh, but like, it's like, I don't want the seriality to be something, well, I've never listened to this before. I don't know if I'll like it or I don't want to listen to it out of order. Those are all natural concerns. And I think that concern comes from an, like, a, an uncomfortableness with anti narrative because you see, well, I don't like, and I say, don't worry, I got you covered. I'm not, I'm not anti, this is an anti narrative. Uh, so it's a, an ability to listen to the narrative in any order. Because one, Emma Otter is going to come and she's going to catch you up on all the details. But it's also like, um, I don't know, we just I write the stories in a way that you could listen to them in any order. And you'll still, you might even get more out of it. Also, you may be, this is just for people that, uh, you know, your brain bots might say, well, I can't listen to this one. I, I really think you'll get a lot out of listening to this. And you don't need to listen to it also. You can so that's why I put all this work in is because you could listen, but you don't really need to. But I want to let you know that you could listen and not listen. You know, I want to give you permission. I'm not trying to circumvent the part of you that says, whoa, 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 I can't listen to episode 11 first. I say, well, you could. Why don't you, why don't you give it a try and see how it goes? Because, you know, like you can listen to like you could listen to it or you could fall asleep during it. Either way, I'm going to be here. I'm just here to help. And I made it special for you, BrainBot. Uh, and I know you're a completist and I know you like to listen to things in the right order. But this one, like I've said in other beginnings, you could consider episode 11, episode one, and all the other ones are prequels. And maybe, and they say, well, I don't know about that, because you're, and I say, well, just look at it like a thought experiment or research. Just give it a try. So that's what I want you to know about the episodically modular serialized aspect. Everything else, our host, Emma Otter, she's, this is archived audio I've discovered from the 1990s. Well, I don't know when Emma recorded it, actually. This just took place in the 1990s. That's a good question, huh? Anyway, here's Emma Otter. 
Hello, everyone. I'm Otter here, and uh, thank you for listening. I'm happy to be in your ears. I'm Emma Otter. I'm telling you a story of uh, some things that took place in our town uh, not that long ago, some odd, odder things. Uh, I'm an otter, though, and I'm talking about O-D-D-E-R things. Because this story, while it involves me an otter and my brother Tefe an otter, there are other uh, forest friends or swamp friends, members of our swamp community and my family, my larger swamp family, involved in this story. But I want to also catch you up on everything that's happened. So once upon a time, there was an otter named Emma. She was, uh, she was, uh, she was, she was pretty good, but not, you know, she wasn't perfect. And she had a best friend and also some other very, very, very good friends that she mentions in no particular order of their, you know, at all. But her and her very, very close friends like to play a game called Bards and Big Bunnies, a role-playing game. You play with dice and you imagine the theater of the mind. And my friends' names were Willow, Vaughn, and Elijah, or LJ. And we were playing one night, and we finished up our game in, uh, we, at my house, and my friends headed home. But Willow, on her way home, took to a path less taken. And at some point, I'll tell you right up front, she crossed over into a world between worlds, kind of, uh, or something. She encountered a, a big bunny, a, a, part bunny, part goose, a goose, goose bunny. And the goose bunny took her to a place beyond the swamp, but we didn't know this at the time. So we spent a lot of time looking until we realized, wow, Emma's, uh, we've got to find Emma and uh, get her back from this goose bunny. Now, remember, I always tell you, all will be well. And even when things aren't all well, the goose bunny was taking care of Emma in a misguided way, I believe. I truly believe this, even though I don't have all of the facts the goose bunny had it was in a place that was in between our world and another world, and maybe a portal between those worlds. And I don't know if the goose bunny was lonely, or like was looking for play play things, but pretended Emma was a baby. But there's something going on where you know there's a transference between worlds or universes or planets. I, I don't know the technology. So I don't think the bunny was doing it out of, uh, like, uh, to be not nice. Uh, it was more just a, like a unintended consequence of the bunny's behavior. Also, this was not a, like a, a bunny with full consciousness. It may have been like a younger bunny that was big. I, I don't know any of those details. But I just want to let you know the circumstances. So we've been looking for Emma. While we were looking for him, we met a new friend uh, from a place beyond the swamp. Uh, Billy, a platypus, we found out. Billy's a platypus. She also has powers. When she sings or throat sings or bill sings, uh, she can make things happen, like make things float. She can project herself into these other worlds and see things. She can make you move in slow motion or dance, or any of those things. So Billy's been helping us to find Willow, and we've all become pretty good friends. So that's been happening. Meanwhile, my brother Tefe 
and uh, Willow's sister, Dory, have also been looking for Willow. And they also have a theory about the big bunny. And they're trying, they, so they've been trying to help get Willow. And Willow's mom, Frances, and our community resource, community resource officer of our town, Leon, the bullfrog, Bull, have also been trying to help Willow. And we all got together and we found out that Willow is in like a place beyond the swamp. It's both our world and another world. And she's there. Uh, we also learned that uh, Dari's friend Babs, who also had encountered this big bunny. Now, unfortunately, Babs, like the unintended consequences for Willow, it's more of like, well, this could happen. What happened to Babs? It was just, Babs seems like she's fully in the other world, at least physically. Or she could still see through the eyes. She became a doll in our world, basically, a, a, play, a plastic doll or I don't know what the doll was made of, but we'll just say that. So physically, she's in another world or another universe or maybe another planet. I don't know, but not here where she could come back. Uh, she can see, We could see her through the eyes of the doll, or Billy could. So we say, well, if we don't find Willow, that, that's probably what's going to happen to Willow. And then she'll be stuck in this other world like Babs is, which is fine. Uh, I just want to tell you, we, we kind of got the feeling from Babs, it's fine, that other world, but then she doesn't have the ability to just come here, so she might miss her friends and stuff. And, of course, all this is a lot of times ego-driven. We don't want to be without Willow, of course, uh, in our lives. Um, kind of Dari, Dari and Babs had a falling out, so, I mean, I think Dari's probably broken up about it, but she's not like, it's not like her sister or her best, best friend. I think, well... I don't know. I can't speak for her. But you know what I mean? You want someone back in your life. And so we're all at our high high school, the high school gym where we had built a fort uh, to use. That way uh, Billy could try to communicate and, and find all this information. And that's kind of where we start tonight is that uh, we took a nap together. And we've woken up after we rested. Maybe we even rested for the whole day or night. I don't know. It's, it still feels like it's dark outside because it is. And at first what happened was that Leon tried to sneak out. We were all sleeping in this fort like a tent uh, or like a lodge. And Leon, the bullfrog, tried to leave. And then Francis got up and followed Leon and Leon said, well, Francis, I want you to keep an eye on the, the kids. And uh, she said, where are you going? And he said, you know where I'm going. You kind of got a general idea where I'm going. I'm going to the place beyond the swamp uh, to find my way in and get Willow. And Francis said, Bull, Willow's my daughter. And Fran uh, Leon said, uh, well, this is like uh, my job as community resource officer. I'm an authority figure, and you're just a mom. And Francis said, I'm sorry, excuse me? Like, uh, excuse me? Really? Excuse me? I'm coming with you. Let's. I don't, I'm not even going to dignify that with any more than multiple excuse me's and the way I'm looking at you. So let's go get my daughter. 
So they headed off, and then Dari woke up, and Dari was, had been dreaming about her friend Babs. So, so she went off because she was having strong feelings, and she went to feel her feelings and let them really come up, her strong feelings about missing Babs, about Babs not, now being definitely not a part of her life, and that uh, why did that happen to Babs? All those things, and she was really uh, the, had the ability to just let her feelings come up and feel them, and be overpowered for a time by them. At some point, then Tefe woke up, uh, and Tefe headed out because Tefe could hear the tail end of Dari's uh, strong feelings, sniffling. Maybe Teffy, I would I would guess that Teffy was even waiting for the tail end because it might have been too much for someone like Teffy, but that's just me. He's my brother. I'm judgmental. But so then uh, Dari went out to Teffy, or Teffy went out to Dari and said, she's sorry about Babs. And uh, Dari said, well, I guess I'll never see her again. And Teffy, Teffy said, yeah, that's yeah, like, uh, still can't believe it, huh? But you sound like you, you've gone on to another stage of acceptance or something. And Dari said, well, at least you'll never kiss her again, I, I guess. Uh, and Tefe said, yeah, I guess so. So I guess we'll just keep an eye on these kids. Where did the adults go? And Dari said, I think you could figure out where they went. They went to get Willow in the place beyond the swamp, uh, which is a visitor center and a bog walk, but also a secret government facility with uh, more than likely a portal to another world. And uh, Tefe said, yeah, you're right. Uh, that's probably where they went. And Dar said, and we'll need to uh, do something. And Tefe said, well, if the, the, it sounds like they got it handled. And she said, the going in, getting Willow part, but the big bunny, the carrots, we collected everything uh, we need to lure the big bunny away from the place behind the swamp. Uh, and uh, we have to be AIT. To, to, like, we have to lead the goose, goose bunny on a wild goose chase, at least for a period of time, and maybe keep it as a pet uh, or, you know, for the property, like, uh, so it could be observed. Uh, so that they can get, and Tuffy said, okay, I think I understand. We all, we were, we had a plan going. And Dari said, well, it's time to put our plan in action. And Tuffy said, okay, you're right. So they headed off, and then we started to wake up, and we wondered where they were. We said, all the adults are gone, and even the teens are gone. So it's just the four of us on our own. We should just probably wait here and hang out, uh, lay low until they come back. Now, meanwhile, I was kind of lying there wondering what, uh, like, uh, Francis and uh, Leon were doing. If I, you know, I tried to imagine where they were if they had discovered Willow. But now, you know, I kind of know. So I get to tell you that they headed out and they drove and then they snuck uh, across the road that separates our place from the swamp. Um, and they tried to quietly get on the bog walk and uh, they were going to sneak into the visitor center and head down to the facility. 
But as they snuck on the bog walk, they took a few steps, and all of a sudden, and you see this in movies, you always wonder where does this really happen? But all of a sudden, like the bog walk, which is like a wooden walk on a bog, not that we would use it. This was a place beyond the swamp we didn't really go. Some people would say it was remnants from when humans roamed the earth. But we all know that's just fiction. So probably just something that people we built and forgot about, even though it's not the size was different. And the visitor center was different. But anyway, so they were walking on the bog walk. Uh, and all of a sudden they felt things moving. And then they the, the bog walk uh, dropped down and became like the wooden part dropped down. And they found themselves on a bouncy house slide, a really long one, though. And uh, they slid down this bouncy house slide. And it wrapped around probably... I said, well, if that was on the bog walk and we knew about it, we'd use that all the time. But then for them, the bouncy house slide circled down and down and down and eventually ended in like a bouncy house room where they were came out. But then they like a like a bull. They actually had it like a design. So the bull bounced and and slid down another slide. But then something caught Francis. And Francis, there was like an exit, like there is on most bouncy houses. She still had her, her shoes on, but she slid out of the bouncy house and then was in this kind of stark room. And she kind of looked where Bull went, but it wasn't, she couldn't get through there. And she walked in towards the door. The room had a door and the door was closed, but she walked up to the knob, put her hand on the knob and twisted it and opened it. And she opened the door, and sitting in a room with a two-way mirror was Dr. Max Modine with a lab coat and everything, and even a thing that said Dr. Max, uh, name ta- a name tag, or maybe it was stitched into the pocket of his lab coat, and said, hey, sit down, Francis, uh, let's talk. And Frances closed the door behind her because she she has great manners, and she saw that there was another door. And she sat down across from Dr. Max Modine, maximum, but uh, it said Dr. Max. And uh, she said, yeah, let's talk, uh, go ahead. And Dr. Max said, uh, we, we need your help, uh, like... Uh, we need to know where that platypus is because uh, we need the platypus to deal with the bunny. Uh, and also we need the platypus back. Uh, and uh, Francis said, Billy. And Dr. Max gulped and said, yeah, Billy. And he said, but Billy belongs here, and also we, we you know, we, we'll put a stop to the bunny. It was an accident, and uh, we didn't know what happened. And uh, sorry about Willow, but uh, um, if you have any information, like on anything strange happening or odd, uh, we like any more, like we to fill us in. Because we're we're also we, even though we act like we have all the knowledge, we don't. We've been listening into most of your stuff, but not everything. 
But, you know, we want to do what's right. Uh, and then Francis started to laugh. Uh, laugh only knowing but strong, strong in her outraged mother could laugh. A laugh that wasn't ironic or sarcastic, uh, but that was uh, full of knowledge uh, at ridiculous adult behavior. And she said, listen, Dr. Max, uh, I know Billy. She's my friend. I care about her. And I know who you are. And, and not to, she goes, All right, we went to the library, one. But I've looked into Billy's eyes. Uh, and uh, n- n- no, uh, I'm not going to help you find Billy. And also, I demand to, to, to see Willow, and and, uh, and then she and I, I would say that this was probably a strategy. Though, if you watched it, you were just observing it, or you were Doctor Max, you would have thought, "Huh, this is strange, odd, over the top of behavior." But I think it was strategic that then Francis just started laughing, and didn't stop. And she was laughing in a way that was aggressive and intimidating, and Dr. Max just couldn't handle it and had to leave the room because Dr. Max's fancy words and stuff uh, were like just turned to a puddle of nothing in the face of a mother's laughter, aggressive laughter. There's nothing passive about it. Now, meanwhile, Bull had gone down into another room and was in this room with a bunch of these weasels uh, that worked for Dr. Max. And they had uh, Bull laying on a tanning bed, uh, which I guess is something that simulates sunlight. They knew what it was, and they explained it. They said, this simulates a sunlight, frog, and we're going to turn it on. And... uh, you know, you you're like, don't you breathe through your skin? And, and uh, you know, don't you need to have a certain wetness? Uh, well, I guess we'll, they were making jokes, so I guess we'll find out. Uh, or you could just tell us where that kid is, uh, the duck-billed beaver. Uh, and Bull said, well, you know what really, you know, the most sensitive part of me is my tongue. Uh, why don't you, like... Uh, like, uh, like, uh, and they said, what? Uh, and Bull said, watch, like, if you put my tongue in there, I'll tell you everything I know. And they, they, they these were weasels. They weren't exactly, you know, known for being quick, no offense to smart weasels. These weasels were more higher, you know, weasels for hire. And they said, what? And then Bull stuck Bull's tongue Now, the tanning bed has two, so it gives you sunlight on both sides of your body. I don't know who would need this again. Maybe, but it it was working. But Bull took Bull's tongue and wrapped it around uh, and then closed the tanning bed and said, go ahead, turn it on. Uh, And then Bull turned it on, and and, uh, Bull's face started to say, but Bull was talking, like, with his tongue out. Like, I won't tell anybody anything unless, like, I'm going to dry my tongue out unless you let me talk to your boss. Uh, and I uh, won't be able to tell your boss anything with a dried-out tongue. So, what's your choice? Uh, 
which kind of confuses me, but confuses the weasels as well. Because, like, Bull wouldn't be able to talk to their boss if he had a dried-out tongue, which is what he wanted to do. But again, this was, like, a heightened moment. Uh, and the tanning bed was making this, like, uh, like humming sound. And Bull's face was sweating because his tongue was being... was He had it on low. Because they had planned on, you know, like, slowly heightening, you know, getting Bull to talk. And he said, just let me talk to your boss, Dr. Max. So eventually they relented. And then Bull went into the room or another room where Dr. Max was sitting. And Bull sat down across from Dr. Max. And Bull said, uh, hi, Dr. Max. Uh, good to see you again. And Dr. Max said, well, I want to talk to you about uh, the situation and, uh, like, uh, Willow and, uh, you know, doing what's right and helping us find Billy. Because that's, like, the only thing that's going to stop any of this. And I know you're—aren't you the community—aren't you the resource officer of the whole community? Because until we get Billy back here to deal with the bunny— you're, you know, and Bull said, interesting, interesting. Uh, I guess something else I wanted to talk to you about, uh, Dr. Max, if you don't mind. And uh, Dr. Max kind of said, well, okay. And uh, Bull said, you remember that movie, uh, The Fox and the Frog? It was my favorite movie as a kid. It was the first movie I ever saw in the movie theater. And Dr. Max said, yeah, yeah, they were best friends, the fox and the frog, uh, friends forever. Wasn't that the subtitle of the movie? And uh, Bull said, Bull went croak, ribbit or something. And he said, yeah, until the fox grew up, right? Uh, and then Max kind of nodded and said, yeah, and then that fox fell in with that group of foxes uh, who said, uh, this is a natural order of things, the circle of life. Uh, what do you, you can't be friends with a frog. Like, uh, don't you understand? Uh, like, this is how foxes are. When we, we, we Foxes run free or foxes run wild. Uh, and uh, Dr. Max said, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. Not your favorite movie, huh? And Bull said, yeah, it wasn't until the very end. Uh, and uh, there was a, a thing like where the fox was chasing the frog right at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie. And it was go- like the fox had bought into the, the other fo- the fox, that fox mentality. And they chased a the frog up that, st- they, they lived in that like world on the edge of that steampunk world. I think it was trying to introduce another movie or something. They went up that water wheel, and uh, the the fox, uh, the frog got away, but the fox ended up going in. In the water wheel, built up a charge that gave the fox a little uh, s h o c k shocky poo. And then the fox needed the frog, right? Because uh, it was an accident, the frog didn't mean for it to happen. And that's when the fox realized the error of the fox's ways, right? Yeah, yeah, Leon, that's a very nice parable. So, in this one, aren't you here, the frog, to save Willow? 
in your town? Isn't that why we're here anyway? Listen, Fox, I know you want the platypus, uh, and you're wondering, you, you don't know where the platypus is. Uh, so let's talk uh, deals. That's strange, Leon, because it's out of character for you. You're just going to make a deal with me? Uh, I mean, I get it. Uh, you want to save the kid, but uh, I, I, I don't know, something, you know, I'm, I'm not the first, this isn't my first foxing, you know what I'm saying? It just doesn't make any sense to me. So why should I trust you? Well, Dr. Max, let me, uh, let me, let me, like, uh, it should be, it should be obvious, but let me, uh, lay it out for you if I need to. Uh, I got another parable for you because I don't know if you knew that there was a second Fox in the Frog movie. It went straight to video, though. It didn't make it in the theaters. It wasn't even popular and it wasn't good. They said it was called Fox and the Frog, Froggy in the City. You see, the f- actor that played the fox uh, had asked for too much money uh, and uh, for a direct-to-video sequel. Uh, they had become really famous in the time since the first release. And uh, they were only contractually obligated to say ten words for the sequel. So uh, the fox wasn't really in the second movie. It was just a frog moving to the big city. And the frog has grown grown up and had been living next door to the fox the whole time. They were best friends. They ran a shop together, whole nine yards, all perfect happiness, uh, living together, living in community. They both had families, uh, but the frog had this crazy idea to move to the city and become a singer at the clubs, a lounge singer. In the big, 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 old, old, big, old, old city, you know, the big, the, the, the town's so old and nice, they say old twice or thrice. Old, old, old city. A big, old, old city. I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. Now, I have a theory about the movie and the frog is that the frog, uh, it had so much action in that first movie and that thing with the wheel and all of that, uh, that deep down the frog could never get back to that chase on the water wheel and uh, rescuing the fox, that it was too thrilling. And the fox had spent its whole life uh, trying to track that thrill down or waiting till it could get a thrill like that back. Like uh, heroism and uh, instant payoff, gratification. And maybe he just didn't feel comfortable in his own skin. I don't know. But, uh, and of course, you know, the movie shows that the frog was wrong. But the frog headed off to the big city. Fox told him not to go. He ignored the fox. Be reasonable. Brought his family there. But when he got there, all he cared about was his dream. Not about his friend, the fox, and not about his family. It was just his dream. Uh, and he wasn't a teachable person, this fox, you know. It was all his ego and his stuff in this movie. No wonder it wasn't popular, huh? Who would want to watch a movie about this? The frog didn't have, like, a quiet place in him where, you know, 
ideas and love and comfort could take hold. And uh, the frog had a lot of bad habits uh, to tune out from all, you know, cognitive dissonance and numbness and that whole thing. But the frog kept telling himself, everything's going to be okay. Once I become a big star, everything's going to be okay. But it ended up between his bad behavior and his inability to be taught or to take any constructive help. Uh, Things didn't go well. And he ended up getting banned from every club in town. His family had had enough. And he sunk so low that one time, you know, he went out for a walk and he just kept walking till he found himself in the desert. Uh, and the sun was just shining down and the frog just kept walking. I see you're interrupting me. What's your question, Dr. Max? The desert? What do you mean the desert? Uh, yeah, the desert. And the fox came and got him. Now, the fox didn't speak. That was like part of the brilliance of uh, the movie, in my opinion, was uh, they could have the fox appear there and go get its buddy uh, from the desert and bring him back and nurse him back to health. Brought him back to the swamp, of course. Slowly helped him recover, taught him some new habits, and, uh, like, didn't realize how far gone his buddy had been. Okay, well, what did, Liam, what does this have to do with anything? Well, here I am, Dr. Max, and I'm asking myself, am I the frog or the fox in this situation? You know what I'm saying? Winkety-wink. And and this is Emma here because I don't when sometimes adults do that winkety wink thing and I don't know what it means. Uh, and in this situation, I don't know what it meant. Uh, even when I heard Luyan recount it to me, just like you did, what is winkety? Who is Leon the frog or the fox? I don't know. So I don't know. I mean, I would hope that. Uh, the winkety-wink it was a double winkety-wink, meaning he was trying to trick Dr. Max. Uh, but it could have been, because, you know, it's hard to understand. It was a winkety-wink that he, he's uh, willing, he's balancing Willow and Billy. I don't know. But I think the winkety-wink was like uh, that he was confident that he could be the fox and the frog in this situation or the, uh, the you know, the, I think. So we'll get back to them. But then we also have Darian Francis. Uh, and so kind of let me get you ready for this. Uh, like uh, they had gotten their, they had, you know, we're going to catch up with them in kind of in the middle of something. But they had kind of gathered all, everything else they needed, all the carrots. So they had gone to Francis's house. They had made steps. Now, the mascot at a nearby high school, I don't know when they acquired these, but it's, uh, it's the Cowlingstown Carrots. Uh, is one of our nearby rival schools in Cowlingstown. And so when you picture this, picture Dari and Tefe, and especially Tefe, smoothest outer in town, and they're in the the living room of Francis's house, dressed as carrots uh, in carrot mascot outfits. And they're also kind of covering themselves with uh, little peanut butter 
uh, in carrot shavings. They said, no, no, they're going back. No, no, Tefe, you need to put your carrot shavings on the inside and the outside. But what, even in my fur? Yes, in your fur, Tefe. It has to be everywhere. Uh, in fact, you look like a cuter carrot with carrot shavings in your fur. Oh, thanks. That's really important to me, Dari. So, okay, so let's go over the plan again. Okay, so the bunny's going to come in, right? It'll smell us. Eventually, it's going it's not going to be long now. And then it'll see us. Uh, and there's a pile of carrot shavings at our feet. So as soon as we see the bunny, we're going to run down the hall. And we're going to dance. Uh, and then the bunny should eat these carrots shavings. Then look up at us and see us dancing and smell us. And... Uh, be like, I hit the jackpot. There's dancing, shedding carrots or something. But what the bunny won't realize is that we had pushed a bowling ball that'll knock that egg over. Then the egg will start frying. Then the steam from the frying egg will melt that butter, which will slide down there. Okay, yeah, I know there's a lot of steps in there. Okay, yeah, I'll skip ahead. Uh, uh, eventually, it'll turn on Hottie Ruxpin in the hall, like uh, at the back door. Yeah, and you, so you recorded the beginning of that Hottie. Wait a second, Tefe, I don't mean to change the subject. So this Hottie Ruxpin, so it's a, an otter doll like an animatronic one, but it's still like a, a, a plush doll. Like it was in your room. It, it was in your bed when we got it. So did you still sleep with this Adi rock spin? Um, cause it had, it also had fresh batteries and I noticed you didn't have to change the fresh batteries. And you said, don't worry. I know exactly how, not like, Oh, I remember from when I was a kid, how to record on this thing. And you said that it has a lullaby made to put anybody to sleep, um, like it, which is just ironic that it's uh, Willow talking about all of the rules. So you fall asleep uh, to Willow and Emma, like going over rules. What is that called? Initiative? Like, uh, but you sleep. So you sleep with Adi Ruxpin every night. Listen, Dari, there's a doll from when I was a child, long, 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 long time ago. I keep it in my room. It reminds me of when I was young and I was a kid. And, uh, yeah, sometimes I'll turn it on for the sleep. Yeah, it's like a, something to sleep to. Those two were talking about initiative, uh, but yeah, what I'm going to do is like uh, re I recorded at the beginning carrots, carrots, lots of free carrots over here. So that will cause the bunny to turn the bunny's head. Then I started pretending I was doing some baby talk. Baby wants some carrots. That uh, that'll be when the machine uh, starts to reel in. Adi Ruxpin out the door, right? Will while it does that, the bunny, the big bunny, should at least have its eyes that are gone for a second. We'll sneak out the window and go around the back door, and that rope will pull Adi Ruxpin out the back door. Hopefully, leading the bunny along because we stuffed it, it full of carrots and uh, stuff.
And those are the top tier carrots that we put with Adi Ruxpin. And it'll eventually drag Adi Ruxpin into the giant Class A carrot pile we have with the cargo net underneath it. We'll be dancing on the other side of the cargo net. The bunny will come out. Adi Ruxpin will be singing, starting the, at that point, the bedtime, like talking of our, our sisters. And then the net will lift up and the carrot, then more carrots shavings. We have those buckets full of it with like a peanut butter will rain down on the bunny. And the bunny should be caught, but it will be covered in carrot confetti, which should calm, like it'll have, I think it'll calm it because it'll be, it'll be like, uh, it'll be listening to the bedtime story or whatever, and uh, it'll be covered in carrot shreds. So it's, first it should be confused. This is your theory. Yeah, it should be confused. You're right, next F.A., and, I mean, we're just guessing here, but I think it will calm it down, and there'll be plenty to, for it to eat, uh, and it'll be in that net. What, what, what the heck is uh, Tefe? Uh, what, what, Dari, what is it? Uh, your Adi Ruxpin just walked into the room. Uh, what the hell? Oh, Adi Ruxpin? Wait a second. Adi Ruxpin, what are you... Hello, Tefe. Oh, hello, Dari. It's me. Uh, Addy Ruxpin, we're kind of like, Dari, I think I might, this must be a dream or something, right? This isn't real. No, it's real, Tefe. Addy, this isn't really a good time right now. Um, uh, also, don't tell Dari anything I told you about her. Because you promised to keep my secrets, right, Addy? So please just, when did you learn to walk around anyway? Oh, Tefe, how do you really feel about Dari? Tell me more. Uh, Addy, what's going on with you? Yeah, what's going on with your eyes, Addy Ruxpin? Wait a second. I can see Babs and Addy. Babs, is that you? Dari, it, it is me. Thank you. I'm not Adi Ruxpin, Tefe. It's me, Babs. I'm drifting. I was drifting around the other world, and I knew you could use some help. I saw the two of you discussing your plans, and I found my way into Adi Ruxpin to, 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 to try. Also, I think the two of you should talk out your feelings for one another, uh, because now I'm gone. I mean, I can be here as Adi Ruxpin, but not as Babs. Okay, that's not a good... We don't need to talk about that. Uh, yeah, Babs, we don't need to talk about that. It's just really not a good... We we had a plan, uh, Babs, thank you. Oh, my gosh, the earth is shaking. The bunny is coming. Excuse me, Tari and Defe, or Dari and Tefe. If you were a couple, I'd call you D- Tarfe. Uh why are you dressed as carrots anyway? I didn't. I don't remember that part of the plan. You look great. Okay, can you, do, do, uh, Babs? If you really want to help, you could just go lay back down right now, uh, because the wall is bending inwards. Uh, Tefe, that's where the bunny's going to come through. Yep, yeah, but, 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 but that's the wall that has a ball. Oh, it just came through the wall and knocked a bowling ball, so the machine's not going to work. Uh, and it's a giant. 
goose bunny staring at us, and I just realized we're giant carrots. Oh, dear. Babs, you better get out of here because uh, we're going to have to, um, okay, Tefe, let's just run down the hall. Babs, what are you singing about? Okay, like if we run or run, we'll just keep going. Babs, just stay right there because you are confusing the bunny with your singing. Okay, Tefe, let's just go run back outside. Okay, if we, Tefe, if we run, we'll just, okay, let's, yeah, oh, good job running. Now we'll go out this window. I think the bunny was still, okay, so let's just get behind the net just like our plan. So I don't know where Babs went. Uh, okay, the bunny is, bunny sees us, it's coming out the back door. We didn't need, I guess we didn't need the Audi Ruxpin. And uh, this is really, uh, like, uh, this is good. We just got just a few more steps. Keep dancing, Tefe. Yep, do a carrot, dance like a carrot in the rain or something. Uh I don't know where Babs went or te- Adi. We're tasty carrots. Oh boy, come and come and eat us. We're sorry, I'm really worried. Uh, I don't want. Well, it's gonna go to the cargo net. It's, it's slowly coming. It's just eating the carrot shreds on the way. It's working. Just keep dancing. Yeah, here we are, right on the other side of this pile of carrots. It's two giant carrots. Uh, Okay, but, uh, like, uh, like, okay, just focus on being a carrot. I'm a little carrot, orange and long. This is a carrot singing a carrot song. Oh, what was that? Was that someone that just said B-O-O behind us and made us jump into the cargo net, which is pulling us up? Uh, Tefe, did you? Yeah, that was Adi Ruxpin just said boo, boo behind us. And we jumped into the car- cargo net, and now it's bringing us up. Uh, and the bunny's coming. It's right below us. We're just out of reach of it. Ba- Babs, why did you do that? Uh, and the bunny is trying to get us. Uh, okay, well, at least we're out of reach of the bunny right now. Because the bowling ball didn't go. It didn't release the carrot treads and peanut butter buckets. Okay, Dari, I don't even know what that means. If we can swing the cargo net a little, we could swing it out of the way, and I can pull the rope and dump the peanut butter and carrot treads on the bunny. Well, why is that important right now? Shouldn't we try to be... Because the bunny can. The bunny just hasn't realized it can jump yet for some reason. Oh, I forgot bunnies can jump. Uh, okay, so just keep swinging. We're doing good. Push your foot out and see if you can push it against that tree. Okay, great. One more swing. And I'm pulling the rope, and the big bunny is being covered in carrot shreds and peanut butter. Really good that you did a three-to-one watering down of the peanut butter, Babs, because it wouldn't have poured. Sorry, Dari, I didn't mean to. Don't worry about it, Tefe, but it's not. It's not. Oh, wait a second. There's a, so the bunny is... Uh, Bunny seems to be, I guess our theory was wrong. The bunny seems to be more upset because the goose things are uh, eating the carrots off of itself. And it, I don't think the bunny likes how that feels. And it looks like, uh, but there's, look, there's Adi Ruxpin with a uh, a wagon full of uh, carrots and it's waving to the bunny. And it's letting the bunny chase it off. Uh yeah, 
So, Babs, where do you think they're going? Well, I don't know, but the Babs behind your garage, but it looks like Babs kept going. I didn't realize Adi Ruxpin could run that fast. Yeah, the bunnies, well, the bunnies kind of slowed down a little bit. Uh, okay, so what should we do? Well, we should try to get out of the net and follow the um, follow them. But at first, I think we should rest because I'm just, this swinging is so gentle and calming back and forth. Back and forth, it's so relaxing that I feel like uh, I'm also drifting off into a, a sweet sleep. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so am I. So maybe we should just rest for now, and then we'll find out what else is going on out here in the world of Otter Things. Good night. All right, hey everybody, this is Emma Otter here, and uh, I'm checking in. Uh, when we last left off, we're kind of in the middle of, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything. I don't know, I don't think our story will come to a close on this broadcast or this uh, tape that I have, however you're listening. I don't know where you are, but I know where I am. I want to remind you all will be well. Oh, I forgot the person that introduces the podcast. Uh, oh, welcome to an ongoing episodically modular series. I'm Emma Otter. This story is called Otter Things. And it's a tale of a town and a place beyond the swamp that, oh, what does episodically modular mean? You could listen to these in any order, even though the episodes are numbered. And you could listen to them sequentially. You may enjoy them even more if this is your first episode, starting with this one and then listening in any order you wish. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's about uh, odd things that happened in a place be, like our town, which was a, we're swamp-based beings, my friends and I. I'm Emma. I'm an otter. Nice to meet you. I have an older brother, Tefe, also an otter, of course, and my parents and my siblings, youngest sibling. Uh, but, what, like, I also have best friends, Dustin, uh, LJ, Willow, and Billy. And I mentioned those in no particular order, you know, where they lie on the best friend scale. All best friends, uh, of course, and my bestest best friend knows who whom they are, and that we don't even need to speak about it, or they don't say. I just wanted to double check. If you're wondering if you need to double check that you're my best friend, that means you are. They say, "Well, I just wanted to do, don't 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 ask because it means you are." You say, "Well, you didn't even list me there," and I'd say, "Really." But, yeah, that means you are, of course. Uh, and if you're confidently saying, of course, I'm Willow's best friend, that is correct. Uh, both of those are th reactions my best friend may have. Uh, and I'm, I'm secretly saying both so you know whichever reaction you're having confirms your best friendship of me. Just in case you listen to these broadcasts, you want to send me a letter. I thought, and I said, yeah, of course. Oh, if you're thinking, you thought we were best friends. We are, of course. This is just a little test. 
in the middle of when I'm supposed to be. So this is a, a show called Odder Things, where I recap some odd things that happened to, to all of us in the place beyond the swamp where we live. We actually live in the swamp. It has to do with the place beyond the swamp. Let me see if I can give you a short version. I'm, I'm me, My friends and I were playing Bards and Big Bunnies, a role-playing game we normally play. We played till late one school night of Sunday. Not late. I mean, you know, 840. Uh, my friends headed home. On the way home, Willow took the pass, less taken, and w- became... Uh, was led on what you could define as a wild goose chase by a goose bunny. That's right, a bunny and a goose, probably from another universe or created by some other powerful force in another universe. And Willow uh, uh, was made to be in a crib. Also, my brother's kind of... uh, Someone my brother had gone on dates with uh, named Babs had also been uh, taken that path less traveled. Now, I might as well just keep going on that. If you did take that path less traveled, we found out with Babs is that you can... Something about... This is someplace that's like on the border, like tracing paper between our universe and another universe, and it's underneath the swamp or maybe also in another world... Uh, but that uh, you can slowly mi- be migrated uh, to that world, that universe, and then a doll, at least in this situation, will remain in your place. I don't know the mechanics of it because I don't think it's even earthly. I don't know if it's tech now. I don't know what's happening. But I do know that we were trying to catch, get, get, catch uh, our friend Willow and get her back. With the help of Billy, who we had met not that long uh, after we started looking for Willow, and we found out that Billy is, well, we now know Billy's a platypus. We thought Billy was a duck-billed beaver. I mean, that's, you know, that's a pretty easy mistake to make, especially since we've never met a platypus before. And technically, according to research, platypuses are not, like, they're from across the oceans. But so we met Billy. It turned out Billy lived in the place behind, beyond the swamp, which was a secret lab of the Greater Swamp Authority, where they were doing things to try to figure out. Uh, because usually we have a community-based resource way of living. They were trying to figure out more of like a. Someone used the term, and I don't know exactly what this means: military-industrial complex. But I don't know if that's accurate. Uh, but something like that, where they said, "Well, we gotta, uh, we need to use these powers." Now, Billy actually has powers. You could say they're magic powers. You could say she's a magic user, or you could say something else. But she can throat sing or sing and do things that normal swamp-based beings can't, like move stuff, uh, slow stuff down, make things deflate. So. Uh, when she sings a song, like, oh, the example would be pump up the jam. Something would be pumped up, uh, and then jam would come out of it. So we were hoping to use her powers to help us. Now, at the same time, my brother Tefe and his friend Dari 
they were, they, they like, uh, we all said, okay, we're going to all work together to get Willow. We found out where Willow was, uh, which was both in the place beyond the swamp and in the parallel world. So a bit confusing. The adults said, we'll handle that because the idea of parallel worlds or universes is a little too much for you kids. Typical authorities. And, but Dory and Tefe, they realized that the big bunny was still in play. And so they set forth to distract the big bunny. I think they ended up in a cargo net, uh, but they did distract the big bunny, I think, long enough. Uh, hopefully, well, we don't know right now. We just know they set off. Uh, well, I do know that they, they uh, distracted the big bunny. They also had help from uh, Babs's friend, uh, or uh, Dari's friend, Babs, who had somehow like sent a projection of herself into a, an Adi Ruxpin doll uh, to help with leading the bunny away. So, so that way that uh, uh, Leon, oh, Leon's our community resource officer, and uh, Dari and Willow's mom, Frances, they had headed to the place beyond the swamp. They dealt with the authority figures there, and I believe they did some smooth talking so that they could start to go look for Willow in the place beneath the swamp, like where whatever this tracing paper universe, these two universes are coexisted. They're not coexisting, I guess, but they're overlapping. Uh, so that's where the adults are. They're getting ready to go in, I think. Uh, Dari and Tefe are in a cargo net, and we're at, our, we're at the high school, not our school. Where we had tracked, we had used Billy's powers and built a kind of soundproof room dome uh, to find where Willow was, so the adults could go look for. Her. So now we're just kind of sitting around, the four of us, and I guess you could say boring. Uh, but basically, so we, I guess. Uh, oh wait, uh, welcome back! Uh, it's the most famous resident of our town. Uh, he's smooth, he's cool, and, uh, it's Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, Emma. Uh, so ladies, thank you, everybody, for your kind words. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, it's been a while, Emma, and plus I'm not amused to be dealing with a scooter. Uh, this is interesting. So, the ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond, the friends beyond the binary. It's time for other things. Splish, splash, yeah. Uh, thank you, Antonio. Uh, so we were sitting around, like, so we knew the adults were gone. Yeah, it's pretty typical, especially middle schoolers. They say, well, leave those middle schoolers out there on their own once again. And so we were on our own. And what, what did we do or what was going on? Well, uh, so what happened was first we were just sitting around. Huh, where is everybody? Oh, they're all gone. Well, hopefully they'll get back with Will and everything will be great. Then... We said, uh, huh, yeah, what are we going to do? And then uh, uh, Vaughn and LJ said, let's go, 
you know, at, uh, they get those mini pecan pies uh, with walnut dressing that they put on, uh, the, you know, the, there's a school dessert you could purchase. Vaughn said, I know where they keep those. So Vaughn and LJ went and they were looking for the pecan, but he calls them pecan, pecan or pecan pies. So they went to go get those. So, and then, um, uh, uh, Billy and I were, were alone and I'd been thinking a lot about Billy because, uh, we, you know, we just, we just met, but I feel like I knew Billy for a long time and I think we talked about it on another, I, I mean, we just, I just really felt connected to Billy. I wanted to be closer to Billy. I was having, you know, I was having feelings, uh, and, uh, Billy, uh, was very quiet. B- B- Billy, you know, like, uh, would say stuff, but not a lot of stuff. And I said, Jesus, when this is all over, uh, I guess I was speaking without asking, but I said, you know, you could come li- I'll live at our house. Like I'll live in the b- basement in the b- blanket fort. You can have my room. But you'd be close to Tefe's room, and he kind of, you know, even though he uses cologne and stuff, uh, body spray, he kind of, you know, he's a boy otter that uh, uh, passes gas. Uh, and Billy said, passes gas. And he said, like, uh, farts. Uh, and uh, then I made the smelling sound, and Billy said, oh, okay. So, like, uh, we were kind of laughing, and and, she, and I said, uh, you know, uh, in a time like this, uh, some people hold hands to comfort one another and to feel close, uh, because I already feel close to you. And Billy said, I feel close to you, too. And we sat a little closer together. And then Billy put her head, uh, her bill, you know, her head, uh, not her bill. Her bill is down, my, but her head on my shoulder, and I put my arm around her. And we just sat there in the gym, and Billy started to slowly fall asleep. Uh, and I was holding her up, you know, kind of thing. Like, she was sleeping. Now, to be honest, like, it was both riveting, and, uh, you know, I had to try to keep my posture. It wasn't... Uh, wasn't relaxing. There was part of me that was like, wow, uh, I like being this connected to Billy and her, her relying on me to comfort her to, to sleep. She had a long day. But I was also like, okay, now she's leaning at me. I don't want her to wake up, and uh, so now I have to maintain a posture. It would have been more ideal if I said, uh, if she said, oh, I'm going to fall asleep on you, get in the most comfortable position where you could still support me, then I'll fall asleep, you know? So I was trying to, like, they say, pull in your belly button and, you know, stretch out, you know, sit tall. So I was trying to do that. Uh, it took a lot of focus, and I was wondering where those two were with the pecan pies, and if one of them would feed me a pecan pie. And then I said, I hope they bring something to drink. And then they came back with tons of pecan pies, and I made a the shush sound, and they were shushing, which is hard for Vaughn. And also Vaughn tripped and dropped a bunch of pies. They're not actually t- pies, they're tarts, I would say. 
And then uh, came into the room and we sat down and I said, what do you think the adults are, or, or adults are doing right now? And I said, that is a good question. Um, and actually, I could tell you what they're doing now because I know all will be well, though we have still have a journey to travel. So Leon... And Francis were getting on these. They had made a deal with the the with Dr. Max, who runs the lab in the place beneath the visitor center, in the place beyond the swamp. And they they uh, they were putting on these suits. They they said you got to wear anti goop suits into this world because it's full of a strange goop uh, from the goose bunny. And Bull said like goose droppings, and they said no. Like goose droppings and feathers mixed with ectoplasm. And uh, like the bull didn't realize that ectoplasm was actually like a, a goop. Uh, not, he said, that's my favorite flavor of uh, high sea punch. And Dr. Max said, what do you mean? And he said, you didn't have that when it was a thing. It was promoted. It was delicious. And Dr. Max says, strange, I can remember, I mean, uh, Leon says, strange, I can remember the taste of it to this very day. Uh, probably was like, uh, he said, well, what is it like? He said, like fruit punch with melon, maybe? I don't know. Or orange? It's just good. I don't know. And then Dr. Max said, was there any fruit in there? And uh, he, he said, no, no, no. Probably wasn't even a fruit drink, they probably said simulated fruit drink and then leon said yeah and dr max said well i'll leave you thanks for the information what we we didn't know at the time was that dr max was headed our way with uh the great like uh so dr max actually was gathering all these weasels dr max worked with and uh getting them ready to come see us uh, to take Billy, uh, but I think that Leon had had an extra plan. But let's stick with Leon and Francis. So they got in their suits, and then they had to head through this goop hole, which was basically a hole filled with goop uh, in the wall, right by the part of the lab where Billy had had her quiet room, because she had opened up this hole when she was running from the bunny. Uh, and again, this gets confusing because I said, well, I thought that was in her, that was real or it was in her imagination. So I guess some of this stuff, uh, it happens with your mind projecting into other worlds, which would make this stuff with Dari and uh, Babs make sense. And they'd asked Dr. Max how they get there. And Dr. Max said, you got to go up into the wizard's tower. And that's where uh, things will get strange. So they headed up... Uh, First, they headed through a tunnel. Then the tunnel started to spiral up. Uh, and as they were spiraling up, they saw little windows, like they were spiraling up a tower. Uh, but the windows didn't really show. They, they said, that looks like, uh, we're, aren't we underground? Uh, because, uh, And they also said the further they progressed, uh, even though like physically looked like they were going up, they felt like they were going down. And Francis even said, my ears are kind of feeling like I got to swallow to clear them. 
so they kept spiraling what they thought was up and down at the same time. And finally they like uh, came out uh, like, like of the, to- the bottom of a tower, which they said, well, we've been going up for like 25 minutes. Uh, but it felt like we were going down, even though we were going up and passing windows with a view of something. And again, they, they said like a, look like a, like a flat grassy area. But when they exited this tower, they looked up and there was this giant wizard's tower, tower sorcery behind them. And in front of them was a berm, which looked like the road outside of the visitor center that separates our swamp from the swamp the visitor center's in. And everything was made of mud, so it was kind of like this uh, uh, version. And then they said, are we sized down? And they actually were, but there was nothing to compare. They had shrunken down because this was the same smaller version of the town or well this is outside of town that uh um adari had seen earlier and i think for them they traveled through that tower so that had to do with them sizing down but so they saw a berm with the road there was a vehicle on the road just a toy vehicle made out of mud or, or some sort of something like that and Bull started to have a little drift back in time because uh, it was a station wagon on the road. And he could remember the time he was like when him and his uh, family were moving to Riverbottom and he was packing the car. And he really wanted to get on the road because this was his big shot at becoming a lounge singer. And he wanted, you know, he felt like his family. And his little daughter said, uh, "Papa, Papa, you can you don't forget to put my uh, cinnamon spice bodacious bakery playset in the car." I was playing with it this morning when I made you breakfast, uh, and I don't want to forget it, you know, because I had to make breakfast. Uh, you didn't eat your breakfast either, Papa. And he said, "Well, we got to get on the road." He had a deeper voice back then, or tried to. And he said, well, I was just putting my guitars and my amps in. Those are, the, you know, the precious cargo. Uh, it's going to create our life uh, in Riverbottom. And then I'll have time for breakfast to Sweetums. Uh, you know, when I have uh, you know, reached the pinnacle of, uh, you know, local performance stardom as a lounge singer. But I'll try to find some space. Run along, use the body, and uh, let's get going here. And who knows if this was on purpose or an accident, but he, you know, put the bake center, he had the tailgate of the station wagon down, he put it underneath the tailgate to plan on, and we don't know if he put it on the roof or he just drove away with it down there. And who knows if he accidentally or on purpose forgot it, uh, or he was just so caught up in his dream is kind of the real thing. But as he was drifting back into that memory, he was wondering, too, and he was kind of cringing as he saw himself uh, so cavalier with what he now realized would have been important to him if he was who he was now back then. And so he felt that forlorn feeling of, like, realizing those facts. And But he also felt some acceptance in his heart that he couldn't change the past, uh, 
Also, he because he knew he had to be in the present. Also, Dari's mom, Francis, was elbowing him, saying, Leon, Leon, are you here? We got to climb over this road. And as they climbed over the road, they saw down into our town. And now this was uh, what was very strange for them was like this was a mud constructed playset of our town. But they were shrunken down to the size of our town. And it was covered in goop, and uh, it was the exact size of a playset that a giant goose bunny would play with. Now, I don't know if the goose bunny made it or someone made it for the goose bunny. Those are answers I don't have. I just can tell you all will be well in the end, and all will be odd. So they said, okay, we got to find your house. Uh, and Francis said, well, it's pretty easy because this is just a... But then there was details, you know, because they were sized down... Uh, now, it was all facades, but it was all very detailed facades. So they headed through town, and they walked to the outskirts of town. And, you know, I don't have to, you know, the walk, you know step after step, passing piles of goop. And eventually, you know, they said, this place is weird. And then they got to Francis's house, and she said, my front door's open. And they walked up to the front door, and it was a muddy front door. It was open, though, or, or I guess like dried mud, you'd say. She said, my back door is open, too. And he said, let's not go in the house. Uh, let's go around and see what's going out the back door. And they went around the back door, and she said, there's shreds of carrots and peanut butter everywhere. Uh, she goes, what's that, a cargo net hanging from the tree? Uh, and it looks like it just got cut open or something. And she said, is this all made from mud or sand? And uh, uh, Leon said, don't think about it too much. And he said, I think this is Dari and Tefe, like, uh, distracting the bunny. Because uh, the he said, there's giant bunny prints. And then Francis said, what are these other prints? And Leon said, those look like uh, tiny otter prints. Uh, and he actually was interested, in, 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 and then Francis said, the, they, like, uh, the tiny otter prints lead the bunny away from the cargo net, uh, you know, off, uh, away from my garage. And as Leon was looking, he said, this is weird. It's, uh, it's like, uh, these aren't like uh, otter tracks at all. They're Audi Ruxpin tracks, that doll that was popular like 20 years ago. You remember Adi Ruxpin? And uh, Francis said, yeah, it was popular like nine years ago, actually, or eight years ago, whenever Dari had asked for it, but it was just too pricey and spendy. And he said, okay, well, the bunny went away from your garage, but we got to find, where was Willow again? And uh, Francis said, in the stu Willow Studios in our detached garage, uh, that's where her and her friends would record audio fiction. They always wanted to play Bards and Big Bunnies there, but I said, well, no, not outside. Uh, you could record your audio dramas because that's more active, but play a game inside somebody's house. Because I knew, you know, when we were at that age, we were, we were much wilder, humble. And Bull said, yeah. So they started to head towards the garage, and they opened the garage door, which was, you know, again, it opened, but it also they got a bunch of, they said, good thing we got these goop suits, because there's like, uh, 
and now we're tracking carrots, uh, peanut butter, ectoplasm, and other stuff all around. And the first thing they saw uh, when they opened the garage uh, was uh, when the garage went back much further than... At first, they couldn't see anything other than a crib. Well, two cribs. One was empty and overturned. And the other one still had a doll that looked exactly like Babs. And Frances said, this doll looks just like Babs. This was the one that uh, Billy had seen. And then she looked into the eyes of Babs. And she could see Babs moving as Adi Ruxpin, really, do, like, disorienting for uh, Frances. And looking back and the bunny chasing it, and she said, that's an Adi Ruxpin, those are Adi Ruxpin arms and legs. And Leon said, which way do you think, and Frances said, towards the school where we left the kids. And he said, oh, boy. Uh, just like I kind of accidentally planned. And she said, what do you mean? He said, don't worry about it. And then uh, Leon switched on the lights, which still worked in a weird, it kind of gave a weird otherworldly light, but the lights went on in a cinematic way where you turn on the lights and then lights keep going on progressively further into the distance, like it's a just in perspective. In this garage went back, what seemed like lights were going on miles and miles back into like a, a distant perspective. And Francis said, well, this is strange. Uh, this isn't really my garage. Uh, and Leanne said, yeah, this is uh, definitely not normal. And uh, she said, well, we got to figure out where Willow must have flipped over that crib and headed this way. And then they saw kind of tracks. And uh, she said, okay, this isn't my garage at all. Uh, and Leanne said, well, what's the next thing you would see in your garage if you were really there? And Francis said, well, the racks of clothes, they used her. Oh, and then they, she noticed. It wasn't like they appeared there. They were there. She just hadn't noticed, uh, which is even more. You see, well, those weren't there, but they are. And there was racks of outfits that uh, Willow and I and, and the rest of us would wear when we did our audio dramas because we did it in character. And she said, but there's thousands of racks of these clothes. Uh, Leon said, maybe the Goose Bunny made them or maybe they're for playing dress up. Uh, uh, this is weird. And it's, 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 but it's r real and not real. And, and Francis said, yeah, but we, we need to find, uh, Willow. Uh, and Leon said, I don't understand. So they record themselves on a audio, like, a, like they're making an album, but they still dress up in clothes. There's no vision. They're not performing a play. And, uh, Francis said, yeah, they're playing dress. It's like a version of playing dress up, uh, or method acting, like uh, getting in the role of a character. Uh, you like wear the clothes and you become, you, you get him in, and Leon then started to drift away again. And as Leon turned, he saw a rack of leisure suits and ruffled coats, and he reached out, or ruffled shirts with ruffles and 
polyester wide collars. And he started to touch the suits, but he started to remember being in Riverbottom and coming home uh, and had spent a lot of money on a new leisure suit. And his, his partner said, what did, you, what did you mean you bought that suit? Uh, and he held the bag and he, could wa- he was watching himself say, this is what I need. Uh, this is going to make the auditions go so much better. And she said, well, how much did it cost? And he said, it was not like, uh, he goes, we're going to have to make some changes around here. And she said, that's the kind of price tag a big time lounge singer. She she goes, but you're not a big time lounge singer. You don't even, you're not here. And he said, uh, you got to pay big time to play big time. And she goes, don't you think you should be rehearsing or doing voice lessons? And then he said, this is a very uh, toned-down version of it. He said, I have talent. Uh, but even as he was watching this unfold, he kind of shook his head and realized, wow, I was not teachable. I didn't know how to try. I only knew how to fantasize. And... Uh, Made I got I got a lot of amends to make. Holy moly! Yeah, uh, but he started to kind of move from rack to rack and move away from Francis. And Francis said, "Leon, stop moving. This is something. Where are you?" And he said, "Right here." And she goes, "Okay, well, be right here with me then, because uh, we're in some sort of giant clothes store or something." And he said, yeah, this is exactly like, uh, he goes, sorry, I keep drifting back to my time at Riverbottom. Uh, and she goes, and things appear. She goes, this is somehow tied into our memories, uh, in our relationships, in our families. Uh, so what else do we remember? And he goes, leisure suits. And there was leisure suits here, but there was leisure suits. Uh, I don't know what I thought of first. And she goes, well, what was it about? And he goes, well, I spent the birthday, the money for the birthday party for my daughter on a leisure suit. Uh, and he goes, I know, I know. And she goes, well, it makes sense your family's in Riverbottom, like, uh, like, and you're here. But that's a mistake we'll deal with at another time. And he said, yeah, I probably should deal with it at another time. And she goes, what, I, by the way, it's not the best time, but what happened to the suit? And he goes, they hit it, uh. And, uh, he goes, oh, well, I thought they hit it on me, but really they made a, it was my partner. She made a birthday present out of the suit cause it had really nice lining, but I didn't even realize it cause I was so distractible. And she goes, wait a second. What did you say about the suit? He goes, well, I thought they hit it and I searched everywhere and Francis froze and she goes, hiding she goes, when we used to go clothes shopping, uh, especially when I'd go clothes shopping for Dari, Willow would hide inside the clothes racks when we were in the store, like when we are in that, we'd drive to Riverbottom to go in the big store. And he goes, uh, Hills or Ames? And she goes, both. And uh, she would hide in between the clothes racks, and it was almost impossible to find her. And sometimes, you know, it would make me, uh, like, uh, have to say, Willow, come out right now, I can't find you. And she would be laughing, not knowing that uh, 
how well she could hide in clothes racks. And she goes, yeah, sometimes I was shopping or I'd get caught up in conversation with somebody. So it was a way to kind of have power over your parent. Uh, and Leanne said, well, what are you saying? And she said, she's probably hiding in one of these clothes racks. And Leanne said, well, it looks like there's like a million clothes racks in here. And she goes, well, I don't suppose I could just think of Willow. And she'd be in this, cl- nope, Willow's not in this clothes rack. I'm standing behind uh, so she said, wait a second, where, oh no, uh, and she, she goes, so, well, she want, she would want us to find her though. So she would pick a close racks, uh, that no one could find her, but us, uh, and Leon said, okay, well, would that be like princesses or like the close racks from the audio drama, uh, like an astronaut or undercover, and uh, uh, Francis just kept saying, no, what about a leprechaun? I see some leprechaun. Leprechaun? What are you talking about, Leon? Uh, pirate? And then uh, Francis went into her and she said, no, no, no. Bad, 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 bad bards. Uh, that's where she'd be. She goes, what would a bad... He goes, well, that'd be a pirate, kind of a bad bard. Uh she goes, no, no, not just a pirate, like a coat or a cape. Uh, and he goes, yeah, yeah, or a cloak. Uh, and she goes, he goes, remember those slokes? That person, that guy, Scooter, came to town trying to sell those slokes. Uh, he goes, were those slacks and co- cloaks? Or, uh, and she goes, that's what it would be, a cloak uh, or, or, or something. And he goes, what would make it, why is a cloak bad? And she goes, no, it's not, it's practical. If you're a bad bard, you, you probably have to be, you want some practical wear. And to be able to go under the cover, you know, stay warm, uh, stealth, uh, style, flexibility. Also, like to use as a blanket or to sit down. I don't know how many bad bards have picnics. And he, they started racing around the clothes, and eventually she found a, a cloaks, uh, and she pulled the cloaks away. And she said, these are the cloaks. They're, they're very, they're, they're so dark, I can't tell. She's like, these are the color of night sky. I don't know if it's black or purple or blue. And he said, yeah, these are like velvet, and they started pulling them away. And then actually Leanne said, I wonder if this one's nice. I wonder if this would fit me. Now, meanwhile, Francis was saying, Willow, 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 there there she is uh, behind these cloaks, on a, curled up in a cloak. And she said, Willow, Willow, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And Willow didn't say anything. And she noticed that Willow, like, uh, was cycling in and out of being a doll and being her, her daughter, Willow, a beaver. Uh, and she, you know, like to doll hands and doll arms and doll legs, like a doll, like a baby doll. And she said, Willow cycling in and out, Leon, what do we do? What do we do? Uh, and then, but then Willow was also like, mom, is that you mom? But she was, the call was coming from the eyes and not Willow's mouth. And then she saw Willow in the eyes wandering and, and, uh, she said, Willow, can you hear me? And she goes, yeah, but there's like a something between us, like a TV or a window. Like I, I can hear you through a TV. And she said, okay, come to my voice. Uh, 
You've got to get back in your own eyes. You you have to look at me through your own eyes. And uh, then Will said, Mom, I can't find you. I can't, I can't understand. Uh, I need something more, Mom. And they were going back and forth. Now, meanwhile, while this is happening, uh, uh, Leon again had another non-positive flashback. Though all will be well, you know, that uh, he, he remembered his... Uh, he finally, after the suit incident, decided he was going to start rehearsing instead of just auditioning. And his daughter said, well, Dad, would you sing me a song? And he said, no, 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 I'm rehearsing songs. And she said, I could sing with you. He said, no, I, I, uh, uh, no I'm not singing with you. I'm singing rehearsing. And it, that memory went back and forth. Not a, the greatest memory to have. Uh, but it, like what Leon realized was that that memory was so potent that not after that had happened and after Leon had uh, moved back uh, to our town, he had swore he would never sing again because of that memory. Uh, it hurt his heart. Uh, he said... Uh, how could I do that to a little kid? Just say, no, no, no I'm, my singing's more important than yours. And that's why he's never sang ever again. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, Frances was trying to call Willow back, and she was kind of, uh, she was choked up as she goes, uh, and then Leon's thinking about his singing and his life. And Francis said, Leon, I need your help. I need you to pull yourself together. I need you to help me. Willow's in between the two worlds and cycling away. But I think if we sing together, we could get her back here. Otherwise, we're going to lose her. We have to sing her back here. And he said, what song? And she goes, well, this is what I need you to do. And he goes, well, what song? Uh, she goes, uh, well, it's a, ver- a song Willow wrote called Mom's Diner. It's based on another song, Tom's Diner. And she goes, I just need you to do the doo-doo part. And, and she goes, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-do
I'm drawing on my paper while my sister, she's rushing, and I'm thinking of my best friend and of all my close best buddies uh, when I feel my mommy patting me right on the head. And then Willow was back, and Mom was saying, Oh, Willow, Willow, and she was cradling her daughter in her arms. And Willow saying, Mom, Mom, where am I? Where are we? What's going on? And uh, she was saying, Don't worry, honey, don't worry. And then uh, Leon was shaken from his drifting away and wrapping Will up uh, in extra cloaks, including the one he liked, which I don't think was an accident either. And also was the only cloak I've ever seen that has a collar because he still wears it to this day. Uh, but he wrapped them up, and then they headed out of the... They they went back the way they came. Now, meanwhile, we were at the school, and we were eating uh, uh, pecan tarts, and, or pecan tarts, and eventually uh, Billy woke up, and we were all covered in crumbs when we heard something pull up. And at first we thought it was the adults... And we looked out, but it was uh, tons of weasels and Dr. Max and a whole crew. And we said, okay, we got to hide fast. Uh, so we created a trail of crumbs, uh, go into a bunch of classrooms and under the bleachers and then into the ventilation system. And then we backtracked while we heard them trying to get in and we hid, hid in some lockers now, it was so cozy in the lockers. We, at first, we were like, we could feel one another's breaths uh, uh, because we'd found that we didn't realize this, but a lot of lockers had false backs uh, so the school could walk up and down and check the lockers from behind. Uh, but we were, so we were in this like area, and uh, I don't know, we were all warm and cozy. We all got cozy and drifted off. But while we were falling asleep, Daria and Tefe had come back to the school and they'd seen it surrounded by the weasels and Dr. Max. And they said, okay, well, this, that's the people from the lab. Uh, we got to do something. Like they have them surrounded. Uh, and Tefe said, if there was only a higher authority, and Tefe was kind of joking, hardy, har, har, but... Uh, and uh, Batari said, you're right, like a community resource, they're the greater community resource authority. There's got to be someone much greater than Dr. Max. Uh, and uh, she goes, I got an idea. She, so she called the main community resource office. She goes, you know how sometimes we talk about the uh, military industrial complex taking over our educate, you know, schools and stuff? Uh and they said, yeah, that's just a conspiracy, you know, like a thing, Dari. And Dari said, they're, they're taking over the school. I think they're getting rid of all our textbooks and replace But I just thought you might want to go and check. So then our community resource team, which takes longer because it's not uh, like they started to gather and, and head over there. And then Dari said, okay, well, I got another idea. Just play along with me. And she uh, she must have known some sort of—she called this num- secret number uh, that you're only—like, uh, that she knew about, she'd heard about it somehow. That's, like, about the high—like, uh, 
that they supposedly the greater, 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 greater swamp authority listens to. And she said, uh, never like she left the phone off the hook, like, like, and, and like, but she pretended like, uh, she put it against something and she said, uh, she dialed and she looked at Teffy and winked and she said, well, you know, I'm not going to call, uh, forget it. Uh, uh, she goes, it's a bad idea. And he goes, well, yeah, you like, uh, you, but you, but you're going to, and he goes, I don't understand. And she goes, I think we should just go with Dr. Max. I mean, if Dr. Max catches the goose bunny and has the, the, uh, super powered platypus, uh, He's going to be more powerful than any other leader, not in the air, not just in the swamp, uh, but everywhere. And Teffy said, yeah, he's going to be powerful. And she goes, we'll all just be working for him. So I don't think I should tell anybody that what he's up to. And Teffy said, it'll be like, he's like, uh, would we call him Dr. King, Dr. Max or Max King, the doctor? And she goes, I don't know, you just call him your majesty or my lord, I guess. And Teffy said, I don't know, I think we should try to stop him. And Dari said, no, we're powerless to stop him. He's got his whole weasel force. They're loyal to him. And they they're just they just got to go get the, the uh, what is it, uh, platypus at the high school. Uh, so, you know, and they have those, like, there's not even a, that platypus doesn't even really have powers. It's, uh, the bunny that has the powers. And, uh, Tuffy said, I didn't know you knew that. We were trying to keep it secret that the platypus doesn't even have superpowers. We just were using the platypus to distract people. And Dari said, yeah, the platypus is just a regular kid, uh, but it's the bunny, the goose bunny, that has the magic powers. It was just project, and she, she goes, the Dr. Max is just so brilliant. Uh, he is the most powerful. We should go uh, uh, go see what he's doing. And she goes, if we go pledge our fealty now, we'll be in a good position to keep working for him. And then Teffy said, did you hear him say he, if he believes, he does, not only does he believe in humans, but he said he would work with humans. Uh, and Dari said, no, 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 no. First of all, no one believes in humans, but anyone that does wouldn't work with humans because uh, even if they were real, I think it was just a test balloon. And Teffy said, what was the test balloon? And she goes, it was to see who believed, I, mean, I don't know, but yeah, maybe we should get going to the high school. And uh, I just won't call, I just won't call and tell on him to the, like, uh, I mean, I was hoping somebody could put a stop to it, uh, let the kids go and just, you know, send him home without his dinner, Dr. Max, uh, hardy, har, har, let's go to, 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 to Tedward. And uh, Teffy said, yeah, let's go, Doranda. And they walked off, and they left a phone there. And who knows who was listening on the other end? I don't know. Uh, But meanwhile, I was in a locker right next to to Billy, and uh, it was like our our, our humidity of our breaths was uh, mixing, and we were slowly drifting off uh, for a short nap, uh, 
to just rest for a little while. Good night. All right, everybody, it's time for our episodically modular, serialized, barely serialized series, uh, Otter Things. This is the last uh, fictional episode, then we'll have a recap episode. Uh, so I'm going to turn things over. I think, oh, episodically modular means you can listen to it in any order. So if this is your first episode, don't worry. We'll try to get you caught up on everything. And then you could listen to it. And if you've never listened, you say, well, I don't watch that show. This is a bedtime story. Don't worry about it at all. It's made to help you fall asleep and keep you company. And before I get started, I just want to introduce things with our Hollywood uh, famous uh, introducer. Uh, the most famous person in our town, uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, Emma. As the ladies, as gentlemen, as the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary, it's time to journey to a place beyond the swamp. It's time for other things. Splish, splash. Ah, uh, thanks, Antonio. So, without further ado, I'm going to turn things over to Miss Emma Otter, and uh, she'll she'll take it from here. Hey, everybody, this is Emma Otter here. I'm your host. Uh, welcome to our story called Otter Things. It's a tale of a place beyond the swamp where I, Emma Otter, and my friends live and my family. And a place where a lot of odd things have happened to those of us otters, beavers, muskrats, uh, porcupines, and more. So I'm Emma, I'm in middle school, and I have uh, some very good friends. Some some of my best friends are named Vaughn, LJ, uh, Willow, and Billy. And once upon a time when our life was a little bit, it was odd, but a little bit more, uh, you know, less needed to be shared with the world, uh, we played a game called Bards of Big Bunnies. This was before we met our friend uh, Billy. It's a, a, a like a, a role-playing adventure game. You play dice in your imagination. And one night after playing, uh, all our my friends headed home, but Willow took a path less taken, and she was kind of led on a goose chase uh, uh, through the swamp and then into a strange another world by being, uh, presumably at this point we know from another world, uh, it, who was a goose, two-headed goose, or I guess technically three heads, uh, or a goose bunny, like let's just say that, a bunny and a goose, uh, that uh, may, probably from another universe or impact, I don't know, like that lived under other, uh, under the swamp, but also kind of on a b- plane between our world and another world. Uh, kind of complicated to explain. And there the goose bunny took Willow and also her sister's friend, Babs, uh, and, and treated them like t- toy babies in a kind way, took good care of them. But the thing was that because it was somewhere beneath the swamp, that was also in another world. Eventually, because Babs uh, drifted into the other world, and like uh, all that remained behind was a doll. 
And the same thing happened to Willow. And we, but, but, you know, during this time, we didn't know where Willow was. We were looking for, that's where we met Billy, a platypus, uh, who we'll get into, I guess, quickly. But don't worry, all will be well. I always tell you, eventually, while we used Billy to find where Willow was, Willow's mom, Francis, and the head of our community resources department, uh, Bull, the bullfrog, uh, Leon, or the bull, he, Leon or Bull, he goes by, he is a bullfrog. Probably you have to be a pretty cool bullfrog to be known as Bull. Uh, but they eventually found Willow, brought her back. So all is well with Willow. Now, meanwhile, so Billy lived in a place underneath a, a place on the other side of the swamp uh, known as the Visitor Center. And she she has powers that uh, she can use the power of song to make things happen. For You'll see in this episode. But, for example, if she said... Uh, I don't know, uh, the stars at night are big and bright. The stars might get brighter, at least to you, as she was singing it. And so we worked with her. We found That's how we found where Willow was, so that her mom and uh, Leon could find her. But the people that ran the visitor center underneath the swamp, they had been kind of using... Uh, Billy's uh, superpowers or uh, magic powers, however you want to describe it, uh, is part of some sort of uh, pseudoscience, uh, larger community resource uh, thing. Uh, like they, it was a lab, I guess, and it was run by a uh, fox named Dr. Max Modine. And Dr. Max was not ready to let uh, Billy go. And so while everybody was out or or the adults were looking for Willow, we were uh, waiting for them to return with Willow. And we found out that, oh, no, the uh, Dr. Max and his uh, team of weasels, uh, paramilitary, I would say, had tracked us down. So we were hiding in a, a set of lockers. Uh, we'd fallen asleep and we were hiding for them as they were searching for us. And I guess that's like where we'll start. I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else you need to know. I mean, I guess not. Like they started, so they started like uh, searching for us and eventually. Like, we weren't actually hiding in the lockers. We were hiding in a hallway behind, a secret hallway behind the lockers where presumably the school, this was at the high school, not our school, but where the school could just look in people's lockers without unlocking them or them even knowing it. Uh, And Dr. Max and everybody, they'd searched the whole school. They still couldn't find us, but they knew we were there. And then one of the weasels was walking up and down the hall, and he said, Hey, look at this here. So here's a love note sticking out of this locker here. Hardy, har, har. And he started reading the love note, which said, like, Dear Sweetie Poo, your fur is like, the, you know, something like that. Like when, when the moonlight on the breeze in the trees. Uh, he was reading it in that weasel. It has a moon in the trees, you know. But Dr. Max said, stop, what, what? And he said, it's a love note. Uh, what, what do you mean, what? Uh, yeah, it smells like uh, almonds. Uh, 
And Dr. Max said, did you say it was sticking out of a locker? And then all everybody paused and realized, oh, wait a second, the lockers. And we were behind the lockers, but we still were, like, trembling, you know, as they started opening the lockers uh, and uh, throwing stuff out of the lockers. Uh, and they'd say, clear, this locker's empty, clear. And some of the lockers were very neat, and some of them, you know, you could hear them, and then you could see, well, there's, like, uh, snacks in here and stuff. Uh, and it was tight back where we were. We were all kind of pressed together, like I said. At first it was dreamy and nice, and now it kind of felt uh, hot and sweaty. But I didn't really mind being scrunched up next to Billy. It made me really feel all as well. And then Vaughn and LJ were on the other side. But then, once again, an accidental weasel uncovery said one of the weasels was looking at a mirror in, that was, like, to the back of the locker. And I think maybe this was one of these weasels that had, like, a twin brother or best friend that worked for Dr. Max. He said, what are you doing? I said, hey, look at this. It says, uh, like, it had a joke on the mirror. I don't know which one. Uh, like, even though it's Monday, you, you look like a Friday or something. And I said, no, you don't. And it went to uh, hit the little mirror in the back of the locker. And it missed, and it hit the wall, and it was empty. And again, Dr. Max said, what ha- What was that? And uh, there was nothing, boss, nothing over here. We're just uh, searching these lockers. And Dr. Max walked over. And the weasel said, it's a mirror. It has a magnet. It sticks to the back of the locker. You look great, Dr. Max. And Dr. Max tapped the back of the locker and heard a hollow sound. Uh, and then you could hear them motioning, right? Uh, and there's a famous movie uh, called Hard to Can't Throw, Roll the Dice. Uh, oh, die, like Hard to Roll the Die. And it had a scene like this, but the uh, hero, the heroine, uh, she was in an um, air conditioning duct, uh, which I don't know what that is, but it was in the movie. Something they have in cities, I guess, big cities. And they were pressing on it. So they started pressing on the things, and Dr. Max just knew this is where we were. And they were tapping on the lockers, waiting for something that wouldn't be the hollow sound. And they were getting closer and closer to us. And I heard Dr. Max say, let's find the exits of these things. So we kind of knew we were caught uh, as uh, they started uh, pushing in. And then one pushed in right where I was, right into my, like, uh, almost touching my chest, uh, and, of course, it made a different sound because it wasn't as hollow because I was standing there. And then we heard the shuffling of weasel feet as they kind of got filled the hall or weasel paws or whatever. And then they pressed in on Vaughn's and it didn't made it less of a hollow sound. And then LJ's and then after LJ made a hollow sound. And they went back to me and then to where Billy was and then after Billy. So they knew exactly where they were. And we were there kind of in the darkness. And then Dr. Max cleared his throat and he said, Billy, I know you're in there. I know all you are in there. Just come out and uh, we could go home 
Your friends could go to their homes and everyone will be well. But you could also hear something else, which was the weasels uh, getting ready. Uh, and they said, wait a second, well, it doesn't, the weasels, you could almost hear their muscles moving and, and their nails like clicking in the floor of the hall. It was almost like a creak and a click. So we knew he wasn't totally telling the truth. Uh, and then Dr. Max cleared his throat again. He said, Billy, don't make me start counting down uh, for consequences. And then there was another pause, and Billy swallowed and looked at me. And then Dr. Max started counting down, uh, you know, five, uh, four. But then I heard, and I didn't even hear it. I felt another sound deep within Billy, this uh, vibration that kind of started to grow behind the lockers, and I could feel it in my chest uh, and my nostrils and even my teeth. Uh, is it moved outward? And it was the song Strike It Up uh, that she began to sing. And then everything in the lockers and the floors and even the lockers themselves uh, lifted up and, and flew and started flying around and dancing around Dr. Max and the weasels. And all the lockers that were closed burst open and stuff started flying out of them. Uh, and right in that confusion, uh, we ran, uh, and, uh, like through a storm of papers, the four of us holding hands, uh, wrappers and snacks. And of course, Vaughn wanted to stop and he even opened his mouth and caught some, what is that called? Uh, fiddle faddle in his mouth. And then he said, then he caught a bugle, he said, fiddle faddle and bugles together, the taste that nobody wants to taste, uh. And then we said, where should we go? And then we ran into the room where, where the school uh, has in-school suspensions right around the corner. And I said, this is a good place to hide because I heard Tefe say that once they uh, put you in here, they forget all about you. Uh, and they probably already looked in here because it was like in the principal's office, but in the back of the principal's office, like these little mini places uh and they said, Tefe said, they can't even hold me. The school, you know, you can't hold Tefe down, a good otter down, uh, even in, in school suspension. And we ran in there, past the nurse's office, past the principal's office, uh, and uh, past, you know, that printing machine, that prints in purple. I don't know what that was called. Uh, it smells like uh, weird. And then when we ran in, it was just a hall with a bunch of rooms and a bunch of doors. And we immediately realized, wait, these are just like little study rooms. So there's no exit here. And we started searching for a place. Had, there was like a desk facing all of it uh, where I guess some monitor would keep an eye on the kids that were in in-school suspension. A lot of dust. Uh, we knew it would only be a second until the weasels got there. So we were trying to look for anything we could use. Uh, Vaughn jumped up on the desk and knocked over this big box, and out of it tumbled a bunch of these cones that said, uh, I, uh, I said, do, 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 do say? Is this like some sort of French class thing? Dune, do, it's like a, maybe it's sort of do, that Dune, 
Remember that book, Dunes? Is that, I thought it was called Dune. And then LJ said, don't you know that's dunce? It's like an insulting term for troublemakers that authority figures use. It's not appropriate and kind. And just like your brother Tefe, he's probably been called a dunce before. And we said, well, we we got to hide. Uh, can we use these? And then uh, Vaughn said, like, is a dunce like a jester? And LJ said, yeah, kind of, kind of. Uh, these cone, you got to wear them on your heads. And then we said, well, what if we point them out in the door? So we started stacking them with the points out in the doorway. And Vaughn said, you can use your mind to shoot them out at the uh, the weasels when they come. And we filled the whole doorway with cones. Uh, from the outside, it must have looked like some sort of, uh, I don't know, in the inside, it was just circle, you know, paper circles. So as but as we were stacking the cones, the weasels came, and we see Vaughn said, "Sing a song like rock. Can you sing one of the rock, famous rocket songs by Bowie or Elton?" And Billy just kind of stared at him, uh, and uh, she said, "Is is a jester and a fool the same thing? Like in uh, William Turtle Spear? Because Doctor Max used to read me Tur- William Turtle Spear." And I said, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. And she said, okay. And the weasels gathered outside and they said, nah, your doctor's not here right now. Uh, so we're going to soften you up. But Va- Vaughn wasn't listening either. He said, get ready for a countdown to Major Tom. And then LJ said, Major Tong. And then they just said, anyway, five, four, three, two, one. And then nothing happened, and we were waiting. And we looked back at Billy, but she was already singing. But it wasn't a, a, a space. It was like a sad, sweet song uh, with a little bit of fun. It wasn't rocket-like at all. But then the weasels started pulling the dunce caps out and walking in the room and putting them on their heads. Uh, and uh, we were like, Billy, what's happening? And... and uh, she, then she started singing, because first she sings uh, throats, uh, uh, but then they started dancing, and they realized the song she was singing was Everybody Plays the Fool. And they started dancing like marionettes, uh, doing some sort of foolish, silly dance. And uh, they started singing along with Billy, and eventually they just went into the different study rooms and sat down like marionettes, exhausted. And uh, then Billy said, don't come out. Like, you're all in big trouble. Like, she was a teacher. And they kind of were like, they're, they, they, like, uh, like they were, like, they were students or something. And they all kind of put their heads down on their desks. And she said, yeah, put your heads down and don't come out until we tell you to. Uh, and then we locked all the, and they said, wait a second, you can, these study rooms have, and we locked the doors and all, like, uh, there's a good portion of weasels we locked in those study rooms. But then I was thinking about the lyrics. I said, well, this is not the lyrics to the song. And I said, oh, well, I guess it's like uh, Billy's Powers. But whatever it was, it worked. And we poked our heads in the hallway, and the hall was clear, and we started running again. And then we were trying to figure out how we could sneak out of the school. And uh, LJ said, well, what about... Uh, 
like, uh, like I think there's like when we were in the science lab, he goes, he goes, isn't there the uh, underground compost? Uh, he goes, isn't that part of the science lab? And we said, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe we could sneak in there. As you said, oh, yeah, that'll, that'll like get out in there. And he said, yeah, there's an aeration tank in the middle of the uh, sports ball field. So we ran down the hall and then we got to the science lab door. And as we did, right around both corners came Dr. Max and a bunch of weasels on both sides of us. And as soon as we stopped, Billy fell to her knees and, and closed her eyes and, and uh, leaned against me like she needed a nap, like she was tired out from all of her singing and using her powers. And I uh, said, get the door open. We got to get in here and lock the door for Dr. Max because they were still running towards us, you know. But they got there and... Uh, I think we had a little bit of time. Again, my memory is just uh, like, uh, but then Dr. Max said uh, in this very flat voice, uh, Billy, can you hear me? It's your papa here, Billy. Uh, it's time to take you home. And then he said, and you three need to step aside and let an adult handle things. You caused enough, enough trouble for everyone here. It's time for me to fix things and take Billy home with us, so just to step aside. Because I'm more than willing to count down. And I said, no. And then Vaughn said, no. And then LJ said, no. And I said, we'll take any consequences you got, uh, Fox Face. Uh, go ahead and count us down. We're ready for you. And then LJ said, yeah, count us down. And Vaughn said, yeah, count us down. And Dr. Max said, I was hoping you'd say that, uh, weasels, let's start count, let's count on five, uh, four. And then I said, we're not worried at all because Billy transferred at three. She transferred her power to us, uh, so I'm sorry to say to you and your weasels, uh, you're going to be very, very, very sorry. And I kind of started to make this noise like I was holding a note or warming my voice up. And I held up a finger to my ear like uh, I'd seen in a music video one time. And then LJC, yep, don't make us sing you into non-existence. Uh, and uh, then... Uh, Vaughn made a squeaky sound like his voice was cracking. He said, have you ever seen what an off-key magical song does to a weasel? And looked at all the weasels, and they had all paused. And uh, Dr. Max even uh, paused for a second. Then Dr. Max said, don't worry about it. They're bluffing, too. And then I said, Okay, uh-huh, and I started to clear my thought, the voice. Uh, but to be honest, I didn't know... We were bluffing, but I thought uh, maybe we could get Billy's powers, uh, and the weasels seemed to believe it. And I said, Vaughn, can you drop a beat on us? Uh, and he goes, bop, 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 bop. Uh, and then I, 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 I said, uh, and then LJ said, give me the music, uh, 
And then I realized because we and we just started to dance in sync. First, we put our left foot like our left foot. We step forward, left over right, right over left, uh, arms down, leaning forward, two hops back, uh, hop on your right leg, uh, three hundred sixty degree spin. We they kick your thumb back, uh, like your tone, and, and we were singing this song. Uh, and the weasels and Dijamax, they were just stunned because it, they, what they did, it was so flawless and natural. Because, but that was because we had that's because we had rehearsed this so many times uh, for this talent show. We were going to enter because it's a song uh, everybody dance now, and we were going to do it. Uh, we were going to do it in, as we were going to do it as like characters we were studying. In our literature class, for, and then we just so we practiced it all. Uh, but then, like we said, wait a second, we'll be the only ones that enjoy this. Uh, so we just did it for ourselves. In the end, we just got nervous. We didn't enter the talent show, but we knew the dance back and forth. Uh, but I'd forgotten about it because it'd been a couple of years. And then I started singing, "Gonna make you sweat till you cheese." Uh, is that gross enough? Indeed. And then uh, Vaughn and LJ said, you know, going to make you sweat, baby. Let the rhythm move you. It was a whole thing. Uh, and uh, everybody, their jaws were just wild. Uh, but I was like full of confidence. I was staring at Dr. Max and the weasels because, again, they were like, there's no way they could be just dancing like this just on their own. Uh, uh, maybe Billy was still like, I think in the back of their minds, even Dr. Max thought maybe Billy was actually using her powers with her eyes closed or something. But then Dr. Max shook his head and said, no, 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 three, two, and then as he got to two, the whole building shook. Uh, and that's when everybody stopped, even us. Uh, and then it shook again. And we heard this click, click, clicking. And then it shook uh, again. And then coming, running down the hall, we heard the actually the pitter-patter of little feet. Uh, and then an Adi Ruxpin ran down the hall underneath all the weasel's legs, slid with style right up to us, uh, then popped back up and looked at us. Uh, and Vaughn jumped and squealed because he thought it was a bug, uh, but it was really just an Adi Ruxpin. And uh, Adi Ruxpin said, nice moves, Willow. That's really good. Winkity wink. Uh, and uh, we said, why, we, were, we were stunned. Everybody was stunned. And then Adi Ruxman said, I'd duck into that lab right now. And then everything shook again. And as we grabbed the door to the lab, uh, bursting like through the walls and the ceiling was the giant uh, goose bunny. And it was uh, hopping down the hall. It looked very unhappy. And then I realized that... Uh, uh, the Adi Ruxpin was shaking off all sorts of carrot and peanut butter, and we closed the door. But uh, what I know now is the bunny went down the hall and was grabbing weasels with its ears and its goose heads and, dan you know, kissing them very strongly. 
and they were all trying to stop it, and it was hopping, and uh, it hopped on Dr. Max to give him an extra hug and kiss, uh, and Adi Ruxman held on to Dr. Max, uh, uh, and then the goose bunnies tried to lick Dr. Max and all the uh, carrot shreds and um, peanut butter or whatever. And meanwhile, we closed the door of the lab and, and locked it, uh, but it, 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 we were like hoping that the bunny would just go away or something. And then we put Billy down and we tried to like uh, give her some water. And we heard the weasels, like, you know, trying to get out of the way of the bunny and saying, I'm not a carrot, stop licking me, uh, uh, and all that stuff. Uh, and then we heard the bunny kind of saying, go to sleep and sing some of them to sleep. Uh, and then it was quiet. And we said, okay, that's good. The bunny's good. And then, of course, no, no, no. The bunny doors ripped it. The bunnies used its ears like arms and ripped a floppy ear to the door right off its hinges. And uh, LJ said, grab some beakers and a Bunsen burner. We'll stop this thing. And we said, but we got to hook it up to a hose and then find the teacher should keep it everything. So we were throwing beakers and uh, test tubes at it. And Vaughn was trying to hook up a Bunsen burner, uh, uh, but then it was just kind of deflecting everything with its ears and its goose heads, but it also didn't seem to like, obviously, having that stuff thrown at it. And, uh, again, Vaughn was trying to say, get get this thing up, uh, and then Vaughn stood up and just bluffed like it had a bun- he had a Bunsen burner, and the bunny took its ears and picked Vaughn up and, uh, had him gently rested, laid him on the ground so he would rest uh, and not get in the way. And then LJ came and uh, just 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 kind of, kind of dove on the bunny, uh, which didn't work, and it gently placed LJ to the side uh, so he could rest and without help, being able to help anymore. And then I stood in front of him and I said, no, N-O, leave us alone. We're just kids. Uh, You already bothered our friend Willow and we're not toys. We're not carrots. Go home and leave us alone. And then one of the gooseheads kind of stared at me and then kind of coughed and then spat out, uh, an Adi Ruxpin, different part, Adi Ruxpin parts. And, uh, I said, gross. Uh, and I said, you know what? I don't think you want this. And I don't think you really, uh, I don't believe you're really here. Uh, but it's, uh, it did, it didn't, it didn't seem to say, like, it wasn't listening to me. And I said, we play this game called Bards and Big Bunnies. And sometimes there's, uh, beings that are just acting on instinct. Are you sure you're not acting on instinct? Uh, and something about that word instinct, I think, made it perk its ears up or something. I said, do you just want one of us as a toy? You tried to take a Willow, and now you're going to try to take Billy? I'll go with you. Me. And I, I said, me. And it looked at me. And I said, I'll come with you if you leave all them alone, all my friends alone, and leave. And I said, do you understand? Uh, and 
it nodded and I said, okay, let's, I'll go with you then. Just leave them alone. And it kind of stared at Billy for a while because I think it had some connection to Billy. But I said, I'll go with you. I'm the most, like, look at me. I'll make a great toy. Googly, googly, goo. And I said, you could even wrap me up. And then it, like, pulled out a goose thing, went into its bunny fur and pulled out a swaddling blanket. And LJ even said, no, like, but LJ was so tired and rested that, uh, said, no, we'll, 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 Emma, no. And I said, yeah, I'll go with you and, uh, I'll go to your bunny world. Uh, just don't be rough with anybody else here in our world. Okay. Let's just go back to your world in the tracing paper tower or wherever it is you live, uh, and I'll be your big baby if that's really what you want. Uh, and then one of the bunnies, one of the bunnies, goosehead started to kind of pat down my head. Uh, and then it started to kind of start to swaddle me in this swaddling blanket. And you know what? I wasn't really worried because uh, I did realize that big bunny stuff and me, I wasn't being a method actor. Uh, but I guess I was in an adventure and I said, well, this is what it's going to take. Uh, all will be well. I'll figure this out. Uh, and because some people said it was so courageous and so brave and that, uh, you know, that, uh, they could have made a, a series just about me and, and what I was willing to do and not about all my friends and everything they did. But I said it wasn't brave. It was just what needed to be done at the time, and I knew it was going to work out. I didn't know how, but I had some confidence. And I said I could probably live with a bunny. I mean, I didn't want to, but it was a choice. I didn't want the bunny to uh, deal with my friends in in a non polite way, or my new friend uh, Billy. Uh, so it started to swaddle me, and uh, I said, okay. And then it started to sing to me. And I said, okay. And I started to kind of start to feel strange because uh, I was, well, first of all, I was swaddled in a full size, uh, hadn't been swaddled in like whatever, 10 to 11, 12 years. And I felt like it was singing me a lullaby, but I was like getting transported like into that dreamy place you go when you're asleep. Uh, but it was different. I could see a world that wasn't our world. Uh, but I was like, okay, here I go. And I felt myself fading and, and turning into a doll. It was weird, uh, I'll say. And then I heard something move uh, behind the bunny, and then I heard Billy's voice say, No, uh, stop, uh, this stops here. And uh, the, the, like I said, the bunny stopped singing, and then I saw Billy standing, and the bunny turned and looked at Billy, and it made kind of like a, like a geese hiss or whatever. Billy said, it's time for you to go home and it's time for us to wrap this up and unwrap my friend. And I said, oh, wait a second. Uh, Billy's going to sing a song. And Billy kind of made a look at me like uh, to, to use my teeth to unwrap the tie. And I did. I pulled the 
I started to de-swaddle myself, I guess because I'm, you know, I'm not a little baby. I could pull the swaddle out with my teeth. And I thought, this is awesome because I could tell Billy was starting to sing. I didn't know what it was about. Uh, and I said, oh, great, Billy's going to save me. She's going to deal with this bunny and send it home and everything's going to be well. Just how I wanted it to turn out, just like before, I was willing to do something but now, you know, I didn't see it as related, but I said, well, now things are going to work out great, and then Billy can live with us or whatever, and all will be well. But we know that sometimes all will be well and not in the way we expect, you know, because uh, uh, we just, uh, you know, it doesn't all, it, sometimes all will be well means you, you say, oh, it was unexpected. This isn't how I would have said all will be well, but it is how all will be well. And Billy said, throw me the blanket. And I threw Billy the blanket. And then she started running around the goose and swaddling it. Uh, and she said, it's time for you to go home now. And she started singing a song from a distance, like from a distance, the world looks blue and green and snow-capped to swamps uh, or something. You know, from a distance, there's harmony and it echoes through the land, a voice of hope and peace uh, through every swamp-based being. And she swaddled, and then she held the she swaddled the goose bunny not just in her swaddling blanket, but in her arms. Uh, and she was singing to the bunny, and she said, "I'm going to take you home to your world where you belong." And I said, "And then you'll be back." Uh, and she looked right at me, and you know, tears rolled down her eyes. Uh, and I said, oh, dear, I guess that means no. And she said, goodbye, Emma. Goodbye, my better than best friend. And I could only say goodbye. I could not I could only say it with my mouth and not my voice. Uh, and she kept singing, and they started to fade in and out and fade in and out. And I guess, like, kind of what happened after that kind of faded out of my mind. Uh, I guess eventually they faded away. But for me, it kind of faded into my tears, and I guess maybe I fell asleep from exhaustion or sadness or something. But what happened was that uh, I guess Darian Taffe's plan had worked out. They had, like, uh, done a ruse to let the, our community resource department and the regional community resource department know what Dr. Max was up to. So they had sent uh, authority figures to come, and they came to the school, and uh, they said, oh, we're, we're here to, uh, re, you know, community-based services and to help uh What's going on with all these weasels and these these are unauthorized authority figures and who's what's Dr. Max doing? And so they took they said, Well, we're gonna have to deal with some consequences for all of you. So they took them away and they brought us all. Uh, my parents were there and Dari and Tefe. And eventually we uh 
we all like, you know, got actually because our community rallied around us and made sure that we slowly recovered our physical health and, you know, had the resources to deal with everything and process everything that had happened. And we we're validated on the oddness of it all. And I mean, it quickly it became like something that just people kind of remember in an inaccurate way. And Willow was there getting even more recovery services uh, so that she could, you know, marshal her own healing process, too. And slowly all of our health uh, started to restore. And we saw Willow and we visited her as she she was like, uh, you know, like getting better and healthier in her journey. And our community was there for us and our family. I mean, my family's kind of there. And, Te- you know, Tefe was like, oh, yeah, like uh, whatever. But Tefe was a little bit diff- a little bit different. And soon it was uh, like a season of giving and Willow was smiling again. And we got a new... Uh, uh, we got a new adventure to play in Bards and Big Bunnies. Dari had given Tefe a new audio, like a new used, like rebuilt Audi Rock Spindal. And she said, just so you know, this doesn't mean anything, though. Really, just so you know. But they stayed close, so I don't know what that mean, really means. I don't know. And soon we returned to playing Bards and Big Bunnies, and we had this renewed vigor of the game. Because it, it, instead of like, it, like our imaginations were more expanded with more possibilities, and then a visceralness that uh, some of this was real, but it was also fun. It was, I don't know, we just really enjoyed it. And I don't know, we just felt closer. You know, three of my best friends uh, were there Willow, Vaughn, and LJ. And then at night, you know, when I would be home, I would miss uh, Billy. But I also felt like she was there, like singing to me. I could feel her presence. I could feel the vibration of her voice. Uh, and I kind of imagined her in another world, snuggling with the singing to the bunny and singing to me at the same time. And I would look at the night sky and say, okay, this is like the Fievel, a mouse in a movie we saw, which would look at the sky. And maybe Billy and the bunny were together looking at the sky. And they said, okay, all's well. It's not the well I wanted, but all is well. Now, little did I know that Billy was not with the bunny. She was out there. uh, And she had, I guess she, I I don't know exactly, but... uh, you think she had brought the bunny back to the bunny's world, but she had returned to our world. And she was resting. She was living in the tree where we have the community research fair since it was still months off. And uh, Leon was watching over her and bringing her food and blankets and comic books and also bards and big bunnies and novels. Uh, which she was reading, and she had needed a lot of rest. Uh, but she she had everything she needed to rest. Uh, but we didn't know that. And at night she would sing, and I would feel her presence close by. Because even though I didn't know it, she was nearby. And I guess the most important part of the story was, uh, you know, uh, Willow 
uh, Dari and Francis's family unit was restored. But it was their life had changed. They had this new appreciation of one another, this new joy, uh, and this new n- awareness of how important life was and how important it was to accept things that weren't so perfect. And just in how important love was uh, and supporting one another and being part of a community. And they really just started to treasure, not every moment, because they weren't perfect, but a lot of moments, uh, and laugh even more, knowing, uh, you know, that there's odd things in the world. Uh, but when I mention pieces of imperfection, there is one part of the story I have to kind of close with, a little secret uh, to tide you over, a little secret Willow was keeping. Uh, she was keeping it from all of us because, like, uh, on her side, like, underneath her fur on her right side, if you kind of reached under, right under on her side rib cage, there was some, uh, what is that stuff called? Velcro. And, you know, that's not normally on a person, you know, an organic being. And if you pulled the Velcro up, uh, there was a plastic panel on there. Uh, like a, just a, kind of that hard, soft plastic, like a doll, like her body had changed in that one spot to a doll. And when she pulled up the Velcro and pushed on that spot, uh, she kind of made this, uh, this very quiet, uh, baby cry. It, it was like a, some sort of a mechanism, a mechanical one. When that cry came, she would see that other world where the bunny was uh, running around in a field of carrots, finally free. But also the strange tower going from one world to another world uh, through a piece of... And she said, Is it? but it wasn't a dream because she was wide awake and she would only do it when she was alone. And she didn't really tell anybody about it uh, it was odd. Uh, it was another odd uh, thing. Uh, but all all in all, it was also a reminder that uh, at least for now, all will be well as you get some rest. Uh, thanks for journeying to our swamp and hearing our tale of odd things that had happened. Maybe one day we'll speak again. But it's been my pleasure uh, to talk to you as uh, Emma Otter uh, reporting. Good night.